What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar with the great guru and SC Playbook. Make sure to follow each of them on Instagram and Facebook at SC Playbook One and Rugby League Guru. Bloke hoodies and trackies are dropping next Wednesday, 6 p.m. in black and in our classic brown color. That's right, we've got bloke trackies, the matching trackies to the hoodies. Make sure to grab them, guys. There's a limited amount next Wednesday. Not not in a couple days. Next Wednesday, 6 p.m., limited supply. Make sure to be there, guys, because they're going to go, and they're going to go quickly, as they did last year. Also, bloke in a bar beer, we are stocked in every single Celebrations, Bottolo, IGA Plus Liquor and Portals Liquor in ACT and New South Wales. Also in every single Celebration Superstore in Queensland. We have a stockist at www.blokeinabar.com. Just put in your postcode. It'll show you near stockist. Also, Bloke Midi is out now. We are also st- The Bloke Midi is exclusively stocked at Liquor Legends. We'll be filtering out into all the Liquor Legends across New South Wales, Victoria, ACT, Queensland. Go to the website. It will show you the closest. That's liquorlegends.com.au. Go to the website. It will show you the closest Liquor Legends stockers to try the all-new Bloke Midi. Bloke, turn up for family, mates, and good times. Beer for blokes to turn up, as usual. Let's get straight into it, baby. Just a bloke in a bar. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar, brought to you by Bloke Beer. Turn up for your family, mates, and a good time. Bloke Beer. It's for blokes to turn up, for blokes to turn up. Uh, we are in every single celebrations, Porter's Liquor, Bottle O and IGA Plus Liquor in New South Wales and ACT. And we're also in every single celebration superstore in Queensland. We've got a store locator on our website. Go there, put in your postcode. It'll show you any of the stockers. Make sure to grab a case. The unofficial beer of rugby league. Oh, I'm just going to say it, the official beer of rugby league. Uh, now, allegedly anyway, allegedly. It's all alleged to you. <laughs> the unofficial official. Uh, now, also, bloke jumpers. This beautiful thing I'm wearing, dropping next week, 6 p.m. Wednesday. Next week, 6 p.m. Wednesday. And also, bloke trackies. Stop it. Absolutely the most comfy trackies. I wear them constantly. Most comfy trackies ever. We've got the, They're going to be dropping in black and brown next Wednesday, 6 p.m. Set your alarms because there's a limited amount, guys. A limited amount. And last year, you know how quick they went. You know how quick they went. Uh, so make sure 6 p.m. next Wednesday, be there. Uh, limited amount, and they are super comfy. They're actually we've actually even upgraded the material. They'll be um, the same price as last year, so 79.95. But we've actually made the material better than last year uh, because uh, we source it from a better person that makes higher quality garments. So next Wednesday, 6 p.m., make sure to be there. But I've got the bo- the boys here, Gurino. How are you going over the weekend, mate? Going good, mate. Uh, obviously backing up from the live show. There's a few less people here today. Yeah, just a few. <laughs> what an unreal night, though. Yeah, thank you so much, everyone came. Honestly, it was uh, absolutely incredible. Like, I don't know, maybe five, six hundred of you, maybe a bit more. And uh, the rest, yeah. yeah. <laughs> five thousand, five thousand of you. I don't know, six, seven, eight hundred. It was, it was a lot. There was a lot of people there. Thank you so much. Uh, it was such a great experience for us to be able to say that we did a live show outside of ANZ Stadium, a core stadium, at the Locker Room Hotel. Um, usually that's reserved for like, you know, your, your, your big TV shows with big budgets and all that kind of stuff. And it's just battlers doing our best at the front. Uh, but how was your weekend, Guru? Yeah, it was good, mate. Uh, obviously, origin period, yeah, NRL uh, tends to drop off a little bit. I thought all the games on the weekend were really good. Mm. I enjoyed them all. Um, great to see some of these Origin guys backing up, coming mm. back to club land. That's where the real Origin players stand up and mm. 
Fuck, a heap of them stood up, didn't they? Yeah, for sure. What about yourself, Timmy? Yeah, good weekend, mate. Snuck up the coast with a few mates there. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, played a bit of golf, went for a little bit of a fish, settled in at the pub for a bit of Super Saturday triple header. Mm. Weekend was going fantastic. Then the Raiders got towed up against an understrength Broncos side, and I just sat there. I just had this realization. I'm like, shit, I've got to sit with Kempy Tuesday morning. And <laughs> what a week of footy! And listen to UK on not only about the Bronx town, the Raids, but Queensland for four <laughs> hours, and just from there it was just downhill the whole rest of the week. So, mate, <laughs> mate, I almost didn't show up. <laughs> oh man, let me have my moment. It's been a few oh. years. It's been a few years for the Bronx, baby. They're on top. Queensland as well. Incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. Uh, let's get straight into it because I know people are going to be really wanting to hear what we have to think about Origin, even though, you know, we've done some review shows, but all us together haven't done it. Guru, if you could sum up Origin 1, how would you sum it up? Yeah, Queensland, they just managed to out-Origin us every fucking time. Pain in the ass. Of <laughs> God, it was a tough watch. Just those those little moments. Um, the one that uh, I, I know you, you and Smithy spoke about it, that it, I can't believe the lack of attention it got. Val Holmes cleaning up that kick. Oh, my God. Like, it just had no right to be there in that moment. Um, that's what Origin's all about. And, you know, I, I, I was thinking all week, like, Nathan Cleary's obviously been criticised a lot. If Val Holmes wasn't there, Nathan Cleary scores the match winner. Mm. And it's a completely different narrative all yeah. of a sudden. He's Some a hero. Oh, what, mate, what a fight back. Completely different. It's crazy. Some of the efforts that Cam Munster had, the one-on-one strips and the way that he just... As soon as he dummies or falls out of any sort of structure, he's just the most dangerous guy on the field, isn't he? Like... Yeah, I mean, we, we, we spoke about in the lead-up to Origin that Munster is just in touch at the moment that we haven't seen before. And on the biggest stage, he stands up again. An mm. incredible performance. Incredible. I mean, talk about a big game player. <laughs> oh, my God. Timmy, speak to me. How would you sum up Origin 1 as a New South Welshman? Yeah, look, from the blue side of things, uh, it obviously didn't go to plan, but the smallest of changes, uh, not changes, like during the game uh, and we get the result and we're not here panicking and, you know, it's all good and all well and we're at 1-0. You know, there's a very few minor things. Queensland, as Guru said, got up for the big moments, in particular Cam Munster, who was just the difference in that last 20 minutes when the game was on the line substantially. So I wouldn't panic if I was the Blues. Hopefully Freddie doesn't. God knows what's going to happen with that bloke. Mm. For the Maroons, I think a lot of credit's just got to go to Billy Slater the talking point coming into the game was all these debutants, all these rookies and that, and you're sitting there going, this could go either way. And particularly Billy as a rookie coach himself, like he put himself up to be in the absolute firing line if that went wrong. And not only did he win the game, but the blokes he picked in, Carrigan, Cotter, were arguably the two best on the field. Cobbo mm. held his own. All those decisions paid off and you've just got to you know, applaud Billy, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think what I loved about the win was obviously the boys in the field they got the win but every selection that may have been dubious or oh, i don't know you know is that guy ready for origin he's not ready for origin they did exactly what they were selected to do you know cotter was brought on the field to just work like an absolute workhorse always through the middle uh plugging up holes go maybe go for 80 if he needed to the call goes out he has to go for 80 he just says yep sweet no worries paddy carrigan was brought on for his really explosive ball running and and to lift momentum changes the speed of the game he does that selwyn cobbo was brought on for his a bit of magic but also he's out of field uh the back, the back end of the field carries he did that really well um <clears throat> it was honestly it was such a good performance by queensland 
And it's just, it is crazy how much things can change in six months. I, I've said it a couple of times now, but if you had said at the start of the year that Queensland will come out and, you know, really dominate most of the game against New South Wales, in my opinion, I feel, I feel like, although it ended up being close and that was all due to New South Wales fight at the end there, Queensland probably missed at least two tries, at least two tries. Um, and so for them to come out and play they well they the way they did with so many with you know four debutants and players that you know they, they six months ago were arguing if they should even be picked in origin now all of a sudden they're playing like the some of the best queensland sides we've ever seen in the sense of i don't mean you know would they compete with eight in a row i mean they're bringing that queensland spirit they, they played they don't they look like each player on the field looked like they could belong in any era of Queensland in that jersey whereas you know last year it really didn't look like that at all um, you know I would even argue yeah last year didn't look like that at all but so this year absolutely incredible New South Wales though where does New South Wales go from here Guru? Yeah I think there will be a couple of changes I think uh, Tarek Sims he'd probably be the first one that I'd look to pull out of that side which direction they go not sure you like you've got Tyson Rizal on the ex, on the extended squad still, but jeez, mm. like we I, I said before game one, and I'm sure we all agreed that we would have had a, <coughs> Angus Crichton in there somewhere. Uh, he's a guy that I would definitely have a look at bringing into the side. But I mean, do you go back to the well with your Tyson Brazils, your Jake Trevojevic, your guys that have done it before? Mm. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see which way Freddie goes, and, and it could be. <laughs> one of many different directions and I wouldn't be surprised mm. with Freddie now what's going to happen what do you reckon Timmy one thing you said there filled me with a bit of confidence and it was sort of the reflection I got from the game on, on Wednesday night and that was that you thought Queensland dominated in most facets of the game and mm. I agree mm. I, I think they did and yeah they may have had a couple of extra tries here and there but the Blues had their chances too mm. we still only got done by six points for sure and I think off the back of that I take a lot of confidence and I don't think there needs to be wholesale changes mm. my changes for game two would be the same things I had going into it and that'd be Angus Crichton in for Tarek Sims I'd start Cam Murray uh, the other car one's a tough one because I, I really wanted him before game one and I'd still bring him back in but also Tupu was immense for us. Like he was Tupu two hundred yeah. two hundred eleven meters. He was 80 unreal. Close so it's like if you're Freddie and you've picked Tupu for game one, well, how the hell do you drop him now off that? Because mm. he was terrific. Um, I think the Blues tactically just made need to make a few little little changes as opposed to wholesale changes to their team because I don't think the team was too far off the mark. Mm. Um, but they can change their game plan just a little bit um, to, to bounce back and be up to, to make it one all. I remember, like, when we were out there, you know, we, we watched the game out there, and I remember thinking, fuck, like, New South Wales got so close to scoring on so many occasions, and I went back and watched it, and so did Queensland. Mm. Like, Ben Hunt bombed that try yeah. at the back end. So, uh, yeah, going to Perth is a serious worry. I know that we've got a reasonably good record over there, but backs against the wall, Blues have to go 2-0 now. It's going to be... Fuck, it's going to be immense. Yeah, but, you know, if the team can do it, it can be the team that last year won Origin by a record margin. Mm. I think it's easy for me to say, not being a New South Welshman, but I don't think this is a time for panic. It was 16-10. It wasn't 50-10 to 10 or 36-10. to 10. I think that minor changes I, I'd agree with. I, I do believe that, you know, I, I would always start Cam Murray. I, I'd never understood any, any coach that decides to play Cam Murray less than however many minutes he wants to play. I don't understand that. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to hear what, you know, maybe it was Liam Martin's kick chase that he really wanted to get, you know, with Jackie Wyden. I'm not sure. But I believe Cam's got to be on the 80 minutes. You could see, yes, okay, he made 
I think he had a drop ball and then that he ran a line and got stuck in the line and Paulo Bolo's try wasn't a try. But outside of that, I thought he was really good. I thought he was running great lines, getting quick play of the balls. And I just think you need him on for 80 because you want every chance you can get to get a quick play of the ball, you need to do that. So I would be putting Cam Murray for... Yeah, I, I, I personally, I look at Cam Murray and I see... Like we've seen a number of times how coaches try and bring him off the bench, mm. and I understand what they're trying to do, mm. but I, I just think it's out thinking the room now. Mm. I just think it, he has to be on there for eighty minutes. Yeah, the experiment of bringing him off the bench, and you know, I, I kind of thought well, when I was out there watching it live, I sort of thought when he came on the field, I thought, okay, this could be a masterstroke if he comes on mm. and plays fifty minutes here, going one hundred percent, which he did. He was incredible, but it wasn't enough. I yeah, I, I think that he has to be an eighty-minute player. Origin, NRL, Kangaroos, whatever it is. He just has to be there for the whole game now. The mm. only reason I can sort of work out with why Murray came off the bench, and look, I, I don't mind him to a degree in the, the the impact role coming on after 20-odd, but maybe it was because they didn't have a backup hooker and they're sitting there going, all right, if Cook does go down early and they need Murray to slot in there, who we sort of assumed was probably going to be the man to fill in there, mm. uh, and he had to go and then play big minutes at hooker, they wanted him you know, playing 60 as opposed to already being gassed for 20 minutes. It's all like hearsay, but otherwise it just didn't make sense. And I loved on the Channel 9 coverage where they looked at the metres per minute quite yeah. early on. A yeah. lot of them stats come up and they're just, like, it means nothing to you yeah. and it's just pointless. But the, it was a really good one, the metres per minute, and it had, talking about the speed of origin, 111 metres per player in the first was after about 20-odd minutes and the NRL game was 85. It's a lifetime and, away. And I think this this came back to a game probably with Billy Slater with his selection, then and Freddie to a degree as well, getting these smaller, more more mobile forwards in, uh, in Cotters, in Nanai's, these sorts of fellas, and tying it back to Cam Murray, a bloke who can easily go 80 minutes, um, he is nimble. He can, like They get rid of these guys like Jai Arias, Jake Trebojevic, who are a bit less mobile. Uh, I think that paid off for Billy and the Maroons. And mm. for the same reason, with the speed of origin, it just suits Cam Murray so well. Yeah, so well. I mean, and you just you just want him there getting quick play play the balls all the time. Uh, a quick shout out. Look, uh, look, I know Cookie had some you know runs where he was kind of looking, looking, and, and nothing was really going on. Um, but he made 54 tackles and oh. didn't miss one. Did you see that ball he threw to clear out a dummy half yeah. in that first try? Like that was, you you, you watch their defensive line. of Felice Kafusi, he was the third man out, and off that one pass, mm. he created an advantage Massive straight away. Ball. It was a, and yeah, he, he did have his moments, obviously uh, that that weren't great, Cookie, but he did a lot of work in D. And I thought, I thought that that, that was the best pass of the game. Yeah, he, I know it's dummy half pass and whatnot, but it was <laughs> just that that whole play doesn't happen unless that pass is perfect, mm. and he nailed it. Do you feel that, you know, let's let's assume, even though we've got no evidence for it, but let's assume you're right about the Cam uh, Murray one where we, he was kept on the bench just in case he needs to play long minutes in the hooking position. Do you feel that that's representative of Freddie being a bit too cautious with his selections, trying to cover? Because we look at Crichton and, and this is, you know, Crichton I felt was put in an unfair position. To come in the middle of origin and have never played that before, really hard for him to excel. Uh, and... I don't think people expected Whiten to play as good as he did, and you can't move Whiten. So Crichton was in a really unfair position, but you'd have to say that Queensland's decision to go risk a little bit, put Harry Grant on the 14 rather than a guy that can cover every <coughs> position, uh, probably paid off because Harry Grant was outstanding come off the bench. He really did impact the game. Matter of fact, I would say Queensland's bench is probably what was the difference. 
Uh, oh, and Cameron Munster, obviously. Uh, don't, you know, as again, Cam Murray was great. Um, but I felt like even Junior Bolo to the bench, I know RCG played really well, but I would have started Junior Bolo. I, I just think that he's a great starter. He's got really good, he can shift the ball in the middle there. Um, he's been there and done it. I, I think he just like mixed too much up off the bat uh, for them. So I would, you know, depending on, you know, club form, I would definitely keep Junior Bolo in the side for sure. Uh, and Regan Campbell-Gillard. I don't think he's done anything to warrant mm. not being selected. Uh, and saying that, we'll talk about the Eels game. Uh, man, did they look flat? And, that and was awful. They, they, what was scary for me is if RCG and Bolo, if they are tired, that team is like, you could argue they're not even a top eight side. Um, anyway, we'll get, we'll get to that. Because it seemed to me that RCG and, and Bolo, were, they, they just seemed tired. They seemed really tired. And, yeah, and, and that's fair because think of how much work they get through that team. Like they, they get through so much work, so much contact to come back from an, uh, uh, you know, two front rowers coming back from one of the fastest games we've ever witnessed. Like that was honestly one of the fastest games I've personally ever witnessed to then back up. I know it was five days later, but a tough gig, tough gig. What do you reckon, Maddie? What, what do you, how would you sum up Origin 1 as a New South Walshman? I actually, I've got a question for you all. And it's, and it's something that I haven't really heard in, like everyone... It's about, it's about Stephen Crichton. And everyone's kind of saying, oh, you know, it was the wrong decision, blah, blah, blah. And I'm really torn because he came on for Stags, right, in the 55th minute or whatever. Now, if, say, Hines or some other utility was playing, and, you know, we lost. If, say, Hines or some other utility was playing, Stags gets injured, then, say, Madison has to go play centre. And then they, Queensland score two tries down that edge. What would be – and, and – we'd be saying that Crichton should have been picked because yeah. we didn't put a true centre yeah. in oh, there. For sure. whereas, whereas on the other side of the things, you could argue that New South Wales maybe didn't have a plan for Crichton or maybe they did have a plan for Crichton and Whiten was playing too good that he kept him on the bench. So I just, I, I want to know what you guys would do for game two with that 14 spot because I, like, I'm seriously torn about it. The, the thing with, with Crichton is when he came on, to get involved, he's got to be in the middle. So yeah, okay, you're defending in the centre position. But if you want to get any ball, like centers get barely any ball as it is. If you want to get any ball, he's going to come in and he'll defend at center, but he's pretty much roaming around the middle to, to get the ball. And the, the concern I had was, is like, if you've never done that before, just a fresh come off the bench as a center, it's very hard. It's a hard mental state to be in. Like it's a very, it's not as simple. Like when you start a game, you can ease into it. You might get a couple of, you know, two or three early balls and that you're in the game come off the bench, defend out in the centre, but essentially have to come into the middle because you, you need to get the ball and get your hands on the ball. Um, I, I just think that although, you know, you're right, it was good that he did cover Stags. I, I, I just felt that the, the plan from Queensland was much more succinct and like, we've got a 14 on there. We know he's going to come in and do a job. And also look what uh, Queensland did when... Uh, Xavier Coates went down, Holmes moved to the wing, Catewell went in the centres, and we didn't miss a beat. We didn't miss a beat. Uh, and we still got that extra person in the middle to change the game. Whereas, like, putting a centre on, yes, yes, he did replace Staggs, but a 14 is on the bench to change the game. Like, that's what his job is, is change the momentum of the game. And how can he do that from the centre outside of getting in that middle there and, you know, running around trying to do what he needs to do? Whereas Harry Grant, he absolutely changed the game. What do you reckon about... Yeah, I, I think with the 14 jersey, it's tough because a lot of it is hindsight calls mm. so often. Like, you see a few years ago when Tedesco got injured, everyone said, why didn't he have Pappenhausen on there? Like, mm. 
I, I look back at that and think, if you have Pappenhausen on there, he can only play one position. Mm. That's all he can do. You can't put Pappy in the centre. You can't put him on the wing. But, it, you know, we all acted like Freddie was an idiot for not picking him. And I think also with New South Wales, like, Nico Hines would be my 14. Mm-hmm. But I still don't think he's an ideal 14. I look back at the history of Origin, some of the best 14s. I think Ben Hunt's been one of the best. He can play hooker. He can play half. Back then, you move your team around. A Craig Wing. He was an absolute champion when we were able to have him as our 14. Ideally, I want a 14 to be able to cover hooker and halfback. I, right now, and I maybe have to think about it more, but I've been thinking about it a little bit. I actually think Appy Coruscant could be the perfect 14 for you guys. I know he can't play seven, but look what, like Harry Grant is in better form than Cookie. And Queensland had such a specific game plan. They had the best hooker put on the bench. And I just think that, you know, whether you start Appy and you bring Cookie on like Harry Grant and you just get Cookie just fucking shooting out of the hooker, I think that could be a possibility, I, boys. I think Appy's the closest thing we have to that, mm. but I don't think we have that player. Mm. I, I don't think I, – I wouldn't be confident having Appy in the halves. As you said, he's not a halfback. He's the closest thing we've got to it. Um, I would still probably edge with Hines slightly, but – I mean, Appy's form is undeniable and mm. watching what Queensland did. Like, yeah. I, I thought the other thing, you mentioned how well Billy Slater did. I thought the most incredible thing about that night was that he used so many interchanges on his two hookers. Mm. Nanai got injured, Coates got injured. Like, his plan went out the window yeah. so quickly and mm. the way that he adapted throughout that game, it was like it was his, you know, 25th origin game he was coaching, yeah. not his first. Stayed real calm too. Just, there was no panic. There was nothing, yeah. you know. <laughs> we said before how quick that game was. I, I, I watched yesterday... On KO, had the, I think it was game one of 2003. I remember Sterlo in the first five minutes said, This is the fastest origin I've ever seen. Mm. And watching that, it's like it was in slow motion compared to the other. It was so fast. Uh, What do you reckon about Maddie's question and the 14 role? Yeah, look, bit to dissect there, but if we're talking about who the, the ideal 14 is for the Blues, let's say the exact same team's picked and Stephen Crichton's taken out and you're looking at who the 14 is. I think Nico is fine, and Maddie touched on how you know if a back line play goes down like Tony Staggs did. You have options there. I think Nico could slot in at centre if need be. You know he's a back line player; it's not ideal. But yeah. the other option is Cam Murray has shifted out to centre at times well. defensively, and he's elite. Yeah. I I can't remember who it was, but he did it for the Bunnies a couple of years ago it. and went out to centre, and, and he, he was against one of the best centres in the game. Mm. And he just destroyed them. Yeah, chopped him every single yeah. every time he got I the ball. Can't it was like it was, chopped him. But yeah, I anyway, so so there's a fine option there. The more I look into it, and that team that the Blues picked, we're missing that. Obviously, the backup hooker option mm. should Cook go down. And you know, you could say he could do this, could do that. Appy's fine, but the more I look at that team. Cook is so important to it and so much of our attack comes off the back of him and those fast play balls, mm. which we didn't get as often as we would have liked on Wednesday night. Mm. The bloke who I don't think is in our top sort of four or five back rowers in New South Wales but would fit that team is Victor Radley mm. because I think he's an excellent footballer but he's just perfect in the sense that, all right, he can come on, play lock, he can spell Isaiah Yo for 15, 20 minutes and give him a bit of a break and be a like-for-like kind of ball-playing link role lock player, mm. but also cover Damien Cook should he go down. Mm. So I think he'd be a great fit for that bench. Of course, he's not fit at the moment, so yep. you know, yeah. clutching there. But So I think he'd be a fantastic fit. Uh, in terms of him not being fit, and I was, I was looking at other replacements with him not there, who are our options. There's a bit of talk that Reese Robson might come into the fold 
who again again I think it's a premature move, but he fits that role, doesn't he? Because he can play at lock. Yeah. He can play at hooker and, and cover. Cookie. He's very similar to Cotter. He's very similar to Cotter. Mm. He's almost just the slightly reversing that he's a hooker specialist. Yeah. He can play at lock and yeah. yeah. So I think he could do that quite well, and he doesn't have to play big minutes. Like mm. as I said, I want Cook playing eighty, so mm. he can come on and play twenty minutes at lock, and that can be his involvement for the game whilst yep. covering Cook. So you know, I, I don't hate that. Mm. Um, It'd be interesting to see which way they go. The one, one thing with Hines is that well, on form, like I really believe that New South Wales could have used Hines to unlock that middle a bit better. I thought Cleary, once he started getting, once they realised, oh, <laughs> Queensland's got Cam Smith and Billy Slater and JT going, I know how to, I know how to upset Cleary. Once they realised that, I think they could have really fell back on Hines being the guy and, and almost use Cleary as a decoy. Because if they had, a, imagine a, a situation where Hines comes on and is, and basically Freddie, you know, calls the shot and says, Hines, it's your team now. Cleary, I just want you to do whatever, whatever Hines says, do it. Sit on the other side. Imagine how much space that would have opened up Hines on other sides because mm. Queensland were clearly stacking Cleary's side. Like everywhere, wherever Cleary was, there was a Queensland player ready to shoot out and, and jam him. So that's where I do think that Hines could have really helped on the weekend. But I also think, can you have – it's like too many cooks, too many chefs in the kitchen, like – Hines is the guy for his team. Like he is the guy, and if when he's not the guy, he can still do great things. But we saw when he was put back to fullback for the Sharks, he needed to be the guy for for, for him to really impact the game. And I wonder how much they could work together, him and Cleary, when Cleary is clearly the guy. Like he is the main guy. Um, so it's it's a really interesting situation. It's a tough it's a tough situation because at the start you would have said Hines absolutely deserves that position. Now you look how well they did with Harry Grant off the bench in Queensland. You start going, ooh, maybe we do need someone. The reason why I like a 14 that can be a hooker is because what do you want your 14 to do? You want it to change a game. Who has the most control of the flow of a game on the field? It's the hooker because they touch the ball the most and they decide where it goes. And so that's why I do like a like-for-like like with a 14 on the roll, whereas like sometimes you can bring a 14 on that isn't a hooker and they barely touch the ball because they're not the ones calling the shots. So it's a really, the, really the tough situation. The beauty that Nico has, and if Nico was the 14 and he was injected with 20 minutes to go, mm. with six behind chasing the game, he'd be coming on in that fullback utility role. He wouldn't be, not, I'm not saying replace Teddy, mm. he wouldn't be coming on as a halfback like he's at the Sharks where he'd be first receiver and calling the shots. Would you take Isaiah off? Uh, you could take Isaiah off. I said, if you're chasing the game, you could take one of your front rolls off and keep uh, Isaiah Yo. And he'd just be another sort of lurking option in around the ruck with Teddy and mm. just another X factor. Um, but he, w- he would be completely roaming. He wouldn't be jumping into first receiver too often. Um, so it'd be a complete, it'd be more of the Melbourne Storm sort of role at fullback than it would the Sharkies halfback role. Yeah, the only thing, issue I see with that is like, the concern for New South Wales is Cleary just kept getting shut down. Like mm. he, his whole momentum just got cut off straight away because they were just shoot. They were almost saying, like, what's the storm do? We're going to shoot out. If you can spread it to the edge, we're going to trust our cover defence to get across and do it. And the concern I have is if you bring on Hines to be that second fullback, he may not touch the ball because Cleary keeps getting shut down. That's so in Cleary gets shut down, who's lurking inside, outside him? It's Nico's going, whack, you're in a jam on me. Nico's flying. But, but, yeah, but you've got Teddy to do that. Yeah. If, you, if you can't do that with Teddy... I don't think you're going to be able to do that anywhere else. But, you know, who knows? Mm. It, it, it's, uh, it, it could absolutely work. Like it's the I, X factor that makes him a bit exciting. 100%, 100%. Mm. Because you, you, can, you can look at it all logically and you can say, well, clear who's under pressure if you can't do it with Teddy. But X factor, you can't, you can't um, 
describe X Factor. It just happens. It's like Munster. Exactly. You can't just, like, he's just on the field. If you said, how's Munster going to tear New South Wales apart? He's not that fast. He's kind of strong, solid ball playing, but then you watch him on the field and he just fucking does it somehow. So I agree with you. He does have that, absolutely has that X Factor. And his ability to, to create space for people outside him is some of the best in the competition. Um, is there anyone else that, so, so are we, do we all, think Sims is going to be the unfortunate one here. Is anyone else that may be unfortunate? I think so. I think Sims has to go. Do we, do we think Madison holds on to his spot? I, when I was out there, I didn't really notice him. I watched it back, and I just think he sort of struggled with the pace of the game in his first game. Do mm. we? Do, do you think he holds on? Ooh, it's a tough one. It's a real tough one. I don't one. think he deserves to be dropped, but well, if I don't, he I don't, is, I won't be surprised. I don't even think Sims played that bad either. Like... Did you guys see something that I didn't I, with Sims? Oh, there was obviously uh, the one off the scrum. I, there, there was yeah, that a, was a that was He, a he let DCE bad. go through earlier in the game as well. And there was, uh, yeah, I'd be interested to hear um, Slater's thoughts because okay. there was a moment earlier in that game where DCE came off the scrum and he, and he almost beat him again okay. on his inside Fair shot. Enough. And he sort of reached and got him at the last minute. Fair I just... Enough. Yeah, I was too focused on the Queensland. I didn't know who was defending. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, oh, I'd be moving him out, um, but I, I also wouldn't have had him game one realistically. Yeah. So. Uh, okay, Liam Martin keeps his spot. Uh, Ryan Madison in question. Crichton, Critter, does he keep his spot? I don't know. I, it feels really unfair, you know, like to bring this young fella in. It feels a lot like, do you remember when they picked uh, Dylan Walker a number of years ago and they brought him off the bench and they just, I, I think they shoved Walker at... Um, at hooker, so that was worse, but it had that same sort of. Walker actually might be, wouldn't be a bad pick at fourteen, to be honest. Now that I think about it, it's actually <laughs> he might actually, yeah. Well, he's a guy that could play six. He could play. Seven, he's on, he could. he's honestly a perfect utility. He actually, I wouldn't. Yeah, we just stumbled on <laughs> something good there. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I'm not sure if Critter's safe. Is oh, the question first? Is Stag safe? If Stag's fit, does he play? <sighs> yes, because I'm trying to think who else would be there. Well, you could go Campbell Graham. Options, yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- there are a few. You Would you? Oh, that's a tough. Yeah, SOS Latrell in. Move Jack to the I think right, Luttrell, maybe. I, okay, I mean, let's get to Latrell. No, I, I think Latrell's <laughs> been ruled out. Uh, Any, I think the Bunnies ruled him out of contention for game two. So they've ruled. Bunnies have said I he's not available. So. He's, they, they've pretty much. Jason Demetrio said he's not playing this week against the Dragons, so, so he's next to no chance to play Origin. That's what he was quoted as. Can he do that? Probably not. If Freddie <laughs> wants to pick him, can't he just fucking pick him? Yeah. And also, like, is this child going to be like, oh, no, sorry, bro. <laughs> not coming to play Origin. This is, like, what I was born to do. Uh, let's Okay, let's let's assume that he is available for selection. Do you pick Latrell Mitchell? No games. He has only played, Maddie said, five games in a year and a bit. Since the Manu incident, he's played five games since then. And that was last September. So he's played five games this season. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I think if we were up 1-0, I wouldn't even consider it. But down in the series, I just fuck it showed last Wednesday night that we we just didn't have that guy to throw the ball to mm. and just see what happens. Just break like, it over. Teddy worked his dick off. Mate, he did oh, so much work. So no, no much one's even work. talking about Teddy. Yeah. And I mean, Jack played a similar role. Some of the things that Jack did was incredible. And if if we win that game, mate, Jack's performance goes down as one of the one of the best we've seen. It I was think. fucking outstanding. He was great, um, but still, you just there's only a certain amount of guys in this competition that have Latrell and Turbo ability. Yep. And you want to something crazy? So, To'o and Tupo both had more runs than Teddy. So, like when you look at Fox, it's like two um, To'o and Tupo played outstanding. Mm. Like 
200, both ran for over 200 metres. So 400 metres between them as your wingers. I mean, you can't really ask for much more. You know, okay, if, obviously you can ask them not to make errors if they made errors, but so that's the, 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 the Schwox one is the most interesting one to me. And you compare it to like, say, you know, Queensland, like Coates, I know he went off, so you can't really add him, but um, Selwyn ran for 162, uh, had 18 runs. I thought he was good coming out of his yeah, own. He, he was outstanding. Yeah. But what I'm trying to say is, is like he had 18 runs. To'o had 25. Uh, sorry, yeah, 25. And Tupo had 26. So you can't say that though, the outside backs didn't, you know, do their job or contribute to the game. Um, so it's, it's a really tough one in regards to Latrell. I, I just think, fuck, I'm so torn because it's like I feel like he was born for these moments, you know? As a Queenslander... Are you more worried? Like, if he's in there, are you more worried? Or, are you, or do I you don't know because, like, you know, if he's fit and he's healthy, yes. But if he's fatigued, I just say, look, just get us through that first twenty, and then he'll he'll pop up here and there. And if we could just survive it, sweet. I, I feel like if we were to pick him, I'd know in the first five minutes if we're going to win or lose. Yeah, pretty much. Realistically, yeah. like that, that might sound like a negative to Latrell. It's a compliment. He's yeah. just that sort of guy. Well, you, I mean, literally the first break he's had in game one last year was a cutout pole yeah. to Latrell, 80 minute run 80 minute run yeah look it's a tough one do you bring uh Crichton give Crichton a crack in the, the centers if, if Staggs doesn't get selected yeah potentially I, would, would you pick Staggs again what are you thinking I thought Staggs was very hard done by yeah, so like, did I. I didn't think he did a thing wrong I, mm. I thought he was quite strong defensively he had some decent carries I uh, didn't he got basically very little opportunity in that first half and then he went off injured I was like well Seriously, it wasn't his fault we lost or anything. So, I mean, I'd be happy to stick with Stags On Luttrell, a few things to weigh up because we're not short on options for mm-hmm. starters. We mentioned Campbell Graham, Staggs there, Critter. I do think, again, it's, he was put in a tough position, Critter, but there were some big things that went against him. He had a, I'm fairly sure he had the poor defensive read for Benny Hunt's line break where he might have jammed or might have held back and he just slotted straight through. There was, I won't hold this against him, but... Munster stripped him at a key moment in the game. Also the penalty. Um, the penalty. Yeah. There was a lot of things that I'm just like, I just don't think it made sense him being on the bench and I would look elsewhere to him. You can bring in, say Staggs, he's no good with his shoulder, but that sounds very minor. Mm. Campbell Graham's rock solid. But then you go, Latrell, all right. If he's 90 to 100% fit and that can be guaranteed, mm. I would be happy to bring him in because I think he's, he's just that good a player that so he's made for that stage. Mm. The big thing is is that he's a centre where, and he's not a, a big running centre where he runs for 200 plus metres from that position with 20 carries and all that. It's not an overly intensive position centre where you need to be super fit and ready to go. Like Latrell, when he's playing centre in the NRL and Origin and whatnot, he can have seven, eight runs a game and he's extremely effective. So I think he could handle it provided he's fit and good to go. The only thing there is, Latrell is primarily a left centre because of his fend and a lot of other reasons. Jack White is also... He's not a left-side specialist because he's a very natural footballer, but you'd have to probably shift Jack to the right, which I think he'd be okay with, but it's another disruption that's not ideal. You're changing up edges. He was so good there on the left, so you're willing to bring Latrell back under Dan and then move Jack, who was probably our best player on Wednesday night, to the other edge. A uh, lot of moving parts, isn't there? Mate, it's, it's crazy. It's... Because the thing is, it's like, because it's such a young side for New South Wales, you, 
back in the day, if you had an older side that's experienced, won a couple of series, you just go, oh, no, no, we stick with them. One or two changes, we stick with them outside of that. Whereas with this one, like, you just don't know because it, it – when, when the Fox, Crichton and Trevojevic kind of get left out, you kind of go, well, okay, he's going to pick specifically on whatever game plan he chooses. And that's why you go to game two and go – is he going to pick specifically on the game plan he has for game two? And that may change half selections. Uh, just before we move on, do you bring the Fox in? Gun to your head. No, I wouldn't. Gun to your head. Yep. Matty? Yes, I would. Breaks me hard to say this because I think uh, Tupo is outstanding and played outstanding, but I think you do. I think you do. I, I, and it's, not, it's actually not about his performance on the field because I don't think the Fox is going to go for 200 metres. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the energy that he brings. Like it's it's just the energy he brings on the field, off the field, everything about it. They need something big. They need something dramatic. Um, and and unfortunately, it's it's honestly outside of maybe like the key key players in the side, he'd almost nearly replace anyone. You know what I mean? Not not just Tupo or the or on the wings, but anyone in that side outside of the key positions, I'd I'd bring Fox in just because of what he brings in camp. I think like just football wise, I think it's fixing a problem that we don't have just football wise. Mm. But I, you know, without being inside New South Wales camp and knowing what it was like, if it was a little bit flat like we're hearing, I can understand bringing Fox in. But what does it say to those other guys? Though? I know, I know. Well, that's the thing. Like, mm. I, you know, and I, I hate to be like, oh, you know. What would Queensland do? Mm. But they wouldn't drop those guys after performances. Well, like they, that. but they would never get rid of Fox. In the no, first I understand that. But I mean, we've made our bed. Mm. We've picked two guys. They've done a job for you. They've been solid. Yeah. I just, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I'd leave these two as they are, especially after Daniel Tupu's come out this week and has pledged to New South Wales. He's not going to play for Tonga in week two. Like yeah. I just, that's interesting. That's, that's interesting. So they probably, probably is going to stick with that. Well. I think before the game one, I can't remember what you boys said, but I thought we were pretty adamant on, all right, we would have gone the Fox, but it was no knock on Tupu or any mm. doubt on Tupu. Tupu came in and did, I think, what we expect him to do. It was tremendous. His yardage was huge. Uh, and if I'm Brad Fittler and I've picked Daniel Tupu for round, uh, Origin 1 over the Fox, I'd stick with it because, well, he did it. He did his job. As you said, what message does it send by dropping him? Yeah. But I'm not Brad Fitler and you've, you're asking me, so I'd be like, I'd still go with Fox. Yeah, but okay. how does Freddie drop Tupu after that? Seriously. Mate, the tough call. I, I don't know what the right answer is. I really don't because it's so easy for us to sit here after the game is gone and be like, I'd call in the Fox. Great and, job. <laughs> yeah. Whereas like, you know, before the game, yeah, we were probably like, ooh, tough, tough go on Fox. Um, you know, it wasn't like we were like, nah, wrong call, bad call. It's going to lose him the game. Right? What do you reckon, Matty? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like, before the game, I it's e- hindsight's so easy. I, yeah. I understood the Tupu, uh, Daniel Tupu selection, but just the way the Fox is playing, like he scored a hat-trick yesterday, he's, he's playing so well. He's done the job for New South Wales so many times. I don't know. We were just missing some sort of spark. And I, would he have made a difference on Wednesday night? Maybe. maybe. Probably not. I don't know. But... You're right. It is. It's so tough on Tupo to drop him. It's it's so hard. It's it's crazy. Or you know, Toto. Do you you do you drop Toto? It's mate. I don't know the answer is honestly. All three of them deserve the jersey. Uh, seriously, all three of them do. Well, I, I think as well. You have that moment where Daniel Tupu, like he comes up with a tricep for for Teddy. It's good. like it was forward pass, but yeah, I don't think that was forward to be honest. But 
Well, I mean, if that's given, all of a sudden New South Wales win, Teddy's come up with a – like, um, uh, Tupu's come up with a tri-assist and, and we're having done a very it. different conversation yeah. all of a sudden. And also, he did exactly what Freddie picked him to do, which was the high ball, get up, out-jump someone, offload, yeah. try. And, I mean, he had, you know, he had that yeah. moment where, obviously, his side got um, got peeled there where Critter got um, – Stuck at first marker and they had Payne Haas there. Like, that, that was just good vision by KP yeah. to address that the A was a front rower just to skip outside him. Like, not much Tupu could have done there. No. Nah. It's a three on two. It's like, it, it is what it is. Like, the I tough just, thing for wingers, and, and look, I understand why, you know, people can be negative, but his really only option there was to go for the intercept. Because, mm. like, whatever way he went, Pong is hitting the right guy. And if he goes for the intercept and, and, and he hits the short ball, everyone's like, yeah, cat. Tackle the player, rah, rah. You know what I mean? And it's like, even if he had have tackled, like, the, the short player, he probably would have gone long. Or he would have, you know, he had such a run-up, he would have hit, then he would have offloaded, whatever it is. I don't think Tupo could have done. And, I mean, like, he made a good play later in the game where he saved a try on that edge. Mm. And DCE fucking walked over off the scrum. Mm. He's just like... T- yeah. <sighs> Tupu was so far from the issue on that try. Oh, like, yeah, and, yeah. and he copped a little bit for it and whatnot. But when you look up and Caelan Pong has got a one-on-one with Payne Haas, it's like... He's not getting that option wrong ever. Ever. And it was like, it goes back to the Blues markers were slow to help out. Mm. Teddy, it was a great shot from the back, and Teddy was sliding across to the open side because he thought it was going that way. Teddy should have held firm on the inside of Payne House so he could go. Yep. It was all these issues, and it was none of it was Tupu, none of it was Nathan Cleary either. And to bring up something that I bring up most weeks with Caelan Ponga, but flat and fast yeah. first receiver, not out the back, it didn't matter. That didn't have to be Payne Haas. It could have been just about anyone, and he would have got on the outside of him. Yeah. Like, and oh, also, he, he could have – he may be an hour to uh, just gas Haas and score himself. If he, if he there, There's a world where he throws a dummy, clearly stays out in his man, and he just scores himself. He, he had so he many – Yeah, so if many options. doesn't buy it, yeah. That was just that – was, that wasn't a, a – you know, okay, you could have said, you know, Teddy could have been on the inside. That was more just build-up pressure. Mm. Like, that, that was build-up pressure with a great play – that KP executed uh, incredibly. Now, just quickly before we move on, sorry. I will say the negativity that people are giving Nathan Cleary is outrageous. <laughs> outrageous. Now, fair enough, if you want to say, look, didn't have the best game, you know, I, 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 can, I can jive with that. But some of the chat, you're just going, what? This guy has won you three series and a grand final, and all of a sudden, he can't play footy. He's not a big game player. Like, what is going on? I think there's a lot of people that have been sitting around for three years waiting for Cleary to drop a ball to drop at some yeah, point, and yeah. now they've taken their opportunity. If you go like, you go back and watch that game, and the amount of things that Cleary created that the team screwed up on the next play, like mm. he put Tariq Sims through a half hole. They're on the front foot. They're coming out to the right. Uh, Junior Bolo gets the ball and steps in and scores. Obstruction there, so they lose that advantage. We mentioned if Val Holmes wasn't there to clean up that kick, yeah. all of a sudden. He scores the match winner there. Like I understand his, his kicking game was was far from where it should be, but this is also where we come back to that fourteen. I personally think it makes it very tough when you don't have a nine that can kick. Mm. Your markers know straight away. We know who we need to get yeah. to, and, we know and also we have we're, like we're, are we forgetting that two of the greatest minds in rugby league, in Billy Slater and Cameron Smith, would have been watching video after video on Nathan Cleary. And blokes were just shooting out the line of him, shooting out the line. And also, it's it's a big reason why Benny Hunt got selected at nine, because he, Smithy loved the fact that. No, I'm not saying Smithy selects a side. This is just Smithy loves the fact that Benny Hunt can kick out a hooker. And, and how important was that kick that he did? exactly? Yeah. And he came back on, um, and you know Benny Hunt did that kick, and I said Smithy, 
Your hands are all over that, mate. He didn't, he didn't confirm or deny, but he was like, love that shit. Love that and like shit. there was even there was moments in that game where you know they you seen all the highlights of them putting pressure on Cleary, mate. The moments where they didn't have pressure on him, Cleary mm. was in his own head. Mm. Cleary was like, I need to get this away. He was like, it's got to be yeah. coming from. But somewhere. that's what pressure does. To that's you. what it does. When yeah. you're getting when they're shooting out all game and then they don't shoot out, you're anticipating that they will shoot out. Um, so yeah, I, I think that the, the chat about Cleary is just insanity to me. You know, this is what his stats are: 135 meters run, two tackle breaks. A line break assist, 20 tackles, three miss, which is not bad, and 600 kick metres in an origin. And, mm. like, apparently it was the worst game of his whole his career. lost by six. Um, yeah, so, look, I think um, we'll talk about it quickly. Isaiah Yo not going off after that first tackle. I am torn between this. Part of me is, like, this is origin. When you, when you, when you sign up to play NRL or rugby league, or especially NRL, NRL and origin – you are agreeing that you're going to get head knocks uh, and you, it's going to affect you long-term. It's going to do that. So that part of me is like, I thought it was a great origin moment for Isaiah to come straight back and play a part in the game. But then the other part of me of like, well, the NRL has made this big huff and puff about head knocks, this, that, next thing, head highs. We've seen it totally change our game. Like our, the, the fabric of the game has been changed by HIA, HIAs and sin bins. And then a situation comes up where it is clear that he is concussed and he doesn't get taken off. And so that's where I think, I think, I think the game let Isaiah down there with the stance the game has taken. What, what do you guys think? I agree, mate. And I actually... Where we were sitting, it was down there. I didn't even notice it when, mm. the, when I was out there. I didn't even realise. So did, did you realise when it happened? Mate, we're, we're about two and a half kilometres. I had no idea it even occurred. Yeah, and then watching it back, I I couldn't believe he stayed on. And I agree. I, I mean, it's got that origin aspect to it of, you know, you see the old tapes of Dallas Johnson stumbling around and just keep going. And I love that about origin. But to put our game through what it's been through the last two years with these HIAs and changing the fabric of it, then we get to the biggest stage with the most eyeballs. We just ignore it. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't a good look, I don't think. Mm. Yeah, look, it doesn't come down to Isaiah Yo. It doesn't come down to the Blues doctors because every single one of them, the coaching staff, they're going, there's no way I'm coming off. I'm staying yeah. on. I'm a bit rattled, whatever. Like, that's why they brought in the independent doctor, wasn't yeah. it, for these reviews. So it's like, it's, even as the Blues team go... Yeah, they've got this player welfare in mind. I know how important that is, but like Isaiah Yo is going, I'm fine. There's not a chance I'm coming off. This is origin. Yeah. But the whole reason the independent doctor was brought in was because of that. And for them to assess him and say he's good to go, it was like <sighs> a double standards for origin sort of thing. And, and I, I love the double standards of origin to NRL where they officiate differently and, and there's more leniency on decisions and mm. it's tougher and quicker and all of that. But the one thing that we, we say week in, week out, that they've cracked down on, doesn't matter what level you're playing, any grade, um, it's head knocks, head, head highs and, and looking after the players long term. Uh, couldn't believe it and he had to come off, but... If I'm Kurt Mann that got kicked in the dick a few weeks ago and got taken <laughs> off the field, I'd be fucking filthy. filthy. Oh, man. What do you reckon, Matty? Yeah, I was in row triple Z all out the back, but we, we were behind <laughs> the post. So we, my mate Daniel actually saw it and he's like, he's going off here. Like Cook had to literally hold him up. This may be wrong, but I'm going to say it. I think there was two instances, two instances in the game that were controversial. It was Yo not being taken off and it was Crichton not being sinbinned. Now... I didn't actually notice how bad the Crichton tackle was for the next day, but after looking at the replays, because it's Origin, I'm, I'm like, all right, penalty, yes. 
Yes, he got him just above the horizontal. It was pretty dangerous. Because it's Origin, I'm happy that's not a sim bin because, you know, like, it's Origin. Mm. But Yo, like, concussed, that's absolute no-brainer for me. He should have yeah. been taken off the field immediately. The independent doctor should have seen it. Like, he was wobbling around. Cook had to hold him up. Like, we're doing him a disservice not taking him off the field. Yeah. And he could have come back on in 15 minutes. He probably wouldn't have, but he couldn't. I, so I'm happy with the Crichton one, but that Yo one, that was that was an absolute shocker, I reckon. Yeah, it's, it's really tough. I'm torn here because as a player... I, I would be like, nah, leave me out there. Fuck that. I'm willing to sacrifice this for this moment. Um, and so, yeah, as I said at the start, I'm really torn. The game has made a stance. They should stick by it. But at the same time, you know, Isaiah Yo, if he goes on to win the game. Like, for example, if we had this crackdown, Sam Burgess doesn't have his incredible grand final moment. And that's what I always like lean back to of like all of these historic moments. Mate, you, you look at Brad Fittler 2002 yeah. when he got hit, like he would have gone off the field. The Warriors win their first grand final. Yeah. So, but look, uh, you, you can go off for 15 minutes, do the test. And then even then, if they go, all right, mate, like you're sweet, you're all good from there. But just to not even come off yeah, at all I know, it was, was the big one. I'm torn. I'm torn. I, <laughs> look, I, I know what the right answer is. That's the thing, though. <laughs> yeah. I know what the right answer is. The right answer is get him off the field. He's concussed. Um, the Crichton one was a really interesting one because it just it, it just floated by and no one really said anything about it. But if you're going to send off blokes for especially like the Car- the Lawton one, mm. the Naden one was wild yesterday. Mm. Holy shit! Was it yesterday? Or the day before? The day before? The day before? That was wild. But like, if you're going to send off Lawton for what he did, are you telling me that Crichton one isn't ten minutes in the bin? If that's the standard that you've set. Yeah, but the, and, and this is probably where I'm happy for us to bend the rules a little bit. In order. Mm. And maybe I'm biased. I'm a Blues fan, obviously. Munster yeah. was fucking fisting. I'm us. happy to bend the yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but to be honest with you, I, I felt a little bit sorry for Crichton in that moment. Yeah. I, I know he did the wrong thing, but fuck, someone needed to get up and hit Munster. Yeah, yeah, he was just taking the piss out of us. Mm. So I, I felt a little bit sorry for how that played out for Critter. In the NRL, yes, he would have gone for yeah. 10, but I'm sort of happy... Mm. And I'd like to think that if it was Queenslander doing that, I'd also be happy that they stay on yeah. the field for yeah. the sake of origin. I, and, yeah, to be clear, I'm not saying I wanted Crichton off. I'm just pointing out, you know, they, they talk a big game in the NRL, and fair enough, I really like that they're looking out for the player. But they got put under a little bit of pressure in origin, and, and unfortunately, at least at least in one of the cases, I'm, I'm with you, Matty. I can let the Crichton one go. No one got hurt. Like, you, you know, just like skate past it. If Munster was injured, would have been Ooh. a very different conversation yeah. um and, and i agree with you as well i feel sorry for Crichton because like someone needed to do something because yeah. he was taking the absolute piss uh but anyway outside of that I, I thought it was a fantastic game um i thought it was fast i thought it was slowing i know some new south wales staff have kind of they kind of said that they felt queensland were much better in the rock the implication is obviously we held down I, I i tend to disagree man like yes we were good in the rock but we gave away four six against you know, I, I, I didn't feel that the, the uh, Queensland were way worse in the ruck than New South Wales. Now, am I being biased? Let me know. No, I agree. I, I think it was pretty even. Did you feel Did you feel like Queensland were lying? Like, it was noticeable that Queensland were deplo- like deploying wrestle tactics to slow everything down? Oh, I didn't, and I think it's irrelevant because even if they were, they got away with it and the ref didn't call it, so it's like, good luck to and, them. And that's what shit me. You had some New South Wales, someone in the staff, someone came out and said, oh... Next game, we'll slow it down. It's like, if you felt like they were slowing it down and they were getting away with it, mm. that's but where you've got to adjust your fucking game. Mm. But also, Queensland earned that right by being better than us through the middle and being more dominant in tackles. And that's what yeah. people probably miss. It's like, well, 
if they get two to three blokes in the tackle and they win that contact and put you on your back, you earn the right to lay over the ruck. Yep. Uh, if you're and then in reverse, if you're charging through them, getting getting on your elbows and knees, and there's blokes falling off, you're rattled. Well, then they're not allowed to roll over you because mm. they don't have a dominant tackle. It's as mm. simple as that. And, and Queensland earned that right. Yeah. Look, maybe I'm biased, but I respectfully disagree. I, I did not, as in, did not disagree with you, but disagree with anyone that felt that Queensland were outrageously lying on the tackles or anything. I, I thought that it was the fu- it was the fastest game that I can remember watching, and I got a. Pretty short memory though, but it was a, it was a fast as anything game. What do you reckon, Matty? I think if New South Wales want or need to bend the rules in game two, it it needs to be not the ruck. It needs to be they need to put men in front of Cleary and protect him. Yeah, because blockers. because they like Cleary had no time all night yeah. to do anything. Yeah, it what it was lacking, wasn't it? Like mm. there were there was a lot of time. The where rest may have said to them though, if you see block, if you're putting blockers in, we're going to fucking ping you. Yeah, okay. He did have Cleary early on. Yeah, that immense pressure on him all game. There was one about 10 minutes in. He put up a bomb on the Queensland 40 and he had a stack of time off a quick play of the ball and it went about two metres deep in the in goal and Ponga caught it. And it was just, it happened. And again, not live because, yeah, and you miss everything at ANZ Stadium, eh, call mm. wherever you are. But watching on the replay, I was like, wow, from Nathan Cleary, yeah, this just not happened. Yeah, it's crazy. That, and, and I think, like, you know, you can look at many reasons, but, like, you know, Cleary kicking in there, getting a seven tackle set in Origin, like that's very rare. So, I thought it was a fantastic game. Can we do we do we all feel that way? It was a great it's game a to cracker. watch. Yeah, it's a cracking game to watch. I I felt it was exactly what footy needs and Origin needed. You know, after last couple of years with you know shit going on and you know people fly, like having to do it all in Queensland, all that kind of stuff. I thought it's exactly what New South Wales and Sydney needed is is just a cracking game of footy where yes, New South Wales didn't get up, but I, a few heroes were born that night, in my opinion. Do you think that played a role in the result? I mean, New South Wales they've been in cruise control for the last year in mm. state of Origin. They haven't really had to play a game like that in mm. quite some time. Do you think that that played a role? Uh, to be honest, I, I, I actually was – I admired New South Wales' grit and determination. Mm. Like, I know that you've lost 16 to 10, but I actually thought that last 20 minutes for you guys was very Queensland-esque. Like, you guys were doing try-saving tackles where we were 10 centimetres away. Like, the one where Cobbo throws the ball back in mm. and then RCG, front rower, comes in, jams, I think, Gagai in the tackle, Gagai Holmes – um, then there was the Benny Hunt one. Like there were a bunch of try-saving tackles. We made a bunch of line breaks towards the end there, and New South Wales hung in there. So I, I thought it wasn't that New South Wales played terribly. It was Billy Slater. Everything that they, Billy Slater and his coaching staff, just brought ourselves up to Freddie's level. Like you have your ex immortals like Freddie, uh, sorry, like Joey. You've got Freddie. You've got Greg Alexander. You've got them. Now we've got our guys in there as well, and it's kind of like an even playing field now. Of like we've got ex legends coaching the boys, go at it. Um, now on to on to actually stores to grab a case of bloke in a bar, Cronus Liquor Jeringong, Page Bottler in ACT, Camper Down <coughs> Cellars in Bronte and Darlinghurst, Charlie's Liquor Barns in all of the Charlie Liquor Barns stores, Super Cellars Werribee in Victoria, Blacksland Cellars. Blacksland's been around since day dot. Make sure to get there. Blacksland Cellars. Yoronga Cellars, Reef Gateway Early Beach, Club Hotel Roma, Harry Brown's Booval, Spa Mascot, Helene Supermarket Burwood. Turn up for family, mates in a good time. The beer for blokes that turn up, guys. Make sure to grab a, a case of bloke in a bar. Also, bloke Midi is in all liquor legends or will be slowly filtering out into all liquor legends across 
Victoria, New South Wales, ACT and Queensland uh, be slowly filtering out over the next week or two. So go into your local Liquor Legends or go to Liquor Legends site, liquorlegends.com.au and there's a store locator because like not all Liquor Legends have the Liquor Legends banner as a store. They might be, you know, Kevin's Liquor Store or something like that, but they're under Liquor Legends. So go to the site, liquorlegends.com.au, you, you type in your, your area code, it'll show you the nearest store. Go and ask them, hey, you're ordering Bloke Midi or can you order Bloke Midi in? And they should be able to order Bloke Midi in. And I tell you what, it's an absolutely beautiful mid-strength. Beautiful mid-strength. How good's the can too? Just Mate, a yeah, sick. It's, it's, honestly, I'm, I'm torn. I kind of feel like it might be better than... <laughs> I was just about to say. <laughs> I'm yeah, honestly torn. Even, even the taste of the beer, I'm torn that the Midi might be a little bit better. I honestly don't know what the better one is. And that's not even... That's just a bloke talking about beer because it's fucking beautiful. Anyway, um, now... Big talking points. First of all, just quickly, congratulations to the Socceroos who qualified for the World Cup this morning. Uh, on penalties, uh, they beat Peru, and no one gave them a chance. I think they were $5, $5, paying $5 to beat Peru. They beat them on penalties. Incredible. I think they win $15 million just for getting into the World Cup. And what's crazy is, like, you know, at the moment, professional soccer in Australia is on its knees. So if we think rugby union's on its knees. Professional soccer is, is struggling. Um, so for them to get that $15 million, it's going to be a lot of young kids that watch those guys and um, go over there. And I know our Matildas are really good as well uh, and, and aspire to be it. So congratulations to Socceroos boys. It brought flooding back memories, Guru. Flooding back memories of when I used to be a little whippersnapper playing a bit of soccer. I always forget you're a soccer player. Mate, yeah. till I was 17, mate. Till I was bloody 17. And then I decided to come to, to league. Um, you you know, still watch it? Nah, nah, I haven't watched it since I started playing league. Yeah, okay. you, know, it's, you know, it's weird though, like super weird, is that even after being in the NRL first grade squad for at least eight years, even after playing NRL professionally, all that kind of stuff, I still f- feel more comfortable with a soccer ball at my feet than a footy in my hands. Yeah, right. Because I did it since I was four years old till I was 17. Um, wow. You know, whereas like footy in my hands, don't get me wrong, it feels great, you know, whatever, but... Put it this way, if I didn't touch a footy for 10 years and then tried to handle it, I'd be nowhere near. Whereas, like, I've always got that touch of a soccer ball. Like, not that great. Anyway, enough about me. Who gives a fuck, honestly? Everyone's, everyone's listening going, fucking show. Who cares? I'm, I'm, I'm sure you put a lot of your uh, goal kicking down to it. Uh, yeah. Too, of yeah course. My goal kicking actually wasn't that good. Tell you what, boys. I was up, up at the crack of this morning to watch that one. And uh, I can safely say that after zero goals in 120 minutes, we've chosen the right sport. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> I, I, it's I love tough. my soccer. I'm a bit of a sport enough across the board. But I was watching it just going, Jesus Christ. Like, if something doesn't happen soon, there's going to be issues. <laughs> and mate, it's. Yeah, it's tough. I was actually went for a walk yesterday. You know what's weird about own, owning a business is like you can never stop and enjoy anything anymore. <laughs> so like I go for a walk, I stop, and I'm like, I want to watch this soccer. It's terrible standard, but I want to watch it. But there's always this in the back of your head, oh, no, no, I should be working. No, no, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. You can't just like stop and go, I'm just going to do something. I'm just going to just waste time. I'm just going to waste time. Uh, anyway, enough about me, as I said. F- who cares if you've Fuck all tuned out? We run out. our businesses very differently. <laughs> <laughs> if you've tuned out, I'll see you next week. Um, now, RTS makes the All Black Squad. Congratulations to RTX. Uh, RTS, sorry. Uh, all Black Squad, what an incredible achievement. Could be a dual international. Now, this doesn't guarantee a debut at all. It's a 36-man squad. But still, to go from league to All Blacks, the pinnacle of... like. People don't understand. The All Blacks is not a team where you could just take our best talent and go, yeah, they'll make the All Blacks. Mm. The All Blacks is super... It's the toughest rugby team in the world to make, essentially. 
for RTS to make that squad is incredible. Incredible. I was having a conversation with mates yesterday. What's harder to make the All Blacks or the Kangaroos? What's what's harder to get into their or starting probably, side? Or probably the All Blacks, I'd all say. Blacks. Yeah, yeah. Probably the All Blacks. Because like it's a religion over there. Yeah. Like it's a the All Blacks are culturally synonymous with their country. Whereas like kangaroos, half our country doesn't even fucking watch. They watch AFL. Oh, I don't watch AP Union, but like whenever I do, you watch the Crusaders or Chiefs or whatever, and they've got a 5-8. And, you know, I'll say to one of my mates that knows you, you know, who's this guy? And he'll go, oh, he's the fifth choice 5-8 yeah. for the All Blacks. And Crazy. it's just like... Imagine this. This is how incredible what he's done. A guy grows up, plays league, comes to Union, kills it in Union, becomes arguably one of the country's best ever fullbacks if not the best. No, I think he's the best Kiwi fullback of all time. Yes. I'd say that. RTS, best Kiwi, Kiwi fullback yep. of all time. Goes to it. So he does that in league. Then when he's 27 years old, no, now that's the reverse. He does that in union. Then when he's 27 years old, he comes and plays back and plays league for a year. And within a year, he's in the kangaroo squad. Imagine if you did that. Oh. And it's harder to make the all black squad. That's what he just did. In a year. That'd be unheard of. A union player coming over and making the union in a year, unheard of. So incredible achievement, incredible achievement. I remember a long time ago, it would have been like 2011 or something. I remember I, we, we were playing um, touch footy on a Wednesday Arvo or something in, in a comp down at Queen's Park and there was a field next to us and one of the guys said, oh, that's the kid that the Roosters have just brought over. Mm. It was RTS and he was dancing and he was stepping and he really? was so skinny and they, they were like, oh, they reckon he's going to play first grade this year. And we remember looking at him going, he's no so small, there yeah. is not a hope in hell. Yeah. And this was touch, so he was dancing yeah. around everywhere. And then he debuted and he was just bumping blokes off Crazy. everywhere. Super strong. So strong. Under, underestimate how strong he is on the field. Um, what I did find funny, and it's, look, I'm proud of this. Most people wouldn't, but uh, the Blues Instagram, when I put the post up saying like All Blacks, and I always call Roger Tulvasic, uh, Roger Tulvasic <laughs> And so the Blues team put under the post, Schnack. <laughs> and I was like, that's my contribution to the rugby union world, is calling blokes hot. Um, I'm a schooner of Arshashek kind of man. Schooner of Arshashek, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't mind that, schooner of Arshashek. Uh, but yeah, congratulations, RTS, incredible. Uh, Elliot, Adam Elliot signs with the Knights. Quick thoughts on this gentleman, what do you think? Yeah, I like this one. I think might be a good one to hand to you. I think you guys will be pretty upset to lose him, won't you? Yeah, and look, I don't want to go into it too much just because we spoke about it last week with the Raiders signing him when no one else wanted him because he'd played up a little bit off field and had his issues there. Uh, he's got himself sorted out, the Raiders threw him a bit of a lifeline he was terrific for them it's it really hurts to see him go um and i've spoken about it most weeks but the raiders are very heavy in their back row and their forward pack um roster wise so they someone had to go and adam being on say he was on i don't know he might have been on 250k um after leaving the bulldogs he's worth a lot more than that raiders didn't have the cap space for him goes to the knights great signing for the knights who lose mitchie barnett so he's He's very like for like, let's yeah. be fair. He can play lock, he can play edge, he can play big minutes. Uh, he's a bit of X factor in the pack. So he's a great signing for them. I, I really do hope, you know, whether Milf does it or what, that the Knights can um, move some funds around to get a, another good half to give KP a bit of a break. But at the same thing, um, ads wouldn't have broken the bank for them. Yeah. So I, I do think he's a really good signing. I tell you what, thank God that he's playing 13. We, what do you reckon, a year we've been saying that he's a 13? Yeah. Raiders playing 13, he's been outstanding ever since he's moved there. And he could be exactly, I know you want Kurt Mann there. I think he's exactly what the Knights needed. Well, no, no, I'm not going to say I want Kurt Mann there, but Kurt Mann, when he's played 13, he's been unreal for Newcastle. Mm. What direction do you think they go with? Do they play Elliot at 13 or Yeah, for sure. Mm. I think they play Elliot at 13, for sure. Um, I just think Kurt Mann, 
Oh man, he's just so he's the perfect fourteen. He's the perfect yeah. fourteen. He really is. He's almost a hindrance to himself. How good he is. Yeah, so he's things. just in today's game. He's the yeah. perfect fourteen. Uh, and I also think for man to play six, he needs a gun seven, like a structured. Not, not even a gun, just a f- structured as anything seven. And there's recent reports that Hastings is being going to be offered mm. by the Knights, which I love that signing if they do. Now, that's where I could see a Hastings and Mann really work well mm. together. Um, but I can't see like a Milford and Mann or a, you know, a Clifford and Mann or a Clune and Mann. I think that you need a really dominant structured seven for Mann to be a six. I think in today's game he's a perfect 14. But we'll, we'll get to Newey anyway. Um, Great signing, Elliot. Great signing with Elliot. He also played, like what a lot of people don't know, a lot of halves throughout his junior career, Adam. And as yep. he got bigger and bigger, as he came into grade and whatnot, that he you know, became a forward naturally, but has a lot of um, experience as a junior, as a half. So the ball playing is there. And I, I really do think we're sort of scratching the surface of what he can be capable of. Sure. He's also had a lot of injuries throughout his career. As we said, a few off-field things, but he, yeah, he's, he's developing something. And as much as he has dropped the ball a couple of times off-field, I think it overshadows how much work he does off the field for communities oh, yeah. and charities. And he is a... He's going to be a real... And, you know, they obviously get Millie Boyle as well for the NRLW, the Knights, and... Keep an eye on the Knights in NRLW because their recruitment drive has really? been insane over the last few weeks. We're going to get to the Knights because... <laughs> tell you what. Sorry, Knights fans. Jeez. And I, I can feel your pain. Trust me. Broncos have been struggling. We bounce back. But anyway, um, I think it's a great signing. Uh, also, Olam re-signs for the Melbourne Storm. I just want to... Till 2026. What an incredible story. We try to think like... Think about this. You know, I grew up with, you know, not much money, like hand-me-down soccer boots. And, you know, sometimes we'd be like, oh, we don't have enough money to we've got to eat bread for tonight, which is, you know, it's not that, like, it's whatever. It's just, I'm, you didn't grow up with much money? No. You didn't grow up with much money? No. You're a rich sicko. <laughs> You're a rich sicko. Did you grow up with much money? Maybe what, comfortable? Yeah, we'll, we'll find. Yeah, we'll find. Now, compare that to where Olam comes from. These, they have access to not even close to what we have access to. You can be the poorest kid in this country, you know, outside of, you know, certain, you know, areas of the country, but most normal Aussie kids, the poorest of the poor, will still have a thousand times more access to what a young PNG boy or girl might have. Mm. For this guy to come across, he's studied, he's got his physics degree, He's literally, he's, did you know that? I did not know that. He's literally that a professor. Of, he's a professor of physics. <laughs> and he, no one knows it. No one knows it. Gets that at his university, because that's where he started playing rugby league, at his university. So he wasn't wow. even like, got his physics degree, comes to Australia, signs a long-term deal with a club that never until this year gave out long-term deals. Like, I didn't even think Smithy signed a three or four-year deal. It was always, you know, two years. And me and Smithy are best mates, as you guys know. And... <laughs> He comes over, gets the deal like the way he did. I think it's an incredible achievement. And honestly, if they made a f- movie about his life, I'd watch that shit. I'd watch that shit 100%. It's incredible. And, mate, like, he's, he's been a genuine strike centre in this Melbourne team for a yeah. long time. Was it, was it last year that they forgot to put him on the Dally M? Then he won Dally M centre of the Fuck, yeah. good God. That just sums <laughs> Olam up. And, like, even the professor thing, like, I'm confident I could spend a week with Olam and he wouldn't mention it. Yeah. I wouldn't know. 100%. After that either. Like, and, and if you go actually. You know what? I'm gonna, I'll keep. I'll try and chase him up to get him in the, the locker room because I know he has an incredible story that mm. we are only scratching the surface surface of. But yeah, he's a, a professor of physics. Like no wonder he can jam blocks. He's calculating them. Fucking 
Force times mass times acceleration kills them. Uh, congratulations. Now, bit of a talking point with, you know, I wanted to bring up, and it's, you know, it's not a, a big deal, but something I didn't know. So Ivan Cleary, again, wasn't able to coach the side this week. And this has been going on for probably six weeks now, maybe even more. And I just thought, do you reckon that may have something to do with Cleary struggling a bit in origin? Like his, his old man just seems like, it must be pretty serious if he can't even go to a game. It's, Whatever um, it is. It's blood clots in his legs. Mm, so it, it's hell. pretty full on. Yeah. Yeah, mate, it might be playing a role. Um, I, I, as we said before, I don't think he played poorly enough to cop as much shit as he did That's in crazy. origin. But, crazy. Um, yeah, I, been, I, I don't think it couldn't possibly not be on your mind. Well, it's it has like, to play a role. Like, think it, like, it's, sometimes there's, it's nearly like 100% of the time, or maybe it's about 80% of the time, there's something always going on in someone's... Like, when you see a little bit less from someone, you go, there's probably something else going on. I just wanted to bring that out. Like, your own dad's going through that. You've got the pressure of the state, like, literally the pressure of the state on your shoulders. I think you just cut the bloke a bit of slack. And he came out and killed it on the weekend. And, you know, safe to assume they're also probably closer than your average 100%. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, just... I hope Ivan gets better. Send out, sending out all of us, sending our best wishes to Ivan. Uh, very concerning that he's unable to coach, and everything he's achieved there is absolutely. He's changed the game of rugby league. Crazy impact. Crazy impact. What do you think? Do you think it had any impact? It might be weighing on him uh, a little bit. Look, I don't think so. Only because it was such a one-off performance for Nathan. I mean, him bouncing back on the weekend against Newcastle. Uh, there's never been more of a laydown Mazzia I've ever seen. Like he was always going to come out and bounce back. For Nathan Cleary to play two <coughs> game, two poor games in a row is unheard of. Um, if we saw numerous build up, maybe, but like who knows what's going on there? I'm sure it's on his mind uh, and not yeah. helping. But as we said, he wasn't great in Origin. But it's one game of footy. You can't be at a hundred percent effectiveness every single every game. Every single time. Like, it's going sure. to happen. Yeah, but yeah. Best wishes to Ivan, mate. Hope he uh, he coached me at the Warriors. So best wishes to him. Hope he, he bounces back. Uh, Team of the week brought to you by Bloke Jumpers. It's not really brought to I mean, it kind of is, but it also <laughs> isn't. I'm just going to make it up on the spot. Brought to you by Bloke Jumpers. <laughs> Next Wednesday, 6 p.m., we've got Bloke Jumpers. We've got Bloke Truckies. They're a limited amount. They sold out in five minutes last, week, last year. So if you want them, guys, make sure to set your alarm. I can't stress that enough. The amount of people that message me in a couple of hours, I'm like, oh, I missed out. I'm, I'm like, just set your alarm because you've got to be there at the start. There's limited amount. And some people say, why don't you just order more? It's not that simple. We have literally been waiting for these jumpers for like about eight months. So we, it's really hard for us to predict what it's going to be. And also you don't want to be stuck with all these jumpers that you paid for and you can't get rid of them. Um, even though that fortunately the bloke community doesn't seem to be a problem. But anyway, limited amount, set your alarms, Wednesday, 6 p.m. Next Wednesday, not this Wednesday, so not in a couple of days, next Wednesday, 6 p.m. Now team of the week. My team of the week is... Brought to you by Black Jumpers. Number one, drink water. Number two, Fox. Three, Seve from Storm. Four, Campbell Graham. Number five, Shiraz from, I know he, he mixed between center and wing for the dogs. So I just sort of be a bit cheeky, put him on the wing. I thought he was, I think he has been outstanding ever since he debuted. Shiraz has been an unsung hero on that side. And the positive thing for the Bulldogs that isn't so positive for some other sides that we're going to get into is at least with the doggies, you're seeing some juniors. It always, if juniors are coming through and playing well, it's a good sign of a healthy club or at least a healthy future. It's why the Broncos, even though it was the darkest day ever, you could sit there and go, at least we're healthy with our juniors. The stores, uh, clubs like the Knights and the Titans, who I'm really concerned for at the moment, there's not really many juniors coming through there from there. Anyway, we'll get to that. Burton six, I mean, hasn't he? I think putting 
Flanagan there with him and staying with Flanagan has opened Burton up. Now, he'll, Burton will get all the praises and rightly so. But it, I can't stress enough how important it is for halves to be able to play together. Anyway, we'll get to that in the Bulldogs here. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Apologize. Tarpane at eight. Outrageous, honestly. Uh, Aloye at 10. Olakawato at 11. If Olakawato is in the form back around the comp, I'm not here. He is unbelievable right now, at least in top three. At least in top three. Kikau, Taumalawa at 13. Max King at 14. Carrigan at 15. Young at 16. That's Hudson Young. And then I had Flegler at 17 and Tino at 18. Good job, Gurina. Uh, my team of the week also brought to you by Bloke Jumpers. Ruben Garrick <laughs> at fullback. On the wings, I had Fox and I had Mulatalo. I think he's been sen- sensational for the Cronulla the last few weeks. I had Seve and Herbie Farmworth in the centres. Burton at six. Nathan Cleary in the seven. I had Tapanay and Tino up front with Robson in the nine. Olakawatu and Kikau on the edges. Taumalolo in the 13. Then my bench was Aloe, Carrigan, Horsburgh and Ezra Mann. Mm. To me. My team of the week brought to you by Kuma Stallions Rugby League Association. <laughs> Ruben Garrick at fullback. Uh, I love each week, hey, there's just positions that are absolutely stacked and some that you're scraping at the bit to find a player to put in there. Wingers this week were unbelievable. Yeah. I went with Josh Adokar and Brian Toto on the wing ahead of some serious yeah, like tries. Johnston, three tries. Yeah. Um, Chiraz, I think he scored a double. Katoa. So, yeah, yeah. Um, Brian Toto, 270 metres backing up from Origin, Crazy. 11 tackle bus. Centres, Seve and Herbie Farmworth. Matty Burton and Luai in the halves. Went a little bit cheeky there and picked a couple of 5'8", but thought Luai deserved to be in there. Joey Tapani and Aloi front row. Reese Robson, nine. Olakwatu, kick out. Tam Lolo, back row. So exact same as yours, Kempi. Bench was Flegler, Fasua Malawi, Maxi King at the Dogs, and Ezra Mam. Yeah, I mean, Ezra Mam. Doesn't he look slick? We'll get to it, though. We'll get to it, sorry. I'm blue balling you guys. Now let's get to Cowboys v. Sorry, I think I, I think I wrote it down wrong. I think it's Kiraz. Oh, Kiraz. Okay, it's Kiraz. Right, I wrote it, I wrote it down wrong. K I. And I literally messaged you, didn't I? I know. That's yeah. You motherfucker. You motherfucker. I messaged him last night and said, "Oh, it's not Kiraz. It's Kiraz." And this motherfucker stitched me up. And guess what? Everyone leaves. Go. Fuck. Danny Dyson. I had a fucking certain name. But it's fucking this guy writing this shit in front of me. Um, no, all good, all good. To be, to be fair, though, in your defence, I did send Chiraz first. So that is on me. That is on me. Um, Cowboys versus Dragons. Major talking point for me from this was two things, but the main one. So a year ago, Peyton challenged Tamalolo to be even better. Said earlier this year he thought Tamalolo could work on his passing. Tamalolo in this game's passing was probably the best passing game I've ever seen him do. Now, Peyton has come out and said he may have been a bit too harsh on Tamalolo. And whether that's true or not, we'll never know because we can't go back in a time machine. What we do know for sure is, is Tamalolo now has a passing game. And that is a scary, scary prospect. What do you think about what I just said, Timmy? It's two weeks in a row now where he's just, it's come from nowhere. Mm. It's unbelievable. And like, there are two types of locks pretty well in the NRL. There's the big barnstorming type of lock that each meters up and gets quick play the balls, which has been Tam Lolo for the last six, seven, eight years, whatever mm. it is. And then there's that link role, like your Isaiah Yo's, your ball passing, your Victor Radley's. But they're very different roles. Tam Lolo is now both of those things, which is so terrifying yeah. for oppositions. And he's, you know, this term gets used a little bit too often, but he's taken his game to a new level yeah. in a way we didn't think that maybe he was capable of. Cool. And I mean, like you just mentioned there, how Todd might have been harsh on him. You know who else Todd was harsh on? Scott Drinkwater. 
yeah. who are probably their two form players in this team at the moment. Uh, they're both playing incredible. I think Tao Malolo, it's interesting, um, you know, as you said, for so long he was just your, your metres guy. It wasn't really too much to his game, and I thought that was bringing the Cowboys down for a long period of time. Todd Payton himself, like, he was a cracking ball playing forward. Yeah. Like, you go back to true. 04, I think he'd left. It's a bit of a modern 13, really. Mate, he would have. Well, that's, yeah. you, you go back and you watch that 2005 Tigers side. Um, Todd Payton, he was going to go to England. He was mm. done in the NRL, and Tim Sheens reached out and said, I can do something with a ball playing mm. guy like him. And he built the entire Tigers game around the way that they moved the ball around. They went on to win a comp. I think he scored the last try in the grand final that night for them. Tony really? Payton too, yeah. So uh, it's good to see him having that impact on Tam Lolo. And now that he is that double threat of not only metres but ball playing, it just opens up the field so much. Yeah. You have to commit three guys to him. It's crazy. Like his line break assist was literally like a half. He, he ran over his line, got to the player, isolated him, boom. Hits, hits uh, fuck, who did he hit on the chest? Was it um, Graham, not Neem? No, sorry, it was uh, the other, here he is. Was it... Uh, Gilbert, I think he hit Gilbert maybe. Anyway, incredible ball playing. He actually, I thought he had two line break assists, but when I went back and watched, he created the space for Chownsend to hit Lukey and Lukey made a line break. So, you know, Tamalolo doing this kind of stuff is incredible. I also appreciate and respect the humbleness of Tamalolo. He very easily could have said, hoi brah, nah. I'm literally one of the greatest ball running forwards of all time, bar none. Matter of fact, if you said Tamalolo was your greatest forward of all time, I would be like, that's reasonable. Mm. Him on his day could go toe-to-toe with any forward and put it this way, there's probably been no forward that's done what he's done metres-wise and ball-running damage-wise yet. Um, so Tim Lolo's just gone to a new level, which is scary because what does, that, what does that do? That puts the Cowboys in a position where they've got a player that doesn't have to play Origin can, so he can play through Origin series and keep the team... As long as you've got Townsend and Tim Lolo on the side... Like, you've got enough people in there to create space for people outside. So, really exciting times for the Cowboys. And I thought they were clinical. Like, I thought they were clinical. Um, just want to send a shout-out to Helam Lukey. Obviously, season-ending ACL injury, mate. That's, uh, yeah, terrible news. But And it's sad because, like, you know, with Nanai being out, we were just starting to see Lukey get the opportunity to show what he can do. And he's such a good ball runner. So, just hang in there, mate. Uh, I honestly think Lukey will play Origin within the next... Two to three years, probably three years. I, I can see him coming off the bench for Queensland. I'm pretty sure he's a Queenslander, so hang in there, mate. Uh, Reese Robson, I thought he was outstanding. I thought, I think that he's really developed his game. I would have said, like at the start of the year, he he may fall the way of becoming a lock because he doesn't his ball playing and his ball selection wasn't that crisp. Like when you look at his passes, say to compare like a Blake Braley, you would say there's a bit of work to do. I think he's worked hours and hours on it and he's getting better and better every single week. What stood out for you this this game? Just on Luke as well, you know, we obviously wish him all the very best. Could this cause a bit of a domino effect? Could we see Luciano Lua released early to go up there? Mate, oh, I can't see Tigers releasing anyone. They're so desperate not to finish on the bottom. It yeah. would be the dumbest decision ever. Jeez, if, if you are Leila's management, though, you, you're reaching out. I think it's pretty obvious he, he was a match guy over the last few years. Yeah. Match isn't there now. They've got a roster spot. He could go up and, you know, contend to play finals footy, win premiership up yeah. there. I, I, get, I totally get that from Luciano's and Cowboys' perspective. Mm. But we have to remember, Tigers took a punt on Luciano. He mm. was at the Dragons, pretty unfit, had a lot of potential, but just never really developed into the man that we thought he could be. Tigers took a punt on him. 
And without Tigers taking a pun on him, he would have got the big deal up in North Queensland. And so I personally Fair. believe he owes it to Tigers to see the year out, help them stay off the bottom of the table. But if I'm his manager, and my job is not to fucking be loyal to anyone, it's to get the best result for my player, you know, I'd be asking the question. I'd be asking the question. What do you think, Timmy? A couple of things I took out of this one. The first one was Tam Lolo post-game, and he was saying pretty disappointed by letting 12 points in. <laughs> Which just says it all for Ooh. the Cowboys for me. Cowboys fans are going, oh, yeah, yeah baby. <laughs> yeah. Oh, say it again, JT. <laughs> and that, it ties into a start I saw after the game on social media somewhere, so I'm sure it's 100% legit without checking it. Cowboys' best defensive effort last year was 18 points conceded. They've held teams to 12 or less in 10 of 14 games this season, which is a tremendous sort of goes into your stats from a couple of weeks back at like next level. What's their second half? Isn't that got a crazy second half where they've... they've Seeded six points in like eight games yeah, in the second half like of games. Yeah. So the defense is one thing. The other one was there was a moment there, I think it was pretty early on in the game, and they were coming off their own line and they just went whack, whack, whack and just fed it across field with this real quick, slick ball movement, like quite Melbourne esque, what they do. And I was just like, this is the sign of just a team flying on confidence. Oh, to be able to do that. And it sort of, I hope to see it chime into the game a little bit more and more as they get better and better. But they're just becoming so exciting to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you know what else is I'm just becoming such a big fan of is Tommy Dearden. Fuck, I love the way he rips in. How he confident just, was he the other night? Oh, it was honestly, if you needed an example of what Origin Camps can do for people, look at Tom Dearden on the weekend. He looked like a veteran ball player, confident as everything, mm. calling over calls and dominant defence, good kicking, um, a couple of good short kicks. Like, he just, he looks super, super confident. Backed his ability. Oh, yeah, I thought he was outstanding the other night. Uh, Tuolagi, <laughs> far out. He's playing good footy. And that's the sign of a great coach. It's like you've got these guys that some would say not lucky to be playing first grade, but they're not cemented first graders. They've gone all the way from cementing themselves to the, some of the best in the comp, like some of the best in the comp. What you got there, Manny? Uh, it's 16 second, point ha- second points. Sorry, 16 points in second <laughs> halves. In the last nine games. <laughs> so you're averaging about two points every second half. Yeah, and th- that includes games against Melbourne, games against Para, games against Penrith. Like, Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. And it shows you, like, if you wanted a, a gauge of, like, where is their mental toughness at, look no further. Because, like, when the going gets tough, they obviously absolutely get who's going. Your, uh, who's your Xavier Coates replacement? Tuolangi or is it Hammer? Uh, probably Tuolangi. Probably too long. I think um, coming out of his end, his, his ball carries coming out of his own end are great. I think we've got enough strike. I think Selwyn brings us that strike that we need. I would go for another big body um, on the sting there, probably. Who would Do you, you consider go? consider Corey Oates? Oh, I'd go too long as well. Oh, but I, would select, I would have selected Corey Oates mm. over Coates initially. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if, if I'm selecting the team now, I'd select Oates for sure. For sure. I think he's been outstanding. Yeah. So I think Billy already said... It'll be between one of the two Cowboys boys. Yeah. yeah. But well, Billy's going like youth, I think. Yeah. I think he's trying to like, being a new coach. Yeah. Um, I, I'm pretty sure, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that they were talking about the reason why Oates, you know, was looked over was because he is, you know, 27, 28, whereas they want to build something. And I mean, Tualangi also has this combination with Val Holmes mm. as well. True. So that matters for me. That matters a lot. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's crazy. Like, honestly, 12 months ago, this Cowboy side literally had no origin players mm. other than Holmes. Um, so yeah, look, mate. I, the Cowboys—they look special. I thought that they were—they—they um, they just every week 
where I wait for them to have that bludger, where I wait for them to go, oh, okay, it was a good run, but they've still got some deficiencies. It just doesn't seem to be happening. Oh, I loved in this game, like, uh, Lume Lou scored on the last play pretty much, but the try before that they scored was in the 43rd minute. There was 30 minutes there where it wasn't exactly clicking for the Cowboys, and they were happy just to kick deep yep. and just defend, just to get their way through the game. Uh, I, yeah, I I think they they are the real deal. I don't think they can win a comp this year. Just well, Billy Billy so reckons good. they could challenge for that premiership. Which made me yeah, double. If Billy says it, you know it's going to get to a point where it's like <laughs> whatever Billy says, fucking we agree with. Um, the, the test for me was like, you know they lo- they lost their players last week and they were outstanding. That's where I go. Well, shit, maybe they are the real deal. Maybe they are the real deal. Uh, what do we think? Are they the real deal? I, I think they're a top four team. Yeah, but. I still think the gap between Penrith and everyone else is just yeah. so big. Like, and I, uh, you know, I, I always have you know, Cowboys fans, Parramatta fans blowing up because I say I don't think they can win a comp. It's not because of them; it's because of how good Penrith is. Mm. Like you have to be able to beat that team on the big stages. The Cowboys played them a few weeks ago, and I thought they did so well against them. Cleary was forcing dropouts everywhere, and, and they got seventy-five percent of them back off short short dropouts. So like yep. they they won a heap of possession their way, twenty-two nil. Yeah, and I thought Cowboys played really well. Still twenty two nil. Yeah, they had a lot of errors in them though. They they defended really well. I, I thought they attack. They had quite. I don't a think it was Penrith's best game either. Uh, like, yeah, I I agree. Penrith right now are out and out at the top, but I do I do think that when it gets to finals footy, like anything can happen. You just get pinged with one. You know, put it this way: if Eels can do it, I think other teams can do it. What do you reckon, Timmy? Are they the real deal? Yeah, I'm pretty much the same as Guru, to be honest. I think they're, they're certainly the real deal, but I think come the big stage, and look, they've proved me wrong and all of us wrong time and time again, so what's to say they can't do it again later this season, but Penrith are leaps and bounds ahead of the rest, and I know they towed Melbourne up a while ago, but if we've got two full-strength teams come finals time, my money's still on Melbourne every day of the week. I think it's sort of that bridge from Penrith to Melbourne, and I still think there's a gap from Melbourne to third. I see. Um, your money's on Melbourne to beat it's Penrith. On Mel- no, 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 no. The Cowboys. Oh, okay. Come to beat the Cowboys. Final, yeah. for okay. Um, yeah. Look, I think. I think, second week of the finals, I can see them getting there. Second week, maybe even into a, a prelim, mm. I can see them getting to a prelim. But yeah, to to beat both the Storm, obviously, I don't believe it's a sure thing where Penrith they just can definitely beat them. Um, but yeah, obviously, you know, Penrith would be the favourite, Storm would be the favourites. But I, I don't know. I like what I'm seeing at the, the Cowboys. I really do. It's going to be huge, North Queensland, if they can finish top two and then get a home final. If they can drag someone up to North Queensland in that mm. first week of the finals, then get a week off, mm. that'd be huge for them. Yeah, um, it's going to be tough. Like you, you, you don't want to. Obviously, it's great to finish top four, but if you're third or fourth and you have to go to Penrith or Melbourne, fuck, it's going to make life hard. Mate, Cowboys, super hard. Cowboys, Broncos, week one of finals, Townsville. Could you imagine? I'll probably have the A-League on. But oh. sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so look, the good thing is, it's like, look how far they've come and look how much they can build. Look how much they can build. Really exciting times. Uh, I thought uh, Lemmy-Lou, Lemmy-Lou, is that how you say it? Lumay-Lou, yeah. Lumay-Lou. Uh, Lumay-Lou, I thought he was outstanding. Well, mate, there's a few guys in this competition that have, you know, they're outside backs, not getting spots in teams that have turned themselves into back rowers, like Jamin Salmon at Penrith, and mm. just playing a role. You can see he, he, he's put on um, a fair whack of weight, and he's like that. 
that palm that he put on at the end of that game. Massive. It was huge. Fuck, huge. Ben Hunt did not deserve that. No, not at all. <laughs> the last like, bloke in the geez. world that deserved that. I thought um, Cohen Hess, I thought he had his best game in a while on the weekend too. Yeah. Um, I've never been a huge Cohen Hess fan, especially since I've been using him uh, as a middle forward, but oh, I thought he was really good the other mm. day. Yeah, so look, exciting times. Cowboys, I think you can pretty much lock in. They're gonna, they'll play finals footy, which is an incredible achievement. You know, we say it every week, but so many people didn't believe they could do it. They've done it. They've got a young squad. Townsend's been incredible. So exciting times. Now, on to the Dragons. Biggest talking point probably coming out of this. Now, it wasn't his fault that they lost the game at all. Uh, but my biggest talking point is a guy like Zach Lomax. You know, I think, I think when at the start of the season, I said to you, Guru, I was like, the problem with a guy like that can, has a flick like that is they can start just doing it constantly because it just it's such a big play. It, 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 it's a unique asset that no one else has and it seems to work most of the time. Uh, but unfortunately, when it stops working, it stops like... You can have a drop ball once in a game, but you start like two or three or, or you know, in crucial moments, it doesn't work. You can all of a sudden go from the hero to the villain. And I just think with Zach Lomax, he's just got to pull everything, strip everything back. Because I always found with, and obviously Zach Lomax is way more progressed in his career than I've always, but I always found when I played footy, get if you got there and just did all the hard work, all the non-flashy stuff, the flashy stuff just appears. Like it just appears, it comes. And I think with Zach, who does do the hard work, he, you know, he ran for 140 meters on the weekend. It's not like he doesn't do the hard work. But I think for Zach, I would just go way back to basics. Don't even think about the flick. Put it this way, like, if your team needs you to flick to win, you've got problems. You know what I mean? If they need – now, that, that flick is great and it can get points and maybe in a big game where everything's on the line and you can do it and you win, that's great. But if, they, if, you're, if the Dragons need weekly for Zach Lomax to pull off a crazy play like that, then clearly something is wrong. And so if I'm Zach, I would just take it all back go back to just going, I just, I'm just going to take 20 hit-ups or, you know, 15 hit-ups and I'm not even going to think about flick passing. I'm just going to get through my set and then in a game or two, that's when I might consider when it's on or an attacking ball or at the very least just only the flick pass when it's, you're on the fourth, it's good ball, you know, not on the first, coming out of Reno. What, what do you think about Zach Lomax's situation at the moment? Yeah, I, I feel a little bit sorry for Zach. I almost think Lomax is too gifted for his own good sometimes. Mm. And I know, I know what you said about how, you know, if the Dragons need him to do that, something's wrong. I, I kind of feel like if the Dragons are going to win, Lomax does need to do something every week. And I think he feels that as well. Mm. Like, oh, I feel like if it isn't Lomax creating something or it's not better. That's Hunt, my point though. Like that, that's unfair on Zach. Oh, it's unfair a hundred percent. But And he should take a step back and go, all right, I'm going to do my job to the best of my ability. And then we can talk about other stuff. Because right now, Everyone's going to blame Zach for that when for their loss when there was way more issues in that side than Zach. Was, yeah, and I, I think you'd tell that Lomax was frustrated too. There was a moment there where he threw another pass that went over the sideline, and he kind of sprayed his winger. Like, mm. Definitely wasn't his winger's fault, mm. uh, and I thought that was very out of character for Zach based on what um, I've seen of him and the small interactions that I've had with him. But and he's just got it. Must it, it sounds crazy, but it must be hard when you've got that much ability and you can do this stuff. Well, this, this, this is the perfect scenario of a, of a player that may outgrow his team in the sense of Zach Lomax may eventually get to a point where he's like, I'm sick of like just constantly grinding at the bottom of the table. I'm going to take a pay cut and I'm going to go to one of the top tier teams where they don't need to rely on my flick pass and I can be, I can be the player I want to be. What do you reckon, Timmy? What, what would you say to Zach? Yeah, I think first of all, you boys summed it up 
he's a star, Zachy Lomax. Uh, he wouldn't look out of place in a Blues jersey if 100%, called upon. 100%. Uh, I do think this has been coming for a while, though, the, the flick pass that let, has led to an opposition try. Mm. I think it might have been in the Charity Shield this year or even round one or very early on, and he pulled off one of the most absurd flick passes to might have been Ravalar or something for a try, and it was just mesmerising. All year, he's been trying to recreate that, mm. and balls have been going to ground or going out, and it hasn't been coming off. And at times as a footballer, you've just got to play the percentages, and it's such a low percentage play that you've got to sit back and go, just don't do it. And it's so enticing. I want to do that part, that magical ball again and get the headlines. Uh, and Stephen Crichton, to his credit for a bloke so young in his career, mm. he's really found a, He knows his time to pull it out, and mm. he's setting up so many tries with a, a more high percentage flick pass. And by that, I mean... He gets in contact with one bloke and just goes whack. Yeah. Lomax will do it with three blokes on him at times. He's just trying to throw, like, nutty them through the legs to the winger, over the head, whatever. Um, he just needs to rein it in. And it's mm. not a big drama, but your coach has also got to come in and say, mate, we don't need you doing this. You know, when it's on, it's on, but you don't need to push it every game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think as well, and to your point as well, Guru, like, we have to empathise the position Zach's in. Mm. His team is currently sitting at the bottom of the, well, where are they sitting now? They've, they're sitting tenth, um, with with thirteen points. So I'm oh, sorry, they're sitting tenth with fourteen points. So they're still like with within striking distance of the eight. But outside of him, they don't really have that much. You know, they've got Benny Hunt who's working his ass off. Amone does come in and help sometimes, but it's it's almost left up to Zach mm. to do that. And I think. He just needs to be not more, oh, I guess, more selfish and just be like, okay, I don't need to do that. Just get through my sets. Because the unfortunate thing at the moment is, is that like he was in line for maybe an origin call up. Now, after the performance on the weekend, unfortunately, probably, probably hurt his chances a little bit. So, and that's the thing that makes it so hard is that, you know, he's getting criticized because he wants to win games of fucking yeah, football. Yeah. He's happy to have the ball in his hand and take risks to try and win games of football. Sometimes, you're going to roll snake eyes and it's going to go against you. When it goes against you, you, you look you look shocking, like he has on the weekend. Mm. But for the age he's at, and, you know, I love that he's got this much ability and he knows it and he knows that <coughs> he wants to he, he wants to impact games. Yeah, It's not going to always go his way and he'll, he'll learn hard lessons in the first few years of his career. But, God, I'd rather a guy like him with his ability to be trying to influence games. Mm-hmm. Than just standing out there getting a cold, you know yeah. what I mean? Oh yeah, for sure. You just got to find that balance. Got to find that balance. Too much, and yeah. Got to find that balance because it's incredible ability what he has. Just gonna, and Zach's a fantastic guy. I think I think you'll find probably next week he'll come out and mm. and play a very up and down game of footy and just get through the. I mean, even if you just say to him as a coach, like Anthony Griffin just says, basically, mate, you can do the flick pass, but it has to be in good ball at the very least. Outside of that. Just hold the ball. Mm. Just hold the ball. You, you've obviously spent time with Hook. What do you think he, he would have said to him after this? Well, it's interesting because like Hook is a very simple game plan kind of guy. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not sure what Hook would say because Hook makes some decisions that I'm a bit unsure of. That mm. I'm not sure how, where he comes, how he comes to it. But I think Zachy Lomax will bounce back bigger than ever. And I think that if any fans that are a bit overly negative on Zach, just remember that you know this is a bloke trying to win games. You guys are currently sitting outside the the eight. Um, without Zach, like, man, it's a... When it comes to, like, breaking the game open the way he can do it, there's not very many centres in the comp. He's so, going to win you more games than he loses. Yeah, I think so. And so we have to remember as well, like, when you guys were struggling last year, he was, like, literally your best player. Yeah. Um, or outside maybe Benny Hunt. But 
I think he'll bounce back. It's just all about balance. It's just all about doing the boring stuff, getting through it, um, because far out he's dangerous. He, he's probably, out of all the centres in the game, outside of maybe Katoni Staggs, he's probably the best to just create. When you think that his centre has him, and it's like, oh, the centre's just guiding him to the sideline, there's no room here. He just somehow creates room for himself. He's just so, so good at it. So I think he'll bounce back in a big way. Um, and it's just, it's, this is the perfect example of just a young rookie. This is what you learn over time yeah. in the NRL. It's, it's, it's honestly what it is. In a, in a year or two's time, I guarantee you he's going to have that flick mastered to where he flicks it only at the right time. Uh, outside of that, what do you think of the Dragons, Guru? Uh, yeah, disappointing. Um, I just, mate, if Ben Hunt wasn't in this team, Fuck, they'd be in all sorts. I, I think I saw a tweet yesterday that said something like, if we had 17 Ben Hunts, we'd be a top four team. And, mate, just the the ticker that he plays with, mm. the way that he, he just goes at every single game, he's alive on everything. He would have, you know, like the amount of times over the years that he's backed up after Origin, like he would love to have a spell. But similar to Lomax, I think he knows he can't. Mm. And it's, it's credit to him. I, I thought their, their pack, you know, they were okay. They're just... It's like they run out with the eight same forwards. Mm. Like there's no, they don't have that point of difference in their in their forward pack. When I, when I look at them, like you, you've got Laurie, you, you've got the Molo boys, Blake Laurie. Like they're all very stock standard front <clears> rowers. You don't have that big explosive guy. You don't have that different body shape like a Campbell Gillard or you know like like a Sean Lane for Parramatta. They're all just very cookie cutter, yep. sort of the same. Which is the team that Hook's trying to build, but. God, it's hard when you don't have that real flashy talent out wide. Mm. Yeah, well, I just if you've got a team like that, you can't complete at 67%. Yeah, you've, you've got you've, to be on and, and you've got to yeah. do all the small things perfectly. And that perfectly. just killed them. Like, it killed them. They could, be, they could barely build any momentum up because they just kept making error after error. Like, Lomax flicked passes, and then I think the next set, Mozambique kicks it out in the full, and it's just, like, far out. Too many, like... too. It just accumulates. It accumulates, accumulates. And before you know it, you're going, we're not even in this game anymore because they've just put too many points on. Surely Andrew McCulloch has to be the starting oh, nine in this team. Like, with all due respect to him, by, oh. like, the kick out on the full, the one where he hit Josh McGuire down the short side, like, it just it just wasn't on. I don't – it just – and you, you could see that the whole left side for the Dragons was just standing there going, what the fuck? How did well, that – That's what I'm not getting is, like, Andrew McCulloch hasn't been out for that long. He's a veteran. This is like a, a very hook decision where you just he's like. He's been I back for two weeks, it. hasn't he? Like yeah. He's come off the bench. I don't, I don't, I don't understand that. Decision. Bud Sullivan isn't a nine. I'd rather see them at least have Bud Sullivan in there to get him into the game. Yeah, it's it's a really strange choice. I don't know, I don't know what's going on there. Does he maybe think he doesn't create enough? I, I just maybe he's injured. It just doesn't make any sense to be honest. Uh, you got to have Andrew McCulloch as your starting nine. You, you got to. Uh, Mate, imagine if they still had Reese Robson. Like they were sitting there three years ago and we don't need Robson, we've got Cam McInnes. Now they're both out of the building, they're both braining it. Mm, yeah. Tough times for Dragons. Uh, I thought Suli was outstanding again. Moses Suli continues to just chip away. He's another guy that, you know, I actually don't think he'd go too bad in a bloody blues jersey. I know he'd probably play for Tonga, I think. Um, but he's a beast, man. He's an absolute beast. The amount of times that he skittles defenders and gets a quick play the ball for his team is just, you, you can, you can, Barely, like, it's nearly every single run. really is. Um, 12 tackle busts, 184 metres in a try. In a losing side, 31 to 12. What do you think? Where, where, where are the Dragons going wrong, Timmy? 
just uh, not a side, <laughs> a roster, should I say, that inspires a, a lot of confidence in me. And it it's Guru nailed it pretty well. Like, you've got a bunch of forwards there who are solid enough and will do a job, but there's just no X factor. There's no spark. There's no one that can turn you on that team. It's Zach Lomax. And it can be quite hard to inject a gun centre at times, particularly if he's one of the, your only attacking weapons. You can sort of double down on him a little bit defensively. Um, ben Hunt, you, you look at the the benefits of being a top-tier side at this time of the season. Yeah, you're going to have more origin players, but you also have the luxury of resting them. Mm. And, you know, the Cowboys, I know they're on the two-day backup, but your Cotters and Nanais and these sort of blokes, the Panthers with Isaiah Yo, But... You know, Ben Hunt had to play this game. And, and, yeah, he was really good. He was in everything he gained for them. But if they're a top-four side, you can just go, Benny, just take the week off now, mate. Rest yeah. up. We'll get you good for next weekend, get you through this period. Um, it's it's just tough going. Yeah, really, really tough. Uh, Shout-out to Jonathan Rubin. I thought he was outstanding. I thought he looked dangerous every time he got near the ball. Uh, yeah, so... The positive for the Dragons is they do have some good young guys coming through. Like every time a young guy comes in, they seem to do well. So it seems like they've got that a bit sorted. It's just, as you said, they're probably just lacking a bit of punch up front. Um, and obviously those errors are, are killing them. The errors are just absolutely killing him. Uh, Jack DeBellon, 47 tackles, no misses. That's a massive knock. Um, yeah, just like when you look at these forwards numbers, so you've got Mbai runs for 20 metres, Blake Laurie, 107. Jack Bird, 84, Maguire, 16, Jack DeBella, 91. Like it's not, you're probably going to need a little bit more punch from your forwards. But as you look at the, um, and sorry, and Francis Molo was 80 metres. And whereas you look at the Cowboys forward pack, McLean, 144, Reese Robson, 120, Cohen has 79, Tim Gilbert, 103. Uh, Lukey came off early, so he was only 17. Uh, obviously, Tam Lolo, 207. And then, uh, Lemilu, uh, 117. So, anyway, like as you said, they have got a couple of young, a good young guys coming through, and like I remember sitting here last year and we said the same thing. All of a sudden, Tyrell Sloan's fallen off the side of the earth. Bud Sullivan hasn't really kicked on. I would argue that Amon hasn't. He isn't probably the guy we thought he'd be at this point. So, I, I hope they can, they can get it sorted, but it just I, just I don't know where the Dragons are going. I don't know what their direction is. Do you is. think it like? The, I guess the concern is is that we've seen some decisions from Hook. Do you think that they're playing not confident because he is... I think, so. I think they're walking around on eggshells. Yeah. And they're concerned about, you know, mm-hmm. getting dropped or whatever. Again, we don't know what's going on internally, but a guy like Amone, they pretty much publicly came out and said he may not be ready for first grade. He said it about Sloan. I wonder whether they're, they're just struggling for a little bit of confidence there maybe. I think so. Fresh out. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Again, <laughs> we don't know what's going on internally, but they definitely don't seem like a confident... A, up for it footy side uh, no, mate, look, like, even a guy like, like Jack Bird he's the one guy that isn't that sort of cookie cutter forward in their team I mean it's it's like they haven't worked out what his best position is yet mm. they're still sort of trying to work out and how he can impact games like Jack Bird should be a guy that has 30 touches of a ball a game yeah. he's just yeah do you think they need to go on the market get some like get, get a big get a big fish I think so. Yeah, I don't know who that would be. Probably, yeah, probably a forward. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's tough. Like, you, you look back a couple of years ago, they they pulled Paul Vaughan from Canberra, and he turned into that guy. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I, it's it's hard to replicate that as much as they did it then. It's hard to find those guys, and 
Mate, I, I, I got to tell you, I don't think I'd be overly convinced to go to the Dragons. Mm. I was another they're player. in a really weird spot because they're not the basket case, you know, bottom tier. They're still currently sitting on equal points for eighth, so they're not way out of it. But they also, yeah, that just that energy. I don't know. I'm just not getting that energy from them. And like, like if I if I'm looking at Simon St George, I'm going Ben Hunt's 32. Mm. I mean, he is the beating heart of this team. When he's not there, there is nothing doing. Yeah. Look, Ben Hunt's not going to play till he's 37. You know what's really interesting? Is so many people made a big deal about his massive contract from Broncos to Dragons for many years. As if you'd pay him that, this and the next thing. I think Dragons will, may offer him another million dollars to keep him. They might. I think they might have to. Yeah. They're, they're getting I mean? value out of him yeah. at a million dollars right now. Because if they lose him, they're like, they are in a really bad spot. And so it's all, it turned all the way around to he may get a million dollar contract when he's 33. And you know what? I probably wouldn't argue that much against it because if they lose Benny Hunt, holy, they're in a tough, tough spot. When you think about they could go out to the market and try and buy guys, like guys they would pay a million dollars to get there for, they aren't going to be as good as Ben Hunt. Mm. And, you know, a bloke you pay 700K for or 800K, you may as well spend that extra 200K. So really interesting to see whether, do you think Brucey stays? I, I hope so. I, I still think that Wayne will be getting closer and closer. To Ooh. I, I think there's Ben Hunt and there's and there's Hastings now, who Wayne's got a relationship with both of them. I wouldn't be surprised if one of them's the halfback wow. round one next year. What do you reckon, Timmy? Do you reckon they offer him a million bucks again? For just a one-year million-dollar deal? They <laughs> could do. And, and it's one thing you said to me a while ago, uh, one of the earlier podcasts that sort of stood out is that certain rosters all right, a player might not be worth this much but to certain rosters they are and it goes back to uh, when we spoke about Redcliffe and if they were to sign a Cam Munster on like 1.8 million dollars well he's probably not worth well he's not he's not worth 1.8 million dollars mm. but if they've got that money to spend and don't have marquees well to that roster he is worth it yeah, and yeah. Benny Hunt to this Dragons roster well he's worth a million dollars whether he's this sounds stupid, but whether he's a million dollar player or not, he's worth so much them because if they lose him, oh they're in all sorts. So yeah. um, other clubs, he wouldn't be worth a million dollars too, but uh, I hope he stays because he's the heart and soul of them at the moment. And it'd be devastating for the drags to see him go. Yeah, for sure. Look, the, good, the really good thing is, uh, even after how, you know, how much they seem to have struggled this year, the Dragons, they are still equal eighth on points. They're sitting on 14 points, which is the same amount of points as the Roosters. So have to give credit where credit's due mm. because it hasn't been the best year for them. They haven't kicked on the way we, they thought they would. But if you said they make the eight this year, that's a, that's a win year. That's a big year. So the good thing for the Dragons at the moment is they are still within striking distance. They play South next week, who they could beat. They play Canberra the week after, who they could beat. You just, you never know. They could sneak into that eight and all of a sudden a season where it was like a bit meh turns into, how good? We're playing finals footy. So it's that's be a positive. A, yeah, it's going to be a big two weeks. As you just said, you've got Dragons playing South and Canberra. Like they're three teams that are fighting out for that seven and eight spot. Yeah. It's going to be a big three weeks. Because that, that'll create movement in that season. Especially well, South. They, they pip South and then Roosters drop another game. Boom. Yeah, I mean, like if Dragons manage to win both of those, all of a sudden they're in the top eight. Yeah, so... Disappointing week, Dragons fans, but that's the reality. The reality is you are still within striking distance. Through all of the different selections and players moving and this, that, you are still within striking distance. And it, I think any Dragons fan will be happy just with the finals game of footy this year. Then they can... Amone's got another year on his belt. Sloan does. Sullivan does. Uh, Faye guy on the wing there who's incredible in my opinion. Uh, Suli keeps getting better. 
And all of a sudden, and Zach Lomax, also young. Mm. So there is, in my opinion, we'll speak about the Titans and Newey is who I'm concerned about. Whereas when I look at like the Dragons, I can see this young batch coming through that may pay a lot of dividends. Now on to the Titans versus the Rabbitohs. Make sure to grab a bloke jumper, 6 p.m. next Wednesday. Also, make sure to grab a case of bloke beer. We're in every single celebrations. Porter's Liquor, IJ Plus Liquor, and Bottolo in New South Wales and A City. That's right. If you've got celebrations of Bottolo near you, they will stock bloke in a bar. Make sure to get in and grab a case. We're also in every single celebration superstore in Queensland, and we've got a store locator. We're nationwide. We've got a store locator on our website. You go to www.blokeinabar.com. You put in your postcard. It will show you and closest stocker, stockers of bloke beer. And then our mid-strengths, they will be slowly filtering out into all Liquor Legends stores. Go to their website, and it will show you where their stores are at. But Titans, Rabbitohs. Wow. Let's talk about Titans first. They currently sit on the bottom of the table which no one predicted. There's, you know, very, very few people would have predicted they are sitting at the bottom of the table. Um, I am really, really getting concerned for the Titans because at the start of the year, we said they've got a young crew. You've got to stick with them. This is, we knew there was going to be ups and downs in the year. I don't think, Guru, I don't think we knew it was going to be this down. Now the concern starts to be, uh-oh, is this the right group of young men to stick with? I still think we'd stick with them like we don't know yet it's only been a couple games but if they finish the year on the bottom of the table then you truly may have to ask the question is this correct people to stick with now in their defense you look at the broncos two years ago bottom of the table look at the broncos now the concern i have with the titans right now though what juniors do they have when you looked at that broncos pack two years ago you could go carrigan flegler all these young guys where you're like I can see the potential everyone's talking about. David Feeder, Payne Haas. Everyone could see the potential in that pack, even though we weren't getting the results. My concern with the Titans is outside of Tino, that young forward pack, there really isn't... It's not this young pack where I can see the top tier of foot forward. Now, Moe Fodawaka, he's, you know has had some solid games in the past. He's been okay this year. But outside of that, I'm, I'm a bit concerned about the future with the, the Titans at the moment. Yeah, the Titans, uh, it is getting tough to watch, mate. I mean, on the weekend, they obviously were out without Fafita, without Brimson, Tina off the bench, but it's the same that we're getting every week when they are full strength. I And, uh, you know, I had them at the start of the year in, in the bottom four, but I didn't expect that they'd be this bad. I still thought that there'd be times where their young talent would get the job done and they'd pull games out here and there. And I'll be honest with you, I was disappointed in South Sydney. I didn't think they played well, mm. realistically. And the Titans uh, were still nowhere near their level. Tino came off the bench and scored two tries. One of them, he just got one-on-one with, with Cody Walker. Like, it's not going to happen mm. all that often, realistically. So I'm very worried about them. And you're right, like, you have a look through their side. There aren't any superstar young guys coming through. Like, there is Mo Fodawaka. He's playing, he's playing decent footy, but... I could tell you what, if you were to put Moffat Awaker into one of these top four systems, he'd be an absolute juggernaut compared mm. to what he is yeah. up there at the Titans. It's just, you, you just know that this is going to get worse before it gets better, I think. Mm. What do you reckon, Timmy? Yeah, you sort of sit there and look at their side, and, and we touched on it last week, thinking there's just doesn't look like that good a roster. It's looking worse and worse every week. And then you make sort of excuses like, oh, Fafita was out, Brimson was out, Tino backing up from Origin. Yep. But even when you put all those players in the starting team, which they've had at rough times this year, they've struggled a little bit uh, with injuries, it still doesn't look great. But 
there's just no depth there. Like, there's a few in the back line that can come in when, when injuries happen. But like, Marzu was outstanding. Marzu was outstanding. But outside yeah. of that, you know. They're, they're, like, there's not a lot coming through. Like, Tino and Fafida are going to get picked for Origin for a number of years, and they're going to be short on them at times. AJ Brimson will get injured. And when this happens, they just don't really have options to come in uh, and replace these guys. So it's, I, I just don't see how it gets any better for them anytime soon. So what shocks me on the weekend, Paul Turner picked at six. You got Tanner Boyd, who was an Australian schoolboy's halfback three years ago. They don't give him an option in the halves. They play him at hooker, and Aaron Booth still can't get a shot in this team. Yeah, tell me it's not at the point where you at least roll the dice on Aaron Booth to see how he goes. Yeah, I ju- it's just bizarre. Like, how on earth Paul Turner won the race to the six jersey? <laughs> that blew me away. Mm. It's, I just the and the crazy thing is, you want to hear the craziest thing of everything about this game? They completed at ninety two percent. What? You'd rather complete oh. a 50 in the I, 100%. I would rather go out there and complete a 50% and get towed up than, you know, complete at 92% and not shoot, shoot, like, not fire a shot. Wow. And two of the tries, you know, one of them was just Tino luckily on the edge with a much smaller Cody Orca. You take that away, you're looking at 30-10. And, and let's be honest, to be, I, I don't think there's – Titans for me never looked in the game, maybe the first 20, but after that I thought the Rabbitohs were pretty much in control. The Rabbitohs didn't play their best footy. I really that the concern for me is is that this is the next level of the Titans because they've got all their big dogs out, and no one expects them to. You know, I mean, I don't think anyone expected them just to blow teams out of the water. But you know, pressure is mounting probably on their coach at the moment. Not not that there's been any word out of the Titans, but you'd have to say he's under pressure at the moment. He's sitting on the bottom of the ladder, uh, and like they, they, this is the performance that they they toss up. And and as you said, Timmy, it's a great point. It's like I, we every week I feel like we kind of do make a bit of excuses for the Titans. Oh, they're missing Fafida, and oh, you know they need this, and oh, well Brimo was moved to fullback, then he's moved to six, and then Campbell. But unfortunately, even with all of their players back, they still have lost the same amount. Like take this game out of it, they're still at the bottom of the table. Like they're still at the bottom of the table. Um, we look at the Bulldogs who, again, we'll get to more later, but I know we're, we're going to, you've already touched on it, we'll mm. talk about how something we rave on about every week, getting these combinations together and they've stuck with Flanagan and, you know, it's only one game, but they're starting to show a bit they're really good. And the Titans, their spine, be it through injury or other issues, changes every week. Get every week. And, and yeah, there's injuries, but there's still no real plan B if, say, like a Jaden Campbell goes down. They're still flicking their 5'8 in Brimson to fullback, who Brimson was out uh, due to COVID protocols this week. But when that changes every week, how the hell do you build any cohesion this side? Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm honestly feeling a bit sorry for Toby Sexton because it's mm. – look at Burton. Even Burton, one of the game's hottest young talents. You could sit there and say, out of all the young halves coming through, Burton probably number one at the time. At least in the top three of young halves, I'd probably yeah with the, with the ceiling of potentially us. Even he, when it was chopping and changing, he was struggling at the start of the year of the dogs. His last month of footy has been outstanding, and what has that coincided with? It has coincided with Kyle Flanagan being his seven every single week, and Kyle Flanagan, he's never going to be the guy that sets the world alight, but he is going to be able to lay a platform for you. And and I think we've noticed that with Burton, where Burton has just gone from from. A player where you're sitting there going, uh-oh, he's gone to a new club that's struggling. I don't know if he's ever going to reach the form he's going to reach to. Holy shit, he's like one of the best form sixes in the comp. Like, obviously, Munster would be number one. I still have Dylan Brown up there. But I'd have him in the top five form-wise over the last month at Burton. 
and and that all comes down to combinations. And right now at the Titans, as you said, like it is just I would go as far if Jaden Campbell goes out and Brimo is still injury free, I would keep Brimo at six. If that's the decision we've made, let's stick with the six and seven of Sexton because you're going to get so much more out of him at six and Sexton at seven than you are at pulling him at fullback, bringing in another six, then going, oh, shit, then bringing him back and putting him back at, you know, I just don't see, I I don't see the benefit in that long term, especially as a young squad, as a young squad who everyone's aware we're building towards the future. Well, if we're building towards the future, let's stick with these combinations so that in two or three years' time, they know each other like the back of their hand. Uh, so really, really concerning um, times for the, the Titans. I, I really did not think that they'd be at the bottom of the table. Uh, you know, positives were Marzu was outstanding. He was an absolute wrecking ball. Um, you know, Firma had some good moments. Is there anyone else, anything else that stood out for you guys? Obviously, Tino was incredible off the bench. 47 minutes, he ran for 177 metres. Two line breaks, two tries, 26 tackles. Honestly, he's incredible. We spoke about it earlier when talking about nah, Nathan Cleary, how in that origin side, you know that he's going to get the, t- the ball on every last tackle and kick every time. And you have a look at them on the weekend. Jermaine Osaka kicked the ball once. No one else kicked the ball except for Toby Sexton. Mm-hmm. 22 times. I That's would what's argue. surprising about Turner not even having a single kick. Like, and he's, he, Turner's a six, isn't he? He's a yep. half. Yep. And then, granted, Sexton kicked for 700 metres. It was, like, fair play to him. But, damn. But, like, I, I would, I, like, I, I think you, I think we mentioned it last week. Toby Sexton's winning. He's got the most forced dropouts mm. by a distance. Yeah. He had another one on the weekend. I mean, but I would argue that Toby Sexton's probably playing better than what I anticipated. All things considered. Stati- yeah, statistically. Mm. You know, I, I do think he probably could have kicked on a bit more. Put, put it this way, I think he's played patches of footy better than I thought he would. Patches? I haven't seen him play an 80-minute game. Being a young halfback in this team, he could have been heaps worse, though. He probably should have been heaps worse than what he has been. Mm. How is that pressure on him? Where I didn't realise that, as you said, 22 kicks, one for Asako. Most teams in the comp have at least three kicking options. So the halves, for starters, to not see your other half kick a ball... If you had a hooker who was kicking and taking a bit of pressure off section, like, all right, you can see how that happens. A lot of teams might have a, a Tedesco or a Pappenhausen who have a bit of a kicking game from fullback that take a bit of pressure off. But when Sexton is the like the sole kicker yeah. for this team at his age, with all the pressures going on, add into that that they've got a rough and tumble yardage lock in sort of Tino Fasua Malawi, who again, not a traditional ball playing lock, which can take a lot of pressure off a young half. How's the pressure on poor old Toby Sexton? But mate, even when you put their full strength side in, when you think AJ Brimson, do you think, oh, handy mm. kicking game? I don't think it was Jaden Campbell. And on top of that, you know, Aaron Clark is not a kicking nine. And so, you know, I'm starting to feel like Sexton, unfortunately, has been put in a really tough spot. Like, he hasn't been given players around him to support him in the role that he's got. You need, a, you need more than one person in your spine that can kick. Like, that's... That's a given, surely. Surely that's a non-negotiable that in your nine, your six, seven and one, at least two people can kick solid, good footy. Now, mate, it's not like he also has like a way ground that he can flick the ball to and he can do something on yeah. last. Like he just, it is him. Yeah. It is solely him. And God, it makes it easy for defences to put pr- to put pressure on yeah. your last tackles. Um, yeah, I, I feel very sorry for Sexton. And no, I sort of started the year to you that... Now, if you took a 19-year-old Joey Johns and put him in this team, it would have been tough. Mm. 
it would have been difficult. They, he didn't have a ball player next to him. He didn't have a hooker. Well, look at Cleary at the Panthers for the first couple of years. He, yeah. got, he had that really good breakout year, and then he got crucified for a couple of years. And now, you know, very rarely does a seven or six come into the grade and just start killing it. It takes, takes quite a bit of time. So although, again, this is not – you know, he's a first grader and he's on decent coin. He should deliver. Um, but I do think he's kind of been set up. I don't think he's been set up with the best opportunity to be the best he can be. Well, mate, I hate to say it, and but it's slowly becoming Ash Taylor all over again up yeah. there. If we're talking about Sexton in that same way in five years' time, right now it won't surprise me, unfortunately. Mm. Environment uh, matters. And, and we'll just say it quickly and move past it because I know we say it every week, but the decision to get rid of an experienced half was not the best decision for Sexton. It wasn't the best decision for Sexton. Now, the positive, Kieran Foran is coming, and I think Kieran Foran is going to be outstanding for Sexton. So I will say in Titans' defence that, you know, I understand there's equivalence to Ash Taylor, but Ash Taylor never got a Kieran Foran to come in and help him out the first year. And so I will say the Titans, um, respect to them for, like, I guess, swallowing a bit of pride maybe and going, okay, we need to go out and get a – a number six or a seven that's going to help guide this guy through. Maybe we thought he was a bit ahead of where we, you know, thought he was going to get to this year. But yeah, outside of that, it's just a, it's unfortunate because the Titans right now things could. I don't, I don't think that they will win the spoon. I think that they'll, they'll be able to bounce back. But unfortunately, it's just one of those years where this could be, this could be, this could be some hard conversations to be had mm. at the end of the season. I, I personally think that they need to all have a real sit down and they probably have, but even as a club and be, yes, we are young, but are we going to set standards that we do not negotiate on or are we going to allow little things to creep into our game here and there? Um, so hopefully they bounce back. Really, really tough. In saying that, mate, like, and I, I'd like to say they're not going to win the spoon either, but someone's got to win it. Canterbury just played out of their skin yesterday. The Warriors are going to go back to New Zealand in a few weeks. I mean... Oh, they definitely could. They definitely could. Like, definitely and unfortunately, could. that that's the reality of it. It's it's tough down uh, down the bottom there of the ladder at the moment. It's brutal. Yeah, because it's it's not like last year where it was like two bottom teams were just so much worse than everyone else. There's like it that that bottom eight any on any given day, all teams could beat each other. In that bottom eight, in my opinion. Well, I mean, like, like people have been so disappointed with how the Newcastle season has played out. They're two wins out of the eight. Yeah, it's great. That, that is fucking wild. What do you got there, Manny? I just want to point out something that I didn't, I've never noticed before. But Tino signed to the end of 2026, right? But the last two years are actually mutual options. They're not, like, he's not actually locked into 2026. Wow. And to mutual options, it's just defined here as, I don't really know what it means. It's just both parties talk about activating the contract. Mutual but, options are weird because it's like, you can just go, no, yeah. not doing it. Yeah. Right. Wow. That's scary for Titans. If I was Titans, I'd be talking to Tino now about locking him in. Because is anyone doubting Tino's going to go on and, you know, he's outstanding. Especially when he's had a taste of premierships, yeah. the grand finals. Yeah. Like it's, it's like he, he's a kid that's just come in and he's glad to be there. He's had a taste of being successful. Yep. Now he's at the other end of it. Yeah. Wow. Really interesting, really interesting. So hopefully the, the Titans can bounce back because uh, they looked like they'd they really looked like they turned the corner as a club at the start of this year. I really love the talk, the five-year plan. And everyone makes jokes about that, but it's good to be able to have that. Like, you need to have plans that go three or four years in the future with your juniors, with everything. And from what I'm hearing, they are putting in a lot of work to their juniors and that. But, if you know, they've got to turn around the field, so hopefully they can. Now, on to the Rabbitohs. Really strange 
outing for me with the Rabbitohs. I don't know where to put them again. And, and I think we said this at the start of the year. Week in, week out, it's going to be different. Uh, massive rap to Cookie. Came out. I thought he was really good. 45 tackles, only two misses after origin. Uh but I, I wasn't, it wasn't convincing for me. It wasn't convincing. They're still missing that energy that they had last year. Uh, a win's a win, though. A win's a win, and, and they, got the, they got the job done. It was up at Gold Coast, wasn't it? Mm. So you can't ask for much more than that. What do you think, Timmy, this game with Rabbitohs? Yeah, I mean, there's been a game this year where I've even been close to thinking the Bunnies are back or anywhere near where they were last season. They're getting a really blessed run, the Bunnies of late. Um, you know, the Titans on the weekend without arguably three of their best four players out, plus Tino backing up from Origin. By before that, just before that, they put a few on the Tigers. You know, make of that what you will. Before that, Raiders flogged them. Before that, just beat the Warriors, who have been a basket case themselves. Before that, Brisbane pumped them. Before that, Manly Seagulls. There was a send-off 10 minutes in, and they put 22 on them. So... They're just, I'm waiting for them to click. We say the same thing every week. When's it coming? When's it coming? Oh, they're just not being impressive at all, have they? And as far as I'm concerned, they, yeah. They're winning games. Yeah. And at this stage, that's all that matters. But if they want to even look like competing at the back end of the year, they're not even close to it. Yeah, so Rabbitohs, where do we, if you had to grade it now, with everything that's gone, all the people that they've lost, lost Bennett, lost Reynolds, we've been through it ad nauseum. Would you say this is a success, successful year or not a successful year so far? I'm sort of caught in the middle. I, you know, you're, you obviously couldn't call it a train wreck. They're still in the top eight. Mm. Uh, but fuck, I just felt like watching that game yesterday, like Rabbitohs played shit, but you never knew. You, you knew they were never going to lose. Mm. Oh, I hate those games. And when you're watching South Sydney and you've got Cody Walker, Damian Cook, Campbell Graham, Alex, all these exciting guys, and they're still playing very average footy, but you know they're going to win because of who they're playing. I, yeah, I find them very frustrating to watch at the moment, Rabbitohs. I'd give their season maybe a 6 or a 7 out of 10. What do you reckon, Timmy? I mean, they're one of the biggest disappointments of the season. I think they're good enough that they can flick a well, – maybe not flick a switch, but I think they can build towards something far strong and come back into the season. But if we're grading now, I wouldn't even say it's a middling season. I know they're in around the top eight, but what we expected from them, uh, very disappointing. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a bit more lenient. I think it's a satisfactory year. Mm. With everything that could have gone wrong, with the way we've seen other clubs just fall apart after Bennett leaves, I think that we can still see the core of a top four side there. I think that, yes, it hasn't clicked, and, and yes, there are certain parts of their game that could improve. It's absolutely their completion rate. Like, it is, as long as they complete well, usually, usually, they uh, can win games. Uh, but I, so I'd give it a you know a satisfactory a pass mark at the moment. They definitely haven't um, gone better than I thought they would, uh, and I think that you know I'll be able to judge them much better once I see Latrell play a month yeah. of footy. Because we do have to remember any team lost its superstar like out and out superstar after, and that's why I cut the Rabbitohs a bit of slack. They lost Wayne Bennett, Adam Reynolds, Dan Gagai, and essentially Latrell Mitchell. Essentially Latrell Mitchell. Now. I don't think that gets appreciated enough. I don't think we talk about it enough that they lost their main guy, like literally their million dollar guy, even though he's not a million dollars, but he's worth a million of the troll. They lost him, or maybe eight to 900 at the moment. Um, they lost him and also everyone else, plus everything that happened. So I just want to see a month of footy with the back in that side, because we have to remember the a generational talent. He does things that other people can't do, but also just having him on the field gives you that belief, you know, that kind of, oh, wow, we can really do whatever we want to do because this guy can break games open. And I think Latrell, how he comes back is going to define 
how their season goes. If he comes back and he's struggling a bit, then I think they may slip out of the eight. If he comes back and kills it, I think they stay in the eight, maybe make the first or second week of the finals. So it all really hinges on getting Latrell back. Um, outside of that, I still think that they're a bit short on outside backs at the moment. I think, oh, so, yeah. That's exactly what we speak about how important yardage is from your back three. Mm. Their back three at the moment is Cody Nicarima, Alex Johnston, and Jackson Paulo. Like, without looking to other sides, it'd nearly have to be the smallest back three in the comp, wouldn't it? So, when they're starting their sets off with that, that's where Latrell take all these freakish acts aside. Just that yardage will be so important for them. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's interesting because, like, Paulo, you know, he has some really, really good moments, really good moments, and then sometimes struggles a bit. He's a, he's a big ish body, too. I, I, I wonder whether, you know, do they have is it is he their next guy that they really believe in or do they have more guys coming through i'm really interested to see what their juniors will be doing um you know tane milner he, he's you know he's played all right here and there but hasn't really cemented his spot it's just that uh is it their right side because is campbell and johnson on one side they're on the left and yeah. tane and so maybe the decision and i understand they lost players or whatever but the decision to play two players that haven't played that much first mm-hmm. grade together might be a bit unfair on both of them you know because they're both it, you, you're better off having experience and which is interesting because i and i know mansour sometimes you have poor reads in defense but when it comes to like meter reader being a meter eater being experienced he may be able to help a guy a few of the boys so i'm interested to see why if he's injured or why he's not getting a crack over guys like, you know, Paulo or Tane Milner. I, I think that's a big thing in this house. Sydney side hasn't been spoken about enough. Like they obviously lost Dane Gagai, which was always going to hurt. But the fact that Mansour hasn't quite kicked on, mm. but they signed him as a, a, a winger coming from a grand final team yeah. who killed it. Like for him to be where he's at and not playing the level he is, I think that's really hurt South Sydney and their depth as well. For sure. Because he was the experienced guy. He was, he yeah. Was, he was the guy. And, you, you know, you lose Gagai, you go, well, we've still got Mansour. He's, you know, played in grand finals, played for his country, played Origin as well, I'm pretty sure. Yes. Um, I think he's played Origin. Definitely played for his country. He definitely played, played for Origin. Australia. Okay. No, uh, Mansour. Yeah, yeah. He's played Origin. Um, and so, yeah, that, that probably has hurt him a little bit. I wonder why he hasn't get getting a start. I wonder how he's going in reserve grade. Uh, outside of that, uh, you know, some positives. I thought Keon, again, was solid. Uh, Thomas Burgess, a lot of metres. The good thing is, is their forward still packs a bunch of punch. We've got Tavita Totola with 155 metres, Thomas Burgess with 177, Keon with 165, Jairo with 139. Um, you know, that's, that's a fair bit of punch in your forward pack. So, going to be interesting. Uh, I, I think we'll just let's wait and see. When Latrell comes back, see how he goes after that first month and, uh, and, and judge from there. Well, mate, that, they'd want to get it sorted by that first month because, as we've said a few times, round 19 onwards, they play. They've got six games, five of them against top eight teams. Yep. Yeah. Um, now, on to Roosters v. The Storm. Interesting game, this one. Uh, 26 18. I don't. I, I, I feel like that flatters the Roosters a little bit. I, I thought the Storm were quite in control for a substantial part of the match. Uh, in saying that, I, I might be remembering wrong. You watch so much footy, sometimes you forget. Um, but I thought, look, I thought the Storm were clinical. I thought they were dominant. Uh, I'm still a bit unsure as what the direction of the Roosters is. I say it every week, so sorry, guys. But uh, I will say, Suwali was outstanding. Some of the plays he pulled off were incredible. From the, like. That one where he jumped up, like nearly dropped the ball, but then like hit it back up off the deck was outstanding. And I, I think 
a couple of did he make some try savers i'm not sure but he played so so well um you know teddy again getting through a bunch of work i just i don't know where i don't know who the main guy i mean i know kiri is but the structures and all that they just don't seem to be there at the moment for the roosters yeah just talking on joseph swally too i i texted you the other night i was sort of joking but half wasn't when i sort of said could he have been underrated? Mm. Like, you think about how hyped he was coming into this season. For him to be anything but overrated has been an incredible effort. And mm. he's lived up to every expectation, every bit of hype so far this year. He's been incredible. Yep. What do you reckon, Timmy? <laughs> um, Saturday Arvo <clears throat> went and played nine holes of golf in a cart. We walked back to the pub afterwards. My mate goes to me, tell you what, pretty bloody sore after that. An hour later, James Tedesco ran for his 600th metre in a game of rugby league in like three days. And I went, I just looked at him and mate, we're athletes, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Teddy was unbelievable. Not that he was massive on the game, but to do that, backing up a few days later, is just such a mammoth effort. On the, the structure of the Roosters, it's just still that too many mouths to feed kind of issue, isn't it? Like, you know, we say it every year, but who's the key playmaker? Interesting now, Luke Keary, concussion, has a history of them. I don't know the latest on it, but we'll find out pretty soon. But there's every chance he sits out multiple weeks to get himself right. That They'll take a cautious approach, I'd imagine. If Sammy Walker becomes the dominant half in that team, it could benefit them yeah. with, with him becoming the dominant playmaker with a Joey Hutchinson or a, maybe Joey Marner, whoever they go with it. Uh, excited to watch him this weekend with mm. Keary out. Hopefully Keary's all good and he's back sooner rather than later, but... It could, it could provide solutions for them in a funny way. Yeah, look, it's a uh, the Kiri Walker situation. Do we are we as confident it's going to work as we were at the start of the year? Mm. I'm more nervous about it. I just I don't know. I don't know what's. I thought it was going to. Honestly, thought they were going to be the best, arguably at least a top three halves combo in the competition. Um, you know what. Uh, Kiri has come back from an ACL, which is obviously always tough to come back for. But on top of everything, that was his game. It's that high speed, high energy, in your face kind of footy. I, I'm just really struggling. And then obviously as well, Drew Hutchinson being in at nine, he's a great servant, tough as anything, really great for the club. But you know, is he the top tier nines? Not really. And I understand they've brought Cheese in to be that. Um, I'm just, and then you got Nat Butcher at, at 13. You know, I, I know Radley will come back, but I'm still a bit concerned about if they were losing, but I could see some flow in the way they play, I could be like, okay. But at the moment, I'm just not really seeing the same. Like, Roosters of the last few years have just been, they've had this game plan and it was so clear as to what they were doing. This year, it just seems to be one set, it's this, next set, it's that. I don't know where they go from here. I, really I, mean, don't. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Timmy's spot on that Sam Walker really steps up over the next few weeks. But then before finals, you've still got to bring back Kiri. You've still got to bring back Radley. Yeah. Like, it, it's like you're delaying your teething problems to later. Do you reckon the Roosters may take this opportunity to be like, look, we, we see whether Sam can be the seven? You know? Yeah, maybe. Because yeah. they came fifth last year, I'm pretty mm. sure, with Sam as a seven. And you go, they go back to, all right, Sam, you be the seven. Kiri, you be the six. You be the running six that you were before. Do you reckon they use it this month of footy? Or if, if it is a month, I hope it's not a month at all. But let's say it's a couple of weeks or whatever. Let's just see if Sam can be the seven. Yeah, I, I don't think they have a choice now, realistically. I mean, who, who, who's going to play 5-8 next week? I'd love to say Joey Manu, but then you've got one guy that can kick. I think they probably have to go with Hutcho again. Well, Hutcho can, Hutcho, Hutcho can kick out a nine. 
I wouldn't mind seeing Joey at six. I really wouldn't. When he came there on the week uh, on the weekend, I, I loved it. Really, like first, I think his first set, he set up a try with a kick mm. that grubber to Satili. Pretty sure. But once again, if you if you do play Joey Manu at six in five weeks' time, you've got to blow up the entire game plan and change it so much because Joey Manu is so different to Luke Keary. Yep. Then you'll be Radley in as well. It's just for that reason, I, th- I think you're on the money. Yeah. For that reason alone, I think you have to give it to Drewy. Keep Manu at centre. Keep these structures. You're right as well. Give Sammy the chance to say, all right, I'm the dominant halfback. Let's see where we go with this. If he kills it and the Roosters look good, well, then Kiri comes back and plays second fiddle to Sammy Walker, which sounds yeah. funny, but yeah. I mean, if it works, it works. And it yeah. doesn't matter what happens. But he'll also get Sammy. Sammy was amazing last year in a depleted Roosters side every single week. Warrior Hargreaves should hopefully be back this week, if not next. Uh, Victor Radley's not too far off. It'll be a near full-strength team outside of Kiri, so good to see what he can do. In saying that, are they in a position to not just need to win the next four games. Mm-hmm. They're eighth at the moment. Like yeah. I'm sort of talking about them as if they need to think long-term, but realistically, they need to think short-term because if they drop two games in a row, they'll be outside of the eight. Which would be crazy. Yeah, so Roosters are in a, in a, they're in a really interesting spot, a really interesting spot. Only a month ago, I think they were in the top four. Now they're on the edge of the eight. So really interesting times at the Roosters. Uh, now, clearly... We say all of what we just said. They're still the Roosters with an incredible lineup. If there is one team, literally, if there is one team that next week rocked up and then went on a run to challenge for a grand final, it's the Roosters, in my opinion. I can't really see any other team doing that in the competition outside of the Roosters. Not, not do I mean run to win a comp. Obviously, there's teams that can go and run to win a comp. What I mean is a team that looks so unlikely to turn it around in a week's, week's time. So they're absolutely still in the fight, but this next week of footy, They've got Para and then they've got Penrith. Para and then Penrith. Yeah. And you've got, you know, Raiders, who although they lost to the Broncos, I think they've been outstanding the last month. I, I personally think the Raiders have officially turned a corner. And when I say turned a corner, I don't mean they're back at the same level they were a couple of years ago. I mean, they nearly were on the direction towards the spoon. They went, at the start of the year, they went two from eight. In the last month of footy, they've gone four wins, two losses. So four from six. If that, that's a massive, massive turnaround. Massive turnaround. So, yeah, I, I think the Roosters can. Now, uh, to the Storm. Storm, uh, look, where they add their absolute damaging best, I think every single week that goes by is every single week we realise, oh, actually, Pappenhausen is incredibly important to this team. Incredibly important to this team. Uh, Meany has been playing outstanding, but the, the electric nature of the way Pappenhausen plays around the ruck it cannot be replicated it really can't because no one has the body shape he has he, he's so quick across the ground he's so fit he's repeat speed efforts he's always in the right position so I thought it was a really good solid win by uh, Storm and also congratulations to Grant and Anderson Anderson scoring two tries on debut and yeah. guess who picked it you put out a bit of mail the guru said before the game he said anytime try score Grant uh, Anderson get on her and boom, she got up. But what did you think about the Storm, Guru? Yeah, mate, I thought they did really well. I was actually, I remember looking before the game and, you know, with all due respect to those guys, it's probably the worst back five I've seen in a Melbourne Storm team in a long side, in a long time. Meany, Irene, And that's Seve. like, that's compared to the compared greats. Compared to their greats, yeah. yeah. But, but, it's still but, a great, it's, it's still a good, a good back line. It's, yeah, it's still handy, but it's very, like, it's definitely not of the level of the Melbourne Storm over the last 20 odd years. And they were playing the Roosters, who are a good side, who have. Teddy, Tupu, Manu, like, that's a pretty star Well, you'd probably say, on paper, the outside backs, so from, you know, centres, fullback and wingers, you'd say Roosters 
had the better on paper for sure by, by, far by a substantial margin yeah. I thought uh, Marion Seve he's a guy that you know has sort of been in and out of first grade I think we all had him in our team of the week mm. I thought he was sensational he was, a, he was a barn buster he was breaking tackles left right and centre three line breaks three line breaks he, he, he's just got that real solid similar-ish to an Olam kind mm. of um, footy player I, I do think Defensively, uh, him and Dean Eremaya get found out a little bit, but that's all about combinations. That, that'll come after a time. And the good thing about a guy like Seve and uh, Eremaya is in attack. Look at this. This is their stats for attack: 160 meters for Eremaya, eight tackle breaks. Seve, 173 meters, nine tackle breaks. So you can work on defensive systems. You can sort all that out. Yes, it did cost them a couple of weeks ago where they were letting in a few trials due to their youthful outside backs. But I tell you what, if you've got two young outside backs that are on your fringes, breaking eight and nine tackles each, it's pretty scary. I've been a little bit surprised, Melbourne. I mean, they signed Jack Howarth at the start of the year on that five-year deal. I'm surprised, all things considered, we haven't seen him yet. Yeah. I thought we would have seen him over the last few weeks. And, you know, basically, you, you can put two and two together. Like, by them signing Howarth on what they did, they pretty much lost Kafusi and... Bromwich, like that was a call that they made, which is fair enough. You've got to look towards the future. So I agree with you. Very surprising that hasn't been brought in yet. But also, I guess, it shows you how much clubs are buying for the future, are, are buying players just so no one else will buy them. And clearly the Storm have, have looked at Holworth and said, we can't afford to lose this guy because we see his potential. Because uh, he's on a fair whack, like a fair whack. One of the, like for a young player that hasn't played first grade yet, it's one of the biggest, if not the biggest contract ever signed at the Storm. Uh, probably the biggest. Can you think of any other rookies this time, the storm of signed that haven't played first grade yet? They're on 400, 500k over five years. It's crazy. Five years. Timmy, anyone? Yeah, well, no, but the storm in terms of talent ID and paying overs for these rookies and the risk that comes with it, they've been doing it for years, haven't they? With, with oh, Pap- Pappenhausen's in there, right? Uh, Harry Grant's in there, who they've just come through and you sit there and go, geez, these blokes have got to bide their time. But when it comes, it pays off for club, it pays off for the player who waited mm. and they become the next stars of the game. So obviously Bellamy and the, the recruitment team there have identified Howarth as one of them blokes. So it's exciting for when he does get his yeah, run. Yeah, that's 100%. Like, that, that was my next point. Is like, if this is the raps the Melbourne Storm have on this kid... Imagine what he's going to do yeah. when he plays first grade. And I mean, he, he went back and played Q Cup on the weekend. He didn't play back row. He played centre. 143 metres, 70 post contact. I told you he's a centre. I told you. He's a centre. We'll see next year. We'll see. I even questioned the great, great Craig Bellamy. <laughs> I said, Bellag, he's a centre, <laughs> mate. What do you know about footy? Jesus. I think he's a centre. I think he's a centre. But we, yeah, we will know next year because obviously Jesse Bromwich, uh, sorry, Kenny Bromwich and Kafusi move on going to be really interesting i really like him at center like i really like him i do think that uh they've really missed remus smith in the centers he's so good in defense for them um and i, I think he's been such a, a good buy for the club like he's going to be a long-term center not going to break the bank really grateful to be there and it just shows you like you know you, you can go from a struggling club to a club like the storm and he may play the next five or eight years at the storm i mean how how what a change of scenery you can almost guarantee yourself if you play at the storm for five to eight years you guarantee yourself at least one premiership pretty much um what do you think about the game timmy yeah i mean you mentioned you you see how much melbourne are missing ryan pappenhausen there even in a good win like the weekend but also just jerome hughes the importance of him to this side particularly in a squad with a fair bit of depth across it 
The halves, they probably don't quite have it at the moment. They have sort of a few options in Nick Arimas and Cooper Johns who can step up, but they really miss out. But even in a game like this, backing up a few days after Origin where Munster had a monster night out on Wednesday night, Hughes just steps up and goes, all right, I'll be the man tonight. Yep. Cut the tri-assist, starred for them. Munster took a bit of a backseat just to allow him to do that. And we mentioned a few weeks ago but the winning record of Melbourne with and without Munsters and Hughes and that and how much more, statistically speaking, the storm he Jerome Hughes. And it's just showing more and more like they never lose games of footy when he's playing. Yeah, that, that it's interesting because you know, like with that statistic, it's like there's so many other factors around that statistic. Like, you know, is Munster playing with a couple of wingers out as well? But I, I agree with you that Hughes is really becoming a staple of that side. And I think that most of us last year probably would have said Munster is the only staple in that side. And everyone else outside of that is is incredibly good, like incredibly good. Like I rate Hughes, I thought he was top three halfback in the comp last year. But are they a staple of the side? Probably not. I think that it is proven this year that Jerome Hughes is arguably now again we need to see him in the big games. Uh, he, did he win? He's won one comp at seven. One comp, yeah. So we need to see him in more big games. But at the moment, <laughs> as as it stands for this season, I would argue Hughes is as equal staple to the team as Munster is, uh, and I would also argue Pappenhausen is as equal to all three of them. And what's really interesting about that is it's very similar to Slater, Cronk, and Smith. You know, Smith might be the main guy. Yeah, but also Cronk's the kicking guy. He gets him around the park. Yeah, but Billy Slater is the, the tip of the spear. And it's it's almost echoing, you know, obviously they're very different people to them, but mm. playing-wise, um, really, really imp- impressive stuff. I know, like, it is what it is and we're not going to say it, but I'd love to see Husey be able to play Origin every year. Oh, Just yeah. to see him tested on that big stage mm. for a month, smack in the middle of the season. I, I, I just yeah, He's just the sort of guy that would dominate that World arena. World Cup, end of year, bring it on. Mm. Yeah, I can't wait. How good in the off-season we've got yeah, the World Cup. It's awesome. Fuck yeah. Um, that Everything we just said was brought to you by Bloke Jumpers. Wednesday, 6pm. <laughs> 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 Grab a Bloke Jumper. And we also got truckies. Matching trackies. I'm wearing them right now. Comfiest things in the world. Also, grab a case of bloke beer. Um, so, Melbourne Storm, right now, where do we? what would you give them for the year of footy? Considering injuries and stuff that have probably gone against them, I'd probably be sitting them at like a seven or eight, probably yeah. an eight. Where would you sit them? Yeah, I'd give them eight to an eight and a half. There was them sort of two weeks there where they had key players out and they got, you know, really stood up against the Cows and Panthers, but take them two out. I know they're the, they're the two big games. Mm. They've been pretty bloody faultless. Um, what is interesting, uh, Harry Grant starting off the bench. Now, obviously, it's probably because of origin, but I would hate for the poor bloke to play so good off the bench that oh. like Bellamy, Bellamy goes, you know what? You actually are really good off the bench. And he's like, fuck! Because <laughs> like, he's incredible at starting at, uh, at starting in the nine roll. Uh, yeah, look, great, um, great performance by Storm. Well done. Uh, Kafusi situation. What do you think about the whole situation? My personal opinion is you've got to give the bloke the benefit of the doubt. Uh, you can look at it and say he meant to do this, meant to do that. You just can't – you don't know what's going on in his head. Now, some people say, oh, he's got form and rah, rah. But, again, just because you believe he's got form, whatever, it doesn't mean you know exactly what he's thinking. On top of all that, they've come out and fought the charge. Um, so what do you think about the situation? Yeah, I, I understand where people are coming from with – the form argument for and sure like he has had situations like this for sure. before there's no, no denying, denying that. that so that's where this one does become difficult but i i just think it all happens 
so quickly. Yeah. And, you know, the, the wrestler is such a big part of every team's game, especially the Melbourne Storms game, mm. as it should be. Um, yeah, I, I don't think he does this stuff purposely. I just think he's an aggressive defender. Mm. That's what makes him so great. But when someone says, oh, yeah, and shows you the examples, I can understand where people are coming from. Yeah, for sure. That's Like, the form, if you want to argue that and say it's it's a reasonable thing. It's, mm. it's not... You're not crazy to be like, bro, look at this, this, and this. Um, it, it, it happened, and there, you could, it could suggest that he is overly aggressive. Uh, I personally think that it's just, regardless of what you do or don't think, it, when you get it, start to get into things of like reading what's in people's minds, it becomes a bit wishy-washy of like, you know, he meant to do this or he didn't mean to do that. Uh, I, yeah, look, I, I, I like to give players the benefit of the doubt. Um, but again... I'm more than open to be proven incorrect. What do you reckon, Timmy? Yeah, as you said, when you start guessing what a player's thinking, whether they're doing these things deliberately, particularly when it comes down to the integrity of a player and the nature of a player, their character, I think it's a, it's a dangerous line to cross. So the two words you said there, I'm going to go with four words, benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> benefit of the doubt. Uh, yeah. I'm, not, I'm happy to give that to him and say, you know what, there's a bit of form, but, uh, you know... I'm happy to let him off the hook on this one. Yeah, and it happens so quick. We watch it in slow-mo over and over and over again. This happened in a split second, like in the heat of battle. So, so they, they, they find him, was so it 1,800? So this, this is the interesting thing about it, and Joey brought up a great point. They find him 800, 1,800 and charged him. And so Joey's saying, well, if they're charging him, they're saying he's guilty. Mm. So it, that's an elbow to the head. Then mm. he should be Gornsky's, yeah. if that's the truth. Um, Interesting though, and, and I kind of agree, I agree with Joey in the sense that he's right. Like if, if you're saying he intentionally did it, which you don't know whether he did or he didn't, then then you've just gone the middle ground. You've just like, oh, we'll go the middle ground. I, I, you've got to be, I guess, firm on it. I personally believe there's no nowhere near enough evidence to say he absolutely because like so many things are going on. He's trying to find his front. He's, he could be trying to shrug someone off so that he can get over the top of him to his front. There's so many different things that can happen. Now, Melbourne Storm have come out and said, no, we're challenging that. So mm -hmm. Melbourne Storm is saying, we don't believe he did it at all intentionally. And I think that like, look, if you wanted to start reading in people's minds, for them to turn around and go, they could have eased 1,800, nothing. Walk away, mm -hmm. scot-free, all good. For them to go, no, no, we're challenging that. I think that leans more in Kafusi's favour of he clearly wants to stand up for his own integrity and say, no, I'm willing to risk it because I didn't do it on purpose. What Sorry, do you think so, so with the charge, was he facing any weeks or any possible? No weeks. No weeks. Just a fine. Yeah, right. And they've come out and said, no, we're challenging that, which says to me, like, I, like, I know we will never know because we don't know what he's thinking, but it says it kind of feels like, well, we clearly didn't mean it. Well, if you meant it, you'd be like, whew. Thank God, I'm just going to yeah. take this and bounce. What do you reckon, Timmy? Great from the club. What a mm. stance. Say, all right, you're going to not attack our player's character, but you're saying, I said, by the fact that he was fined, you're basically saying you meant to do it. They said, yeah. no, nah, bullshit, he didn't. Um, I want a great stance from the club. Yep. And uh, what do you reckon? I, I just reckon, uh, intentional or not, like it's still dangerous contact. Like he still elbowed him in the head, like, looked like a couple of times. Like the first one wasn't too bad, but the second one. Um, but the, the second one was like, he didn't elbow him in the head the first contact. Like, he's, he's, his elbows weren't up there. Yeah. Like, his, his, his arms were down there, correct? Yeah. But so that's not his fault. Like, if you yeah. go into a tackling... But either way, like, it's grade one dangerous contact. Intention if it was intentional, he would have got grade four. Yeah, but... So, you, so let's say 
a guy tackle like let's say the exact same tackle happens. Sam Walker gets up, they play the ball. You wouldn't even talk, you wouldn't even notice it because it wasn't like he egregiously had his elbows up. He was bumping like normal. So if you start getting to the area of saying like bumping like normal, if you hit someone's head, then you can get weeks. There'll be a million tackles a game. So, so do you feel he had his elbows up in a dangerous position, before, not I, a normal position, a dangerous one? When I saw it, I th- like, because it's grade one, right? So minuscule. And it's a fine as well. Yeah. Like, I don't think that that is the NRL saying, you meant this. I think it's just them saying, you got him in the head. It's, it's a little bit dangerous. He's a grade one. But he, like, his elbows were here. What, like, oh, if we started finding blokes for every time they hit someone in the head with elbows here, mm. you, you have to change the way you run. Like, you're almost saying, don't bump anymore because you could hit someone in the head. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think that's a very dangerous road. You'd be changing. There'd be a lot of blokes running completely differently. Um, but who knows? You've, you've had more experience with the NRL, so maybe that is what they're saying. They're just saying, look, it was contact with the head and, and whatever. I, I think you've got to kind of look at it like with that specifically, not the other stuff because we don't know what he's thinking. You've got to look at it like if Sam just gets up and walks – like away, you would say that was a completely normal tackle. Whereas like, let's say he runs with his elbows right up and he misses Sam and Sam gets up and runs away. I would say that's a penalty still, even if he missed him because he's dangerously lifted his arms and, and he, his intention was to hit. Whereas if it's normal, I, I'm kind of like, you can't really find someone for running normal and they accidentally hit. Like someone tries to tackle me here and their head gets hit. I think that'd be a bit um, tough, but... Yeah, look, I personally believe you've, in these situations, you've got to give the player the benefit of the doubt. Uh, do you reckon going toe-to-toe with the NRL is a dangerous thing? reckon they'll get off it? Uh, yeah, I, I always look at teams like Melbourne and the Roosters, and normally if they challenge something, yeah, they normally do get away with it. They yeah. only they, they normally only challenge it. They know they're going to get away with it. I'll tell you what, the, I, I thought the funniest thing of the whole fucking thing was uh, Buzz Rothfield tweeting out, can someone get me some footage of the thing? I was like, you work for Fox and the Telegraph. Oh How are God. you... How are you reaching out to the average punter to see if they can get you a bit of tape? Do you have KO? Talk about like seeing blood in the water and being like, get <laughs> yeah, me some footage on it. I want to, I want to tear this apart. <laughs> oh, bloody hell. Um, the, the, I, the main thing though is I hope Sammy's all good. Bowel reports yeah. he is all good. Mate, he's so tough. Like, he's got to be one of the toughest young like little fellas I've seen in a long time. Like Pound for pound. Pound for pound. Like, Tell me a bloke that's as tough as Sam Walker. I've never seen him step... So many players, even big players, will sometimes step aside like that just to take the tackle, not to hurt their shoulders. I never see him pull out of anything, anything. Um, so, by reports, he's all good. So, I hope he's all good. And um, as I said, with these things, you just can't tell what they're thinking. But Storm, another great win. On to Broncos v. the Raiders. Uh, wow. What an incredible win. What an incredible win. I can't express, you know, I, I know I wasn't a 300-game veteran or any of that stuff. I was a nobody when it comes to the Broncos. But how proud it made me to think these blokes were in the same jersey that I was lucky enough to wear. I thought they represented the Broncos as good as any Broncos squad has ever represented the Broncos. To have that many injuries, to have people out uh, due to origin commitments, uh and to put on a performance like that against a, a Raiders side that was in good form, that had good players like Tarpanair, like Elliot Forum, Starling came on and lifted the, the pace of the game. I thought it was absolutely amazing performance. And 
I, I think that any era of Broncos would be incredibly proud of what the Broncos managed to do. This young Broncos side managed to do on the weekend. Uh, they're building something incredible there and they should be. And I said it a few weeks ago, remember all the people that death rode you a few couple of years ago? There's only one group of people that got you out of this and believed in you and that's yourselves. So they should be proud of themselves. Uh, it was an amazing performance. What do you think this one, Guru? Yeah, mate, I, I thought the Raiders, I mean, if you got me to go 1-16 to 16 of the best performing teams on the weekend, I'd probably have the Raiders 5th or 6th. I thought they yeah, were really I good. Thought I good. thought they played well. And Broncos, to do what they did, very impressive. Especially the guys they lost. Like they had Capewell and they had Stags out before the game. That yeah. hurt. They had Carrigan backing up from Origin. Haas gets injured. Herbie gets injured. Reynolds gets injured. I mean, there's a lot going into that. You've also got Ezra playing sixth. Was that his first game with Adam Reynolds? I think second, I think. Second? <coughs> yes. Was it second? Or was it with Gamble? I'm pretty sure it was his first. Yeah, actually, you know, first I think it was together. his first. Yeah, yeah. And, so, he looked, and it looked like a. It's been they've been partners for ages. Yeah, I, I thought it was very impressive uh, from Brisbane. And once again, I don't think Canberra played poorly. I thought they played really well. Mm. And this doesn't really dint the Raiders at all for me. Mm. Um, I thought it was interesting. They spoke to Ricky Stewart after the game and they sort of said, oh... You know, they had they were missing this guy, missing this guy, this guy was injured. And Ricky sort of said, mate, we've been in those positions. You, you find an extra gear. It does happen, yep. sort of thing. Um, and he, he, he gave credit to Kevin Walters, which I think is fair, that good teams do that when they've got a good culture. Yeah. And you can see what Kevy has built up there up at Brisbane this year. Oh, mate, it's absolutely amazing. The turnaround of the club. <coughs> so yeah, it was his first board. game with, with that. First Reynolds. game? Yeah. Yep. It wasn't his flashy stuff that I thought was incredible. It was his subtle stuff. That the Ezra Mam's ability to just hold the ball an extra second longer or get rid of it early. His ability to read the game is so far ahead of most young teenagers. It's incredible. And and just his deft touch, every pass landed exactly where it needed to pass. Even the one like we got a rookie in his first game with Alan Rhodes, it's essentially his second game starting the NRL. And, and people will say, oh, you're making a big deal of it and, and whatever. But like even little things of throwing the dummy, then taking the tackle and offloading on the line, like so many halves would have panicked and just thrown the, the ball straight away and then the winger could have jammed in and stopped the whole play. To have the, the calmness and to slow the game down in your mind but still play fast like that, Ezra Mann was incredible. And like there was probably at least two line breaks on his edge that – was because of his ability to to pass at exactly the right time. Exactly the right time. When, when you look at like <clears throat> ball players in the NRL and how guys would match up next to each other, we quite often talk about the Raiders, that Jack White needs a certain sort of halfback next to mm. him and whatnot. Reynolds and Mam, that combo. Special. It's close to perfect really, isn't it? Yeah, when it comes to styles of footy yeah, players. Like yeah, it's exactly what you want in yeah. your halves. Absolutely, absolutely. What do you think of this game, Timmy? Sorry, mate, I tuned out about five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> where, where are we at? <laughs> nah, um... Look, Brisbane, incredibly impressive. And for me, Brisbane have passed their first test in terms of turning into a dominant side again in the NRL where we know they have been for a few years now, which has been reflected in the Queensland Origin team because there's less Broncos involved. Mm. There's less disruptions to them over the Origin period. Well, this was their first game where they've gone. They're missing key players. They've got key players backing up, playing big minutes again uh, in Paddy Carrigan, who's just incredible. So... You know, I'm really interested to see how the Broncos, with all this origin impact over the next five weeks and how they go. They obviously play around 17 where they'll have half their side out. Uh, back to the days where it would get to the origin period and Brisbane would be going, geez, this is going to be hard going because we're just decimated. Um, but they're one from one through it and, yeah, good luck to them. 
I just want to uh, show a quick list. So this is at Fox League. Make sure to go to at Fox League on Instagram and give them a follow and, and watch this video. Also, Instagram. I want to just show you boys the him mic'd up. I got you, brother. Oi, tighten up, because Renault's right. Tighten up, Tyler. Kotrick, Kotrick. Kotrick. Man down, man down. Kotrick bumpers. Sit him back, sit him back. All this talk is so important. Widen, widen, widen. Oi, tell me that. Because I've got pain inside the four. I'll tip you, I'll tip you, I'll tip you. Let's move him around, bro. So good. Kicker, kicker, kicker! Ricky, kicker! This isn't just... Oi, oi. Look how tight their fours are. Oi, tight fours. Huh? Tight fours, all right? But tip you, their, their oh, yeah, fours yeah, are tight. Yeah. You can get on that overs, get a fogerty. Let's go, let's go, let's go. This is your 13, talking. Oi, just one play, give me your ears, give me ears. Oi, discipline, oi. Remember when I say look for three inside the ref? That's three plays, but two wide at A at the moment, all right? Tighten up. That's that's your 13 talking like a seven. That's your 13 talking like a seven. And and just for the people that may not be aware of it, when he like little things like their fours are really tight, that's your seven that's supposed to be saying stuff like that. So he is working with his forwards going, getting getting his forwards to certain points on the field. When he says uh, three near the ref and he says their markers are, are really wide, that's the marker, not the marker, sorry, the A defenders, they're the first defenders behind the markers. So if they're really wide, you tighten up your attack and you hit him behind the markers. That's just 13 talking like that. That's amazing. On top of, he's a massive workhorse and a massive ball runner and tackler. What do you think about that, Timmy? Oh, I hadn't seen that. Forwards tight, forwards tight, start going overs. Like, mm. that is unbelievable. Even just the in the moment, Kotrich running up to him. Kotrich bumpers, Kotrich bumpers. Like, that is so on the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that content is brilliant. I'd love yeah. to see more of yeah, it. Yeah, great stuff from Fox. Great. I mean, they do some really, really good stuff, Fox, especially some of their camera angles and that. But, yeah, Carrigan, like, his chat. Oi, oi, boys, listen, listen, listen. Like, to be able to pull a – like, to – to say stuff like that, it's it's like natural leader to be able to like pull them back into the moment. And sometimes when in the field and you're in the heat of battle, so much shit's going on. Sometimes you need someone just to pull everyone in, focus on him and, and listen, uh, talking about discipline. And this is why a few years ago, I, I said he'd be the captain of the Broncos. Like that's a 13. That's a 13 talking like a lock. And I, I could be mistaken, but I thought when I was rewatching the origin the other day, there was a moment where they flushed the change rooms at halftime. Yeah. He was being heard. He was talking yeah. in, in the group. We're talking about a 23-year-old, 22-year-old in his origin debut. He's still only in his second. I think he's played about 60 games of NRL. He is really, really impressive. And and again, it's it's usually when you watch a forward like that, you're hearing stuff like, come on, boys, and let's hit him, and, which is you need that. You absolutely need that in your pack. For him to be sitting there going, oi, markers are wide, uh, A defenders are wide, fours are really tight, which means we can get on the edges there, telling Haas to get... Get, get, we'll, we'll move these boys around. Incredible stuff. He is so impressive, Paddy Carrigan. And I'm glad he's starting to get the raps that he deserves because the last few years he's worked his backside off, his absolute backside off. We've got a special, special player in Paddy. And to be honest, his, his value is just going mm. up and up and up. I mean, I, I thought it was pretty evident in the audio, but just from you sitting next to him, could you tell how, like, how, how Smithy feels about him? Uh, Paddy Carrigan? Yeah. Yeah, look, I, I, mate, I think that... Carrigan and Cotter, Smithy 
and Slater and that, they just look at them like, yeah, that's us. Yeah. You know, that that's what we're about. We're about those kind of players right there. Uh, and, you know, he delivered. To do what he did in Origin as a forward, like, when was the last forward that did that? Him and Cotter. Especially Paddy off the bench. I can't, I can't think of another... I can't think recently, I'm sure there's plenty of years back, but recently a debutant forward coming off the bench and just blowing the game apart the way Paddy Carrigan did. So very exciting. Um, you know, I, I think the, you know, when Reynolds retires, I think Paddy Carrigan is absolutely ready now to be the captain of the Broncos. A couple of years ago, he was handed the captaincy after because there was injuries. And I said, like, I didn't like it because he'd only played about 20 in a row games. And I just said, it's too much pressure for, the, for him. As well as like, when you're talking to the boys, and you've only played 20 games yourself, very hard to demand that respect. But he has earned that respect over the last couple of years. Um, and, mate, he's incredible. I think he'll definitely captain the Broncos, and he may captain uh, Queensland and even Australia. Like, that's how impressive I find him as a bloke. Um, we have to remember this guy helped steer the Broncos, the biggest sporting franchise in the country, or used to be, through the darkest times of the club's history. And he's been, like, the beating heart of that. Huge effort, huge effort. If we get to two years' time and let's say Adam Reynolds is retired by that point and he's the captain of the Broncos and DCE's out of the Maroons, so could he be the next Maroons captain? Or I, I can't see why not. If he's already, on his debut, got the Queensland origin side around him in the changing room doing these ones at halftime, that's pretty, pretty well, amazing. He'll be 26 by then. Like yep. it's, it's not old, but it's not that young. Not that young. No, I think personally right now he's ready to captain the Broncos and then in a year or two with a few more series under his belt, he'll be ready to captain uh, uh, Queensland. I thought Rabadi was outstanding. I thought it was probably his best game in first grade, 154 metres, a line break, a line break assist, 13 tackles, only one miss. Uh, you know, what's crazy about this, Payne Hass went off at 24 minutes. Uh, mm -hmm. Sorry, Payne Hass went off at 28 minutes. Uh, Billy Walters, I thought he was really, really good. Uh, seems to be finding a home there uh, at the nine. Uh, Herbie Farnworth wishing him the swiftest recoveries tore his bicep he's out for three to four months which is devastating he's having the year of his career but the good thing is he signed a contract with the Broncos he's going to be at the club and I, I think you know if Herbie continues this and he can stay at the club long term he'll go down as one of the most beloved players we've had in a very long time he's such a battler gets into everything um, I thought Corey Oates was outstanding I, just to I, Flegler off the bench was amazing oh. nearly 200 metres uh, 28 tackles, four tackle breaks. I'm just super, super proud. And I'm super happy that those young boys and that whole staff get to experience what it should be like to wear that Broncos jersey. They're they're amazing, absolutely amazing. What would you uh, What would you do with Herbie's jersey? Obviously, Branko Lee played centre the other night. You could move him to the left. The other one I was going to throw in there. Just testing you. Come back as a centre potentially. Yeah, I'd probably bring him in as a centre. I like Tomato Martin. I think he's been doing... He has although, to stay, doesn't he? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Although he's still a bit rough around the edges. He's missed a few tackles and his running game isn't the best. He just adds so much silkiness to our ball playing and attack. And I just don't think it's worth taking him out there. Whereas Tessie knew, I think he can offer the same as what he could offer at fullback at centre. So I think it's it's good timing for Tessie uh, to be able to come in and just be that workhorse. You know, Take the stress out of the game. Don't have to worry about it. Just t take 20 carries a game. Um, so, yeah, look, really, really exciting. The boys should be super proud. It was an amazing, an amazing performance. That's seven in a row now. So incredible. Thank you, boys. Thanks for making me love footy. <laughs> Jesus. Such a good week for a Queenslander and a Broncos fan. Now, on to the Raiders. Yeah, we're fucking stoked. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you sound fucking heap stoked, you dogs. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Get one win and fucking some morgue up in here. Barely talking. Funeral? We had a bloody funeral or what? <laughs> uh, now, on to the Raiders. 
Look, I don't think there's many bad things to say for the Raiders. Like, yeah, okay, the Broncos dropped a few players injury-wise, but I think that Broncos have proven they, they are the real deal and they, they're, they're building more than just having a bunch of young, good players. They're, they're building good culture. I thought the Raiders were really good. Tarpanet, for me, was the best player on the field. He was amazing. He might be the best forward in rugby league at the moment. The last he month. Is. I feel. I think we said it a couple of weeks ago. I feel like there's been a real transition of that alpha forward mm. from Papali'i to Tapanay, which is not not a negative on Josh at all. It's just that, you know, father time remains undefeated. You have got to pass it on at some point. Uh, and I just think that Tapanay is just, without you know using that old saying, and he has gone to a brand new level, hasn't he? Like, 243 metres, 23 runs. 23 runs as a front rower, 67 post contact, four tackle breaks, 29 tack- uh, 33 tackles, only one miss. Six offloads. Six offloads. He did it last week in the first 32. He's a it was beast. Crazy. He's a fucking beast. What did you reckon about the Raiders, mate? Yeah, not not too disappointed, but just old problems rearing their head again. And that's second half woes. No points in the second half. And that was with the Broncos having injuries during the game. Mm. I think they got down to, what was it, 14, 15 on the bench at one stage. Um, you know, the Raiders' origin impact. Papali'i only played, I think, 22 minutes or something. So... Not massive excuses there. Jackie White was the only other one. So I thought with all that went on that the Raiders, they just, as good as Brisbane were, the Raiders need to be closing these games out if they're yeah, serious about doing sure. anything. And and that that was quite upsetting. Uh, Jackie White and then uh, Jamal Fogarty, their second game together in the halves. The Raiders are getting there and they have turned a corner. They're looking all right. But if they're genuine about playing finals footy and making any impact come September, mm. it's going to be off the back of them too because they're not a side littered with stars, but Jack is that and Jamal's proven that he's a very good football as well. Only a couple of games back from injury. So that'll be the key to them and I'm excited to see their combination grow over the next, well, the back half of the season. Uh, but that'll, that'll determine if there are any chance of doing anything in the back end of the year. There's, there was some call for Jackie... Some people saying that maybe moving to centres or, or another position. Do you think Jack is the long-term six at the club? <laughs> With the current roster, mm. yes. Matty Frawley came in and did a really good job. That's I, what I'm, he, I, he I, I wonder. He had a good winning record with him in, his, in the side the Did you go Frawley and Fogarty in the sixth? Because I just felt in that second half, they just lacked the structure to have that final punch, mm. you know, create to create space outside. Do you think there is an argument to bring Fawley into the side with Fogarty? It's, it's hard because, as I mentioned, there's not many stars in the Raiders side, particularly in the back line. We've got some strike forwards in mm. Tapani, Papali'i, a few of these guys, Adam Elliott. But in the back line, I, I really don't think there's a lot of points, and I think that's showing. So if you move Jack to centre, you can really limit his output. Yep. I think you could put him to fullback. I think he's a tremendous fullback, but you know he's really made that 5-8 role his own for a long time now. So it's a big move mid-season, and what it also does is he's such a good defender, Jack. So it takes that out of the defensive line. So, look, I wouldn't be doing it. Uh, Ricky brought Fogarty with the plan to go, all right, our halves are going to be a lot of our punch, uh, a lot of our attacking flair. Let's see how they go. Mm. Um, If it's not working in four or five weeks' time, maybe they can look at changing it up. But for now, I'd be seeing how they go. So trying to create a combination with Fogarty and then – Give it a month of footy if it hasn't improved. And, and that's the we, – we talk about planning for the future as well. We know you need to win games right now, but that's what they're building around, them between the halves going forward. So I yep. think you've got to stick with that for the time being at least. Yeah, it's going to be interesting over the next uh, month for the Raiders because, as I said, I, I really feel like they've turned a corner. And I would say out of all of that top eight 
guys that are all jammed on that the ladder, I reckon they're probably playing the best footy. Mm. When you look at the Roosters, Seals, Dragons, Raiders, I reckon it goes, when it comes to quality footy, it goes Raiders. I think Manly's actually been pretty good. Um, then probably Roosters, Rabbitohs, Dragons. Do you know what I mean? I think Raiders are leading the charge right now in that area. So this next month of footy, they play Newcastle next week and then St. George. So they're really winnable games for, for the Raiders. Um, uh, I thought Xavier Savage game was really interesting because I love that he kept trying. Like, I love that he battled on. He, he eventually he ended up running for quite a few, like 250 metres or so. Just, just the odd error here and there that's really hurting him. Um, he, he had two line breaks. He had four uh, tackle breaks. Just needs to get that error out of his game because it, it seems to come at crucial times. I think it was at the start of the game on a kick return. Just dropped the ball uh, unforced pretty much. Do you think when Chance is fresh and fit, ready to go, Savage, Savage keeps his spot at fullback? That's a great question uh, because they're just the completely opposite player, aren't yeah. they? And it'll probably come down to when Chance comes back how the Raiders are going, and if they're, you know, if they're struggling for points later on, but Savage is showing a bit of X factor, which he will because he's yeah. a very good footballer. He'll be a key cog in in producing points. Mm. Whereas if the Raiders are looking all right, um, they're scoring points without the, the need for Savage, they can bring Chance back without those errors in his game. He's so reliable; they'll probably opt for him. So it'll all depend on. Would you put him in the centres, Chance? <sighs> Possibly, but I mean, you've got Tomoko in there who you're not getting rid of him. Um, I don't know, mate. There's there's a lot of options. I, I, I prefer not. I prefer Chance at fullback. Yep. You can play him on the wing, but then you've got Kotrick and Jordi Rapana, so they're your, your wingers. Yep. But I mean, there's also the option to put Kotrick at centre if you need be. Yep. Um, look, it's good options to have. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know which way Ricky will go. Yeah. Um, interesting to see. Uh, I, what I, I love about Savage though is he keeps turning up. Didn't go into his shell. Didn't allow that. It was an early error that happened as well. He kept turning up. And also, like, at times you would have thought if they are going to break it open, Savage was the most likely. So mm. I love that from Savage. And I think it's clear for everyone to see this This kid is a talent, a real, real talent. Uh, Tomoko, I thought, was great. He's so strong. Uh, ball running, just a, just a ball of muscle, seriously. Like, he's not the biggest frame, but... Every time in contact, he seems, he seems to win that contact. Uh, Hudson Young, man, he's a menace. He's just con he really does remind me now of Bateman. They're a bit similar in size and everything, but just their constant in-your-face, trying to win, trying to, to get the leg up. Uh, so, look, yeah, I agree. bit of old problems rearing their head in the second half, but I still think over the entire 80, the Raiders – uh, a much better side than they were earlier this year. Like, I, I really don't think it was that bad of a performance. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, on to the next game. We've got the Seagulls versus the Tigers. Um, what did we think of this game, gentlemen? Jeez, it was good to see uh, Kohler in some space finally, wasn't Far it? Far out. Far yeah, good. Out. That was crazy. Um, yeah, I think it was pretty evident. The Tigers, they look like a reasonably unhappy camp to me at mm. the moment, obviously. The drama, they sacked Madge last week um, after a bye, which was bizarre. Weird timing to do that. Um, I thought there was a couple of guys there for the Tigers that came up with defensive efforts that I don't think you would have seen over the last few weeks. Say what you will about Madge. I think he was getting something out of them. I mean, you have a look at the ladder. I think they're, they're fourth last. They lost their first five games in a row. Yeah, For them, 
not to be last at this point is a damn good effort. Mm. I I don't know. I, I feel like this Tiger situation, it's another one that's going to get worse before it gets better, unfortunately. Yeah, that the match sacking in the middle of the year, it is bizarre to me. Absolutely bizarre. If it's going to happen, do it at the end of the year. Who's out there that's going to make it better? It, it feels I mean? like they made this decision four weeks ago and they were almost shitty that he kind of turned it around. It's bizarre. It was, it's do you think they were sitting there going, we need to sack him now just in case he does turn it around? But then you're like, well, why'd you stick with him for so long? Yeah. It, it, that, the sacking of Madge at the moment makes no sense to me. If you're going to do it, do it at the start or end of the year. There's no one on the market right now. I, I, what I'm not understanding with the Tigers' decision is that what was pressing the issue? What was, like, was there a coach on the market that you needed to get? So, like, I don't know what was pressing the issue that forced Madge out now. And I agree with you. I think you could see, um, and, you know, in a perfect world, players don't care who they play for and they go out and they, they play the best of their ability. But unfortunately, we're human beings. And when you lose a coach that they've all come to love, it's going to affect them. Mate, they had an internal review at the end of last season. You remember they had to delay it for two days because <laughs> they had to look at it for longer. And then at the end of the few days, they came out and said, the guy we signed long-term, we've decided he's still our guy. Yeah, it's bizarre. They come out, they go like a busted, they have injuries, they then start to play good. And I personally they've got pretty unlucky over the last five or six weeks at different points. They finally sign some good footballers and then they decide, oh, no, now he's not our guy. Mate, super, super weird. What do you reckon, Timmy? Yeah, the Tigers, funny one. They're starting to get a few players back from injury, yet throughout one of their worst performances of the season. Um, when they did have injuries there and they were sort of, there was pressure on Madge and he was sort of getting them up and getting them in contest. So, I mean, it is what it is now. Nothing's changing, but uh, hard to find too many positives for them coming out of that performance. And Manly on the flip side, yeah, they got the job done, but at the same time, they really took, they didn't beat much. It's hard to sort of praise them too much for that performance. But again, they conceded what was it, one try and put 30 on the board. So can't knock a result like that score wise. Oh, yeah. I, I think as you said as well, I mean, like, who's going to come in and do a better job, mate? Who's going to go there? Mm. Yeah, it's such a, like, you've you got no uh, assurances that, you know, things aren't going to get yeah. leaked. And if someone's offside, oh. they don't like you, you're going to find yourself in the paper. And, mate, it's a very strange situation. Uh, Look, I, unfortunately, I think that the Tigers' season, where we saw so much hope, I kind of see a dash now. I, I don't know. I don't think they're – I hope I'm wrong. I really do hope I'm wrong where it was one-off week and then they turn around and they rally again. But I think that this may be uh, – get yeah, it may get worse towards the end uh, of the year. Had this broken when we were here last week or not? Did it happen on the Tuesday? Oh, man, I can't remember. Tuesday, right, okay. Yeah. Like, it's so interesting as well, like – Obviously, Madge has got this link to Appy. They played, you know, he, he gave him the 2014 jersey in the grand final. He's mm. got a link to Papa Lee because he's the coach in the New Zealand side. He's obviously, you know, got guys like Leilua, like Jacko, that have stood by his side this entire time and backed him. I mean, you, you, you've got Dewey, Jacko, and Luke Brooks. They're off, con like, they can negotiate with other clubs November 1st. Yeah. The one guy that has stood in all three of those corners the entire time, they've just shooed him out the door. Yeah, it's a strange one. It's a strange one. Hopefully they can turn it around because that, that would be so disappointing because they finally looked like they'd fight, fought their way out of such a dark time and then, unfortunately, that happens. Now, Manly. Uh, look, Manly, I thought they did what they were supposed to do and I also think that what really impresses me about Manly is they obviously lost Tom Dravojevic and they haven't fallen apart. I like Garrick at the back. I think Garrick's been outstanding at the back. I think that uh, he's going to be... A long-term player at that club he's so crucial and he just puts up points 
Like, he, he hits, I think he's at 126 points for the season now. Uh, you need point scorers. Like, you know, yeah, okay, he's, are they, you know, Brian Toto or whatever? No, but he's just putting points up on the board constantly, just getting their team up by sixes rather than fours. Uh, he gets through a mountain of work. He's constantly dangerous. I think Garrick has been outstanding for Manly uh, in that role. That you know, it's big shoes to fill. Uh, outside would, of that, oh, Alloy was also outstanding. Sorry, just on moving Garrick before we move off him. If he was on the open market, what would you pay him as a fullback? Where do you sort of put him? What range? Oh, do you I want to see a little bit more, but maybe three or four hundred k, three or four hundred k. Okay, yeah, right. I, okay, I thought you'd have him a bit higher than that. Okay. Nah, no way. Fuck. Because you got to, like, yeah, yeah nah. Because three, three or 400K, like, that's a fair whack of your, your salary cap for a guy that isn't a rep player, you know, is a good, solid fullback. But when you're trying to balance out, because what will happen is if you don't have a superstar, it's like Dylan Edwards at the back. Mm. He's probably on three or 400K. And that's because of the balance of his side. All the money is invested yeah, into. Fair enough. To Cleary, to, to Luai. And so a guy like Garrick... I'd be looking about three or four hundred k, and then I'd be investing massively in obviously my nine, six, and seven. If you could sign him as the Raiders fullback, what would you pay him? I'd not comparing to Penrith because they're such different rosters, but I'd be happy to bump that up closer to sort of five mm. because I mean, not only has he proven that he can deputise at fullback really well, but he's a gun winger. Massive for yardage Which I just Every time I watch Game of footy That becomes more important And on top of it He's a really good goal kicker mm. um, So He ticks a lot of different boxes uh, As a, He's a very versatile player um, Yeah I'd be happy To give him 500 Is fullback his better position? Do you reckon? No I like him as a winger Yeah I like him as a winger He's really good at fullback Gets through a bunch of work But I think he's a great Finishing winger Really good solid Finishing winger Um yeah, I, I really rate him. I really do. And I think that he's underappreciated. Uh, but Manly fans, I'm sure, absolutely love him. Uh, I thought Josh Alloy was outstanding. Mm. Really good through the middle. He was there, the, the key to their go forward. Um, look, good, solid win. Good, solid win. Kieran Foran leading the boys around again. Uh, Ola Kawatu, holy shit. <laughs> Another week of just dominating through the edge there. He is so dangerous on that edge. And, and some, like I saw some people say that he, he's not consistent. I feel like he's been pretty consistent this year. Like I feel like every single, well, most games, he's been probably their most dangerous forward this year. Mm. Um, so Ola Kawatu, now I'm not sure whether he played with Tonga or New South Wales, but if he is making himself available to New South Wales, I, don't, I think he'd do a job in Origin. Now, is he going to get the he job? Is. I think he said Tonga. So he said Tonga? Can yep. you check that, please, Matt? He has. Yeah. He has said Tonga? Yep. Okay, well, Tonga. Mate, him on the edge for Tonga, it's going to be unstoppable. Seriously, such a good talent. Great story too. Got asked to come down to training with Nasi Fainu. Uh, Manasi Fainu uh, basically was a basketball player and he's only been playing league for not many years. And you can see that. Like each week he's just getting better and better, more well-rounded, understanding the game better. It's super impressive. Um, outside of that though, just a really good solid win. I thought... Um, Tui Pilotu was outstanding again. Uh, Cooler, obviously, was scoring his try. Um, look, good win. Good win. Uh, there's not really much else to say. Was there anything else to start to you, boys? I yeah. thought Jake Trevojevic was really good in that game. Yep. I thought that was probably his best game he's played in a while. Put Aloye over for the first try, I think it was, with uh, a little bit of ball playing there. Yeah. 
And then apparently, or not apparently, uh, after the game, if we needed any more confirmation of Jay Tavoyevich being the best dude in the NRL, they're asking about his origin recall credentials and sort of saying, what do you reckon, mate? And he sits down and wraps all these other candidates who can get a go. Oh, mate. And then, the and then on top of that one, uh, Manly number nine watch, James Seguiaro hat-trick in eight minutes in New South Wales Cup. No way! 70th, 76th, 78th minute got a hat-trick. They got done. Might yeah. have taken the foot off the pedal, the Maggies, but, you know, lurking around. So is Seguiaro signed with Manly or still just with the reserve grade? I think he put up a thing the other day saying he'd signed a train and trial. But we haven't, I haven't seen that announced anywhere. Yep. And we would see that announced anywhere. Can you please check for us, Matt? I, I don't think he's signed there yet officially. I, on I, the official NRL website, he's not on their list. He's not on their list. Yeah, but I'll that, keep digging, but yeah. Have you Googled like Seguiaro yeah. signs for Manly or whatever? I don't, I don't know if it's official because I feel like we would hear that. And I also feel like you, you'd, be, you'd be maybe chucking him on the bench at 14, seeing how he goes. Well, he played 80 as well on the weekend, yeah. so the fitness is there. Well, he's yeah. also been playing... Um, Quite a bit of halfback down there. I mean, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so. Interesting. Seggy watch. Yeah, Seggy watch. It's got a cam on him in reserve grade, just following him around. <laughs> um, Dylan Walker again off the bench. Great impact. But yeah, look, I thought it was a good, solid performance. Uh, yes, the Tigers didn't play the best, but they still put 30 on them. Like, this is a team without their main guy. People said they can't play any footy without their main guy. I think they're improving, and Desi seems to just be getting the best out of them. Uh, so, great win for Manly. Now, on to... Newcastle-Penrith. Uh, really, really concerned for Newcastle. Really, really concerned. And it's the same situation with the Titans as it is with Newcastle. The good, I'll use the Broncos as an example. When they were struggling, you could see the forward pack. You could be like, I can see the future. My concern with the Newey Knights is, is I, don't, I can't see what direction they're going in at the moment. I can't see a young batch of, you know, Newey boys that are really talented. They're just a bit rough around the edges. I'm really unsure what direction they're going to take going forward. And that's, that's what's concerning is that they've done so much work. They'd worked, you know, Adam O'Brien had come in and Nathan Brown lifts them off the bottom of the table. Adam O'Brien comes in, brings them into the finals footy. And now we get to halfway through the year or just over halfway. And unfortunately, they're, they're essentially a bottom four side, really. Like um, they're currently sitting 12th right now on the ladder. So, you know, they're not technically, they're not a bottom four side, but... I just I can't see. I don't know where where are they going. Where's the light at the end of the tunnel for them? What do you, what do you reckon about the Knights, Guru? They're an awkward team because I agree with you. You can't really see where they're going, but then you look at their squad right now and you go, "Fuck, it's not a train wreck." No, it's a good good it's solid a good squad. Side. Should like, be in the you top look eight. Through it, the halves are decent. Like they obviously need to try and keep on uh, keep a hold of Milf. They got a star at fullback. They got Gagai in the centres. Brad Mabess is injured at the moment. They've got him too. The four pack is stacked. Yep. I mean. There's guys that are getting picked in origin sides that are coming off the bench for them. Mm. Like, there's no reason why they should be struggling the way they are. And, you know, I, I don't know how far you look into, you know, a game against Penrith. Obviously, they're the benchmark and whatnot. But I mean, even if it wasn't against Penrith, regardless of who it was, it wouldn't surprise you if the Knights put in this sort of performance. Yeah. Mate, I just... It's just not looking good. What do you reckon, Timmy? Yeah, they're hard to make sense of for all the reasons Guru just said. And you look at, like, they're going poorly regardless, but they lose Caelan Pong to a HIA after 15 minutes. Like, mm. if Caelan Pong was to miss a lengthy stint of time due to injury or whatever it might be, like, where do Newcastle's points come from in this side? If mm. he's out, 
they have a spine of Chris Randall, Anthony Milford, Jake Clifford and probably Tex Hoy, which is what we're going to see thrown out this weekend, I'd say, if Pollen doesn't back up. Yeah. Um, that's when there's huge concerns. They can't score with him. What happens without him? Um, very, very uh, – look, I think Brayley coming back is going to be a huge <laughs> in. Now, I understand he's still a few weeks away. They've really missed Brayley because he was like the heart and soul of their side. But I do think pressure is mounting at the Newey Knights. Like, look at this forward pack. Clemmer, Saifidi, Frizzell, Fitzgibbon, Barnett. That's their starting board pack. So I, I understand Adam O'Brien's in a tough position because he, he, he was handed a team that had essentially their junior system was non-existent. They're trying to build that up again. And I know in the post-crash conference, he, he mentioned that. He said, look, we've got our, all our systems are, you know, we've got, this is a decade-long project. Uh, the unfortunate thing is even with this squad, they still should be going better. That's, that's what I'm not understanding. If, if their forward pack was, you know, 21, 22 years old, you know, 10 games into their career, I could understand this, this kind of... But at the moment, they've got a super experienced forward pack, some really good outside backs, um, and, and yet they're still really struggling to put it together. What do you got there, Matty? Just circling back to Seguiaro. So he's, according to everything that I read, he signed with the reserve grade team last year, but then in May... Early May, he signed like a training trial with the Seagulls and has been available for first grade selection since around 11. So he's, yeah. is he training with the Seagulls? I haven't seen any images yeah, of him training. So according, according, to, according to this, and there wasn't much on it, but the two articles I read, he's, he's training on a week-to-week basis with the Seagulls. Interesting. I haven't seen any images. But those articles were from a few weeks ago. There's, no, there's been nothing more recent. It's like, yeah. I feel like we would have seen some images of him at training. He put up something. I read something on his Instagram story the other day about signing something with the Seagulls. I'm not sure, like, so someone had asked him, are you going to be playing soon? And he was sort of like, oh, I'll sign something today, funnily enough, or something. So, I don't know. There's a bit of mystery around it, but... How do the... What do the Knights have to do to improve? Well, I was actually just thinking, like, obviously they lost Mitchell Pearce at the end of last season. Like, it sort of happened awkwardly with timing and whatnot, but... Just if they would have known they were going to be without Pierce this year and they could have gone in the market for a Chad Townsend or an Adam Reynolds, fuck, how different could it have been? Oh, way different. Way different. And I think, like, Townsend would seriously consider, you know, going to Newey over North Queensland because sure. North Queensland at the time mm. were, like, 14th or whatever. Do you think the right play is to get Hastings to the club? Do you think if, if it is true that they are chasing Hastings, is that the right call? I think so, but I think there'll be a few other teams with the same idea, realistically. What do you reckon, Timmy? Yeah, it's a, the whole roster stacks up beautifully. You mentioned the pack then. Mm. That's with Kurt Mann off the bench and no uh, Daniel Saifiti. Like, yeah. it's stacked. So Great pack. If I'm managing that roster, I'm trying to shed a bit of cash in the pack because they're, they're all pretty decent money forwards, uh, whether that be a Clemmer or a Dan Saifiti, whatever. One, there's a, enough there. Mitch Barnett's going, but Adam Elliott's coming in. They just need a halfback and whether or not there's money in that cap or whether they have to find it, I'd find a way to get a halfback because a good half, a Jackson Hastings in that team, they become a top eight tech. Like I think that changes everything for them. How much are you paying? Four. Hastings. We spoke about this about a month ago, didn't we? Mm. Uh, Seven fifty. Ooh. What about Hastings? What a turnaround. Oh. Gets shafted out to Super League. Now he's, yeah. you could argue he's one of the hottest property sevens on the on the block. Well, he will, mate, he, he's come back at the perfect time just as Townsend and Reynolds show that they are worth blank check yeah. sort of money. Yeah. Now he all of a sudden becomes the hottest guy on the market to be able to get your hands on and he's shown what he can do to a shithouse side that he can turn them into a side that can compete. Mate, if I'm the Knights, this is what I would be doing. I would be moving 
heaven and earth for Milford and Clifford, uh, Milford and Hastings. Because mm. if you put Milford and Hastings in this side, it really changes to something special. Um, and and, and it feel, I feel bad for Clune and Clifford. I really do, because they started the year so well. And, you know, Clune has had so many injuries coming in and out of first grade. So it hasn't been ideal for either. You know, Clifford has their own personal issues going on. Like, I, it has not been ideal for them. And they've worked their butt off. It just hasn't worked out. But unfortunately, like, it's a cutthroat business. And if a guy like Hastings is on the market and Milford's on the market, you're going you're gonna to go for him. It'll be interesting. Hastings, Milford could be the halves for Newcastle or the Dolphins next year. And I wouldn't be surprised yeah. either way. I, I can't – I don't know if Hastings will go to the Dolphins. I don't know if – I reckon he'll – Pretty good relationship with – you've got to remember that Wayne convinced him to play for England. Yeah. Only 18 months ago, so – Wouldn't you, it be a year late though, wouldn't it? He'd be a year late because he's got another year on the Tigers deal, doesn't he? Yeah, I'm not sure. Has he got a match – I'd be very surprised if he doesn't have a match clause in his contract. Really? I would have been sure, sure that he, he would – so desperate to get back, he wouldn't have had the power and negotiations to put that in his contract. Maybe. Like think of it, like he was offering his service to the entire Vienna role, and it's just the Tigers that went after him. I don't know mm. if he would have the negotiation power to be Fair. able to say I'm only on Madge, um, but yeah, unfortunately, Newey Knights they are they're still in search of a, a six and a seven. Look, I think Jake Clifford has the talent to do it. I really do. Just a confidence thing with him. Just needs to find some confidence, and then he can get back to that incredible form that he started the year with. He was amazing at the start of the year. Uh, so hopefully the boys can bounce back. Footy's better when Newey is playing well. Penrith Panthers, it's probably going to be our shortest segment because really what is there to talk about? These guys are amazing. Kickout was outstanding. Cleary was incredible. Timmy, what do you think about the Penny, Pan- Penny Panthers? Yeah, look, wrapping them is just boring. I'm over it. So I'm going to be uh, glass half empty and try and find a critique of them. Uh, and that is one. Ivan Cleary has this fascination with backing up his origin players. Yeah. And I, I don't get it because I don't think they need to do it. So they've had, you know, Nate's backed up and played 80 minutes. Luai's backed up. Nearly the whole contingent did except for Isaiah Yo. Liam Martin backed up and played something like 55 minutes. Yeah. In such a long NRL season and how taxing it is, when Penrith are four points clear and haven't looked like losing games outside of Parramatta, I just don't see why he needs to put more stress on these blokes week in, week out when they've got ready-made replacements who have shown that they can do it. They did it a week ago and, and won with all these players out. So I just think for the longevity of them and across the season, I'd just be giving them spells this time of year and they've got the luxury of being able to do that. Uh, I don't get it and Cleary's done it for a number of years now. I remember a year, I think it was two years ago, he played Cleary and Luai and a bunch of these guys in round the final round of the season when they had the minor premiership wrapped up and every other gun club, the Bunnies, Melbourne, were resting players and he just played them all. It's like, I mean, I can't knock results. Yeah, it works. Uh, of course, yeah, but yeah, it yeah. just seems like I'd, I'd be given, particularly Liam Martin who went 80 for the Blues, yep. a spell. Yeah. No, I can see that. I can see that for sure. I personally, I'm, I'm of the mind of resting if you can. Mm. Such a brutal season. Um, but how can we question? They're going yeah. so well. Oh, I'd love to know how much of a say the players have on that too. Yeah, because maybe they want to play. I what, what, like, I think the other thing is that I agree with you. I'd be resting too, but I think it's a, like normally when you have a heap of Origin players coming back, there, twenty-eight to thirty age. Mm. These guys are all 24, 25. Yeah. Like, mm. I think that probably plays a bit of a role in it. Yeah, they'd all want to play. Like, yeah, yeah they. Yeah. Imagine telling Nathan Cleary after yeah. Origin sticker. Oh, yeah, sit this one out, mate. Like, not a chance. Um, Cleary kicking for seven hundred forty-five meters, incredible. Crichton, I thought in attack at the very least he was really good, really good. A try, a try assist, one hundred eighty-seven meters, sixty-one post contact, 
a line break and a line break assist and two offloads. Really, really good game for a bounce back for Crichton uh, in attack anyway. Um, yeah, look, uh, as we've we've said, like there's really not much to say about the Panthers. They're unbelievable. They're, they're, they are the cream of the crop. They're the top of the NRL table, you know, when it comes to form, when it comes to actual points. If they aren't in the grand final, I will be shocked. If they don't make a grand final, it is a massive disappointing year for them. That's how good these guys are. And they're, they're all still growing. They're all still coming together. It's crazy. I think as far as they're concerned, if they don't win a comp this year, they'll be yeah. disappointed. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. So, look, as I said, uh, Scott Sorensen, once again, off the bench. I thought he brought a lot of impact. Uh, Mitch Kenny also had some really good moments. Uh, Spencer Linu, 41 minutes, 121 metres. Just a really good footy side. James Fisher-Harris, once again, 171 metres. Uh, it's, it's probably the most well-rounded footy side in the comp. It really is. Like, when it comes to just – they've got everything covered. Everything is covered. Incredible. It's one of the most well-rounded sides in a long time. Yeah. Just in general. Absolutely. Uh, now, on to the Warriors v. the Sharkies. Uh, great win by the Sharks. But I will say, I think – I think that they're probably not going to kick on the way we thought they were going to kick on. I think they've been a bit patchy over this last month. When they were going through their good patch, I just thought they had a bit more resolve in defence. I think at the moment they're still trying to work their defensive systems out. You know, for, for the Warriors to come out and score two really quick tries, um, you know, as the top-tier teams, you, you can't really allow that. So although the Sharks' improvement has been massive and I'm – I think that next year they'll be ch absolutely challenging top four. Like, absolutely. I do think that um, they probably aren't going to challenge this year for a premiership. But I hope I'm wrong. I would love for the Sharkies to push. I mean, look, to be fair, anything can happen. Anything can happen. They could beat any team. But I just think they've been a bit patchy over the last month. And I, I hope that, who knows, they could be preparing for a late run and they go on and do that run, which would be great. But I've just been a bit up and down. What do you think about the Sharkies? I agree with you, mate, but I, fuck, they're a team I don't want to play come finals time. Oh, for sure. Like they, for they, sure. They're going to be a real hand I agree. I don't think they can win a comp this year. Uh, but, yeah, it's crazy how how quickly they improve to all of a sudden now it's just, I don't know, it's like they've just come crashing back down to reality a little bit. Mm. And not in a, in a shocking way. Like, it's just, this is probably where they should be at mm. compared to where they were at the start of the year, which was just unheard of to be able to, to, to be doing what they were doing. Um, I still think they'll be uh, highest, probably fourth, fifth, sixth. Yeah, That's absolutely. where they'll sort of finish. I think they'll yep. play two finals games this year. Yeah. The experience will be really good for them. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like, like the, they've obviously got Hines, who's in origin camp at the moment, so he was missing. They'll have – Rep Brown, they'll have a number of boys that will go and play um, for different teams there. And, and then it's just going to be eight weeks to get themselves ready. Yeah. Man, looking at this back line, it is so potent and underrated compared to other back like Mulatalo, Talakai, Ramian, Katoa and Kennedy. That's a damaging, damaging back line. And, and then, then you like, got Hines and Seven. The next guys up are Connor Tracy and Ikabalu. If both those guys come in and they're your best backs that week, you're not surprised at all. Yeah. It's they're really, really building something special. Like that I really think the Sharks like even as a club financially, for more reports, they're doing really well. They've, they've purchased, I think, like the grounds around the thing with the hotel on that. <coughs> I think that they're setting themselves up to really kick on. And if they were the next next team to really become a powerhouse, it wouldn't surprise me at all. What do you think of the Sharkies, Timmy? 
Yeah, I think the one that stood out for me was how much they've missed Will Kennedy. Yeah. Um, yeah. He comes in there and in the weeks that he was out, they put in some pretty ordinary performances. Come straight back in, they put on 38 points. He's just class. Yeah. Like the, the finishing touch, uh, we talk often about these fullbacks and when they get the three on twos and just making the right decision and getting off right more often than not. And mm. Will Kennedy just gets it right just about every single time. Yeah. He's the polish on that back line mm. that, um, yeah, he really stood out for me on the weekend. And the longer they can keep, like any team obviously, but the one, six, seven together, continuing to build this combination, the more threatening they're going to get. Yeah. And you look at it like Braley, Hines, it's like the perfect mix of age and, and youth. Braley, a youth. Hines, still relatively young. Moylan, experienced. Kennedy, you know, mid, I think he's like 23, 24. Like, this spine can be together for at least another three to four years, at least three years. Uh, it's, yeah, as I said, I, I think that they're not going to be able to pull it together enough towards the end of the year to go on a run to beat Broncos, Cowboys, Panthers, Storm. Like, that would be super hard. But they, I, I would honestly give their season an A. Like, I am so impressed with the, what they've built there, with, with how far they still have to go. Like, it's not like we're reaching their potential either. A lot of their forwards are young as well. They haven't had Dale Finucane, uh last few weeks. Mate, super, super impressive. And, yes, they had those two early tries scored on them, but outside of that, they were quite dominant throughout the game. So, look, great signs. Talakai, 218 metres. Four tackle breaks, 89 post-contact, 10 tackles. Zero misses. What a knock. How was the footwork he put on for his try? Crazy. With his frame. Oh, mate. Like, imagine defending that bloke when not only can he just run over the top of you and you're million to one to tackle him, but when he can put on that sharp footwork and beat you with that. Yeah. And he luck. has good ball playing too. Oh. Good silky hands. Great tip on. So, Craig Fitzgibbon deserves massive raps. Katoa and Mulatalo. I honestly... They could challenge any wing combo in the competition. That's hard, how good they are. It's hard to work out which one of them is more underrated. Yeah. Like, just neither of them get spoken about ever. Um, yeah. Like, it's obviously Mulatalo. He, he got some attention last year with the origin yeah. and all that. But Katoa, mate, no one talks about him. I know. And he's gone. He's so mm. good footwork, strong as anything. Such a good finisher. Like, the, the, those two can do it all. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, So, look... Really exciting times for the Sharkies. Yes, it's been a bit patchy, but you know what? They're still winning games by big margins, still being able to put on a bunch of points. And they've, this is the first year of really their spine working together and they're doing it really well. So exciting times, Sharkies. Warriors. Um, look, I thought they showed a lot of fight, if I'm being honest. Everything that's going on, yeah, okay, it wasn't, you know, it sucks as a Warriors fan that you get beaten by a substantial margin. I thought they showed a lot of fight. I think they're probably lacking a bit in the outside backs when it comes to depth. Uh, but with everything they've got going on, they've got, you know, they lost Matt Lodge. Fanua Blake uh, didn't play. They've got Tavanga, Tavanga at 10. Murdoch Masilla got injured in this one. Yeah, he got injured quite early. Um, it's going to be a tough year, I think, for Warriors. They've just dealt with so much over the last few years. I, I, I just think it's going to be really hard for them to find the energy to go 80 minutes. Play Penrith this week. Oh, mate. Poor blokes. Yeah. If they, they play Penrith this week, then they'll have uh, Rep Brown, which, I mean, they'll, they'll probably put up a lot more players than anyone else will realistically. Yep. So uh, then they go the Tigers and they go into a bye. So, yeah, the Warriors only play two games in the next month mm. and then they can start. So, well, that that that, news, that Tigers game round 16, so after Rep Brown, that's meant to be at Mount Smart. Mm. So if they can just get through this Panthers game, 
put that one away. Yeah. And then just you can have rep rounds, then you can go back to New Zealand into a bye. Um, yeah. Timmy, right. What do you think? I'd just fall for that Panthers game and say, you know what? Let's just let's just get the bodies right and build for the Tigers the week after. Mate, oh, tough gig. The Warriors, they they started so well on the weekend. They went up two tries early. Full of and energy. looked excellent. Reese yeah. Walsh was in everything as he he like in a tough season, Reese Walsh is very impressive still. And I like his fight. Yeah. He's got a lot of fight in him. And they went up two tries early. We're going, here we go. Come on, Warriors. Like you, everyone wants to see him get a win up. Yeah. And they conceded a try off a Sharky's kick. Fine, not a lot they could do about it. Then they kicked out on the full, yeah. invited them down there. They scored again two tries apiece, and you just like. And the thing is that their completion is good, but it's like it's like these key moments, oh. like just after points, or you know, in these key moments, they just seem to make the wrong decision. They actually had a better completion rate than the Sharkies, but I, again, I can't really hold them. Like I can't hold that much against them because they've just been they've been dealing with so much, losing their coach. Um, the good thing is, is they came out firing. So clearly they react to Stacey. Clearly there's an emotional connection there. Mm-hmm. They're willing to play for him. Um, but yeah, it's going to tough year. It's, yeah, you know, there's also obviously a lot of things that are out of the Warriors' control, unfortunately. But fuck, there's still a lot of things that are in their control that, like, I don't know if I've ever seen a team kick out on the full. As many times as they More do. More than the Warriors. I know. Tough. It's unbelievable. They have one or two every single – there was – I think it was the weekend before that they managed to kick out on the full on the dead ball line and both sidelines in the first mm. half. Like. It's, and the, the thing that's interesting is, like, I'd, I'd get it if, you know, one week a bloke kicked out on the full. Everyone does that. You know, everyone – it happens all the time. But I feel like it's, like, a bunch of different dudes. Like, they get really unlucky. Like, it's, like, three <laughs> different blokes kick it out in the field full once each, you know? And it's – mate, I, I feel sorry for them, honestly. Tough gig. Now, on to the game that shocked everyone. The Bulldogs defeat the Eels 34-4. Some may say this is hyperbolic. Maybe it is. I honestly think that performance from the Bulldogs was the performance of a top eight side. Now, that's not to say that they will make the top eight or anything, but I think the quality of rugby league they played. Yes, the Eels didn't play the best they've ever played. There's no denying that. But I think the Bulldogs played high, high quality football and we're starting to see this, the connection between Flanagan and Burton, but also Burton and Addo Carr, their connection, the tries that they're putting on, it's amazing. Um, what an incredible win by the Doggies and it just gives them so much hope. What's also crazy is I think in the last two weeks, they've scored more than what they scored in the first 10 rounds. So I don't know what Potter has done but clearly something has opened up for them. Uh, Avrilo, I thought he was outstanding at fullback. I think fullback is absolute his position. I also think that you keep him there, you keep Burton and Flanagan together, and you get Reed Marnie in, and you just keep that spine. I think there's the, the game on the weekend for me personally, I know it's only one game, but it showed me of where that club can be in a very short period of time. I don't think top eight footy is as far away as we thought it was a few weeks ago. What do you think, Guru? Yeah, once you get Reed Marnie in there next year, kick out these sort of guys, um, they, they, they really could do anything. They showed us yesterday what their ceiling is. Um, it, it, if that is their ceiling with, with more players going in there, it could be better. I just I think that combination between Burton and Addo Carr. Crazy. It is insane. Yep. It nails is it. He nails it. Burton every, nails that kick every time. Every time. Like that, that, that first try that Fox scored where he chipped out of his Like Fox did not change his pace Crazy. at all on that yep. run. It, it was honestly the perfect kick. And just his kicking game in general. Like th- th- those kicks that he's. Like oh, I thought the Parramatta boys did really well to handle those 
they're like 65, 70 metre spiral bombs. I don't even know what to call them. Yeah. Like, you yeah. don't know if he's kicking for distance or, or, or to try and force an error. Yeah, incredible. Honestly, amazing. Amazing. Timmy, what'd you think? Yeah, it was a bad game to be a same game multi because it's just, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, we're not even close. Uh, there was a few things for it. One was that, you know, it's hard to sugarcoat it, but Parramatta came out complacent in this game and expected things to happen and points to come on the board. And I, I saw that attitude the whole game. But on the flip side, the dogs were the complete opposite. And while you could use that excuse for Parramatta and say they would never didn't get their heads in the game, the dogs didn't give them a chance to get their heads in the game. Like, mm. they were so physical in defence. They yeah. were just whacking them away. Their line speed was incredible. It, it was so good to see from the doggies. And there, there was a two-minute period very late in the game that summed it all up for me and it was when Mitchie Moses went through and had that ball knocked on from the line mm. A he had I think it was Burton flying behind him and knocked it out of his hand so that contrasted both sides but then the following set the dogs stormed upfield they had the game wrapped up uh, I think it was Docker Clay might have gone through found Burton Burton kicked yeah. uh, and then there was just a queue of Bulldogs mm. players racking up to, to score that try and they mm. were all just pushing forward on the ball and it just summed up the whole game for me really well uh, and for the doggies i'm so stoked for them yeah absolutely uh paul vaughan i know the doggies said that they're probably not going to re-sign him but i would reconsider that depending how much paul vaughan's asking i think he's been solid i thought he's great really really good the other night um i like tavita pangai jr in the front row uh, you know if he's on your team being super aggressive it gets the boys up it gets the boys up and you know, he ran for 172 metres, uh, 63 post-contact. He brought a lot of energy, a lot of energy. Uh, Max King, I thought he was outstanding as well, 172 metres. There's a lot to like. There's a lot to like. Um, Kiraz, we spoke about him, but 230 metres. I really, I think they're building something there. I think that, I think uh, Potter seems to, he seems to have a bit about him. You know, mm. I want to see, I want to see next week and the week after, obviously, but for them to have scored, what do you got there, Matty? Oh, sorry, I was just I just uh, double checked that stat you said. So they've scored more points in the last four weeks than they did in the first ten rounds. For last four weeks and last ten rounds, and so what? Potter's been coached three weeks now. Anyway, two to three weeks. Two to three, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see. You know, can because we we always talked about their roster being better than where they were. Maybe Potter's the guy to get them out of the where they need to go. And and to me, that Bulldog side, I haven't seen the Bulldogs play like this in honestly. I honestly can't remember. Probably since Desi was there. Probably. Seriously, since Desi was there, I haven't seen the Bulldogs play like that. So really exciting times. Congratulations, Doggies fans. Enjoy it. I thought there was a good moment in this game just for half time where Matt Burton stood up and he threw the ball at Mitch Moses. <laughs> yeah. Parramatta were already a bit rattled, but then you just went, fuck, this is exactly where Canterbury want to be. Yeah, for Canterbury sure. Canterbury want this to just be a scrap and just to get under their skins. And Parramatta, like, they were already in trouble, but they never recovered after that. Mm. Yeah, really interesting. And I was always, I was like waiting for Para to like click into gear. We'll talk about Para now. Yeah, just uh, Big Potter has been coached for those four weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's, uh, look, that's a, a shining uh, statement for his coaching ability. Mm. Points don't just come out of nowhere, yeah. you know. Four weeks, same 10 weeks. Wow. Must have been, him like, their game plan must have been just different, like really, really different. Wow, that's incredible. How, how good was also Avrilo's intercept try? Oh, mate. That was Darius just, Boyd all yeah, over Darius us. Darius Boyd eat your heart out on yeah. Chris Keating. I bet 
Pretty well since Darius did that. I've just been waiting for it to happen again. And a few players have done it and taken the intercept. Yep. I think Ponga might have done it once or twice. But to do it and go the lengths, yeah. that was awesome. Hey? So good. And it just like changed the game on its head. Mm. Eels looked like they were crawling back into it. RCG was getting getting uh, getting up and aggressive and line breaks. And great ball movement from Nathan Brown, I'm pretty sure, to RCG. Then just flip the game on its head it's like that's so deflating yeah. so deflating well, if they score that like that i think that was in like the 15th minute or something if they score that it's yeah, it's game on different all game. Of a yeah um now on to the eels uh look i thought they i thought some of them looks a bit complacent and i thought that not complacent but i just felt like they were trying to push the pass every every time they got the ball They'd be throwing offloads and flicking and cutout balls. And I'm like, where's this come from? Like, oh. this is not the way the Eagles play. Um, and I also feel like their origin players, like I thought uh, Regan Campbell-Gillard and, and Bolo looked fatigued, mm-hmm. which is fair enough. Like two front rowers in your, you know, in a New South Wales side in one of the fastest games you've played. And they're big, big bodies too. Um, and also they're both 28, 29. They're not young 21, 22-year-olds, and we looked at, like, so Tino started from the bench, Papali'i started from the bench, whereas the Eels started Paulo and started Campbell Gillard. And I think it's a very, like, it's one thing asking a seven, six, one, two, three, four, five to up to back up, but your front rowers, that's mm. a big, big ask. And some might say it's five days. It's still, it's still a tough, tough ask after Origin when you've also, mm. like, when it was such a fast game. So, um, look, I still think now someone messaged me is like, surely you can't say Eels are still a premiership threat. I know it's going to sound crazy. I still think they are. I, I honestly think that, yeah, okay, they're super inconsistent and they're nowhere near where we think they should be. But they also are capable, in my opinion, of going on a four-game run. And that's all they're going to need as long as they make the eight, which <laughs> let's hope they make the eight. But they just need a four-game run and I still think they're capable of it. I'll sort of echo what you said. They just got beat by Canterbury by 30. If they beat Melbourne by 30... I also wouldn't care. It mm. comes down to what they do in those last four weeks to yeah. me. That's all like we said a few weeks ago, we just wanted to fast forward 15 weeks with Parramatta. That's crazy with the, this Eels side. Like, I'm almost more confident that they'd win a game against Melbourne at the moment than they would against a bottom eight team. Yeah. And, and, and if you're going to use, okay, they got beaten by the dogs, they can't win a comp. It's like, well, you have to use that. They beat Melbourne Storm, so they can win a comp. Win, yeah. You know what I mean? So it kind of evens itself out. And what and even self, I, mean, I what I mean is, is it's a, it's really fifty fifty. Like that's how I'm not sure they may they honestly may go on and drop the last five six games of the year, or they literally may go on a run. I still think they have it in them. Um, one moment I did really like, although he had probably a, more of his one of his quiet games. Dylan Brown, Tavita Pangai Jr. shoots out, <laughs> hits him, gets up, whatever. Then they go up the other end of the field. Tavito Pangar Jr. picks out Dylan Brown on his own try line and Dylan Brown chops him on his try line. And I just thought, this is what this kid is capable of athletically. Like, to be able to chop down Tavita Pangar Jr. one-on-one on your own try line, amazing stuff. So, for Eels, you know, we're, we're just going to be echoing everyone else's sentiments. It's consistency is a real concern for them, a real concern. Like... It's weird. Like some part of me says, I'm glad that they had this loss because it gives Brad Arthur a reason to fucking stick a rock up their ass, rocket up their ass, and then they go gangbusters. Whereas like other years, they've gone so well throughout the season. In the last four or five games, they just fall off a cliff. Are we going to see the opposite this year, where they go poorly at the start of the se- or mid mid start, and then at the end of the season they have that massive run like they usually do at the start of season? What do you what, what do you reckon the direction is, Timmy, for the, the Eels? Yeah, I mean, you two blokes have summed it up pretty well there. And aside from the complacency, 
I, I like the fact that you said maybe this is the rocket up the arse that they needed. Yes, they've lost games that, to, to bottom eight sides that they probably should have won at times this year. Um, you know, this is the big one. Like, it's not a bottom eight side. It was the team coming last. Yeah. It was a rival 30 points from. They were, like, just flogged. So it's surely that's got – if there is any complacency left after that game in them, that gets it out of their system and they go, all right. Like, we – like, because – if they're going to win the comp, they have to do it from the top four. I can't see them going four in a row, coming from the five to eight position come yep. finals time. So they really have to get themselves sorted and finish, you know, third or fourth. Mm. Um, and we'll see how they bounce back. Yeah, look, interesting times. You know, to be clear though, that doesn't sit, we're not excusing it. It is a really, really poor performance by the Eels. Like, I think they'll be extremely disappointed with what they rolled out. Um, and I think that, like, if this doesn't shock them into, we can't. We can't just keep trying to flick passes out and do all that kind of stuff. Every time the Eels do that, they lose games of footy. Every time they come into a game with that super aggressive, all through the forwards, they dominate teams. And I think, like, surely this is a game where they go, okay, we know how to win our games and we know how we lose them. Let's not play like that again. Um, you know, 72% completion. It's not, it's not great. It's absolutely not great at all. Uh, so hopefully they can bounce back. Hopefully they can bounce back. Uh, that is us done for the day, guys. Have you got any announcement, boys? Yeah, we've got Beers and Breakevens uh, recording tomorrow morning, so that'll drop about Wednesday midday. So if you'd like to join us for that, Supercoach fans, come along. Sweet. Uh, also, Bloke Hoodies, 6 p.m. Wednesday. Set your alarm. Grab a case of Bloke and Navarro. We're in every single celebrations. Bottle Porter's Liquor, IJ Plus Liquor in New South Wales, ACT. We're also in every celebration superstore in Queensland. Plus, we've got a... Uh, store located on our website and our midi bloke midi is in every liquor legends will be slowly filtering out into every liquor legends as usual i'll go and fuck myself thank you